Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, the following podcast is about Star Wars. Look, we love Star Wars, and we know that you love Star Wars, but the reality is is that there's so much stuff about this franchise out there that we're not going to be able to cover every single detail of each and every film. We're going to miss some things. We're going to get some things wrong, but this is just a retrospective where the $20 ticket crew has a casual and open discussion. So if you're up for that, if you're up for a casual discussion and debate with some facts sprinkled in, you know, keep listening. If you want excruciating, painstaking detail, this might not be the podcast for you. Maybe you should watch some bonus features or something. Uh, either way, we hope you enjoy. The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers you've been warned no seriously they're they're spoilers and and foul language yeah welcome to 20 dollar ticket and welcome to the star wars retrospective original trilogy recap where we talk about star wars episode 4 a new hope episode 5 the empire strikes back and episode 6 return of the jedi my name is kerwin and joining me today is jason what up jason not much about you kerwin i'm good man what are you drinking today just a Michelob Ultra, changing it up a bit. Cool. Also joining us is Mugga. What up, Mugs? What's going on, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? Um, I'm glad you asked. I am actually drinking some wine, but yesterday I was at Escape Brewery and I had to buy a four pack to bring with you guys. I know we're doing the old trilogy, but they have the Hatch Awakens IPA. Oh, so wow. I brought a four pack if anyone would like one. I love I'm not drinking theme. beer right now, but I'm going to go ahead and pass these down. Cool. They're not good. I tasted it a little bit, <laughs> but they will do the job. All right. But I really want you guys to check out the logo. I think it's kind of cool. But Escape Brewery in Redlands, I think they got a great, uh, great can. It's not good beer um, for this, but uh, but, what but, but, but it does shine the promo whole thing for that we're Escape. Doing right now. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm drinking, what you guys are also going to be drinking. It says the hatch is strong with this one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, check this out on our Instagram when this episode comes out. Uh, we'll post a picture of it for you guys so you can see what we're having this episode. Um, also joining us today is TJ. What up, TJ? Hi, Kerwin. How's it going? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Well, now I'm drinking the Hatch Awakens from <laughs> Escape Craft Brewery. Yeah, it kind of makes you want to escape from this. Oh, there's one. Hey, Don't you love the pun counter. <laughs> hey, here's a, here's a beer for you guys. It's not good. No, Enjoy. This, you this, can't this, say no, that. Escape no, Brewing no. listens to our podcast. No, I know. I'm saying this beer I didn't think was that good. They had other beers that were good, but I felt it fit the whole situation or the tone right now, what we're doing, but I didn't really care. See what you guys think. Maybe I was just bitter about it. See I also I wonder how, allowed, <laughs> how are they allowed to use like R2D? That's R2D2, right? It is. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you're on this podcast. Are they, <laughs> how are they allowed to use that image? I feel like that's probably a copyright infringement, but whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Okay. They, there's graphic designers out there that they could hire. Um, also joining us today is Bling. What up, Bling? Hey, Kerwin. How you doing? I'm good, man. What are you uh, drinking today? I'm actually not drinking anything. So. Do you want something to drink? Uh, we'll see. Do you want a water? There's bottles in the fridge. Ooh, is, there, is, is it good water? I don't know. It might be tap water. Is high quality H2O? I don't know. I don't pay for it. Do you want water or not? I'll take a water. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll get you one. All right, we'll get one for you after this. Uh, making his debut on the podcast is Eric. What up, Eric? Hey, Kerwin, how's it going? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking Ultra today. Okay, cool. Also rounding out the panel is Erica. Erica, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. What are you drinking today? Well, I'm drinking an Ultra, and I'm about to crack open the Hatch Wagon since... Mugga got it for us. You're welcome. Right. Cool. Uh, so uh, maybe during this episode or after the episode, we'll let you know what we feel about the beer. But uh, yes, that is uh, what I'm drinking too. The uh, Hatch Awakens. 
Good choice. You like mugs. it? Thank you. Thanks, Thanks mugs. mugs. You're welcome. Appreciate, for this. appreciate it. Lindy actually bought it. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Lindy. <laughs> Fuck you, mugs. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we are going to be talking about the original trilogy. But before we get into each of these movies individually, we're going to do uh, kind of a broad overview of um, Star Wars and the uh, the lead up to kind of the making of the very first film, the 1977 release. So let's get right to it. First, we're going to start off with uh, George Lucas. Uh, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, was born May 14th, 1944 in Modesto, California. George Lucas actually wanted to be a race car driver when he was younger and would actually participate in underground racing when he was in high school. In a 2012 interview that George Lucas did with Oprah Winfrey, he says that he got into a near fatal car crash. He was hit by a car that was doing 90 miles per hour and required emergency treatment. Uh, the near death experience changed his outlook on life, which he kind of saw as a quote, extra credit or bonus material since he felt he should have died in that incident. Uh, after the accident, Lucas took an interest in and studied film, eventually attending USC, where he would eventually meet Steven Spielberg, as well as Francis Ford Coppola through a scholarship program while earning his master's degree. Uh, Lucas would also study under Irving Kirshner, who he'd eventually hire as the director of Empire Strikes Back. Um, he graduated from USC in 1967, and according to Wikipedia, he tried to join the Air Force, but he got turned down because of his speeding tickets. And uh, he also got drafted uh, into the Vietnam War, but he got turned away from service because he had diabetes. As a grad student at USC, he went on to produce uh, the film Electronic Labyrinth, THX 11384EB, which would later be adapted into the 1971 feature film THX 1138 for Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, the audio company THX takes its name from the film, and you can find a bunch of references to THX 1138 in uh, Star Wars movies and other George Lucas films. After THX, George Lucas would go on to make American Graffiti for Universal, and this would actually turn out to be George Lucas's first commercial success and his first film under his own company, Lucasfilm Limited. After that, Lucas went on to create Star Wars and the subsequent films in the series spawned in a franchise that includes multiple films, animated series, novels, television shows, video games, and more. He would also go on to create the Indiana Jones series of films as well. Uh, George Lucas before, during, and after the making of Star Wars would also go on to found uh, multiple companies including American Zoetrope, a private film production company that he co-founded with Francis Ford Coppola, Lucasfilm, his television and film production company that would eventually be sold to Disney in 2012, LucasArts, a video game developer and publisher, Industrial Light and Magic, the visual effects company, uh, Pixar, which started out as a computer graphics division of Lucasfilm before becoming Coming its own company in 1986, Skywalker Sound, a post-production and sound design company, as well as THX, which we kind of talked about before, which is a theater sound system company. Moving on to American Graffiti. Can I? Has anyone ever seen THX 1138 or American Graffiti? I've seen American no. Graffiti. You no. haven't seen THX 1138, right? Okay. Well, I think on that uh, documentary, they talk about that it was a um, a short 20-minute film that he made right. uh, while he was in school, but then he went on to make it a full-length feature film. Okay. So I, I haven't seen it either, Yeah. but I, I don't think it got very good reviews. Is, and I know American Graffiti gets like great reviews, though, right? Oh, yeah. I know that one. I have. Have you seen it, Jay? 
I've seen like scenes, but I I've never seen scenes. the exact full, full movie. I mean, I, I need to watch it. Like, but. I didn't even know that a Harrison Ford was in it. Right. Until I was watching yeah. this documentary, yeah. and, I, and I saw that. I was like, okay, I really have not seen this movie. No. It looks like a Days and Confused kind of thing. I but think more tamed, I think, right? It's not as it's well, more of a, 70s, like a, yeah. It's more of a wholesome movie, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It takes place in the 1960s, and it's kind of a like semi-autobiographical account of like George Lucas's life, because he was really into like the cruising scene out in California, where cars were like a big deal. Right. So like a lot of that was taken from his youth growing up. Um, but I did see it in high school. Uh, one of my professors, professors, we talk about high school. One of my teachers, <laughs> teachers. yeah. One of my teachers showed it to us and they were just kind of like, hey, you know who made this film? George Lucas, you like Star Wars, right? Check out this film. And I thought it was pretty good. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but speaking about THX 1138, it bombed at the box office, but it, it has a 87% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. I, I, I think American Graffiti has a 96, but I could be wrong. I know it was in the 90s when I checked one yeah. time. But I wonder if like the success of Star Wars made people interested in going to see other George Lucas films, which helped increase that score or whatever. You know what I mean? Because it didn't do well at the box office. Obviously, it came out before Star Wars came out. George Lucas, relatively unknown name. THX didn't make a lot of money, but American Graffiti actually made a ton of money, mm. and it actually played a huge part in him getting a better deal with And Fox. I remember, I don't know when this was, it was a while ago, but on AFI's top 100 movies of all time, I think American Graffiti was on that for a while. Whether it still is or not, I don't know, but mm. I should have checked that. But I think it was on there at one point. It's one of the top 100 films ever made. And I think like the budget was like super low on American Graffiti, but again, kind of like how we'll talk about with Star Wars, but it made its money and then some a lot like that people were not expecting. So I don't know. I, I've never seen that. I kind of want to watch it. Let's now. watch it. Yeah. We should all watch it. We should. Yeah. All right. So yeah, getting into American Graffiti. Um, after THX, Lucas would go on to make American Graffiti for Universal. And this would actually turn out to be George Lucas's first big hit. Um, he actually made the movie on a bet uh, with Francis Ford Coppola, who challenged Lucas to make a uh, soft and fuzzy, quote, heartwarming comedy. And I do want to get into this movie a little bit because I feel like his experience making this movie played a lot into how he approached Fox with his Star Wars deal because it did impact it. So just some bullet points. Uh, George Lucas fired the original writer over creative differences. Um, he thought the script was too violent and sexual and not at all authentic to what it was like when he grew up. He was let go from United Artists along with his American Graffiti and Star Wars ideas because the studio didn't want to license the music that would be used in the film. Um, he was turned down by multiple studios including Fox, Columbia, and MGM while trying to get American Graffiti financed. Eventually Universal decided to finance it. Multiple times he was rejected because the pitch for the movie wasn't violent or sexual enough during that time because I guess, you know, the 70s sex sells and it was that time of like teenage angst, I guess. He was given a small budget of just uh, $600,000, but was given an additional 175,000 increase uh, because Francis Ford Coppola signed on to produce the film and Universal wanted to use The Godfather as a marketing tactic. But in order for Lucas to get that additional 175K, he had to turn over his authority on the final cut. So he kind of lost some creative control during the process. In addition, Universal wanted to change the title of the movie and they even came up with a list of 60 different titles that they wanted Lucas to use. Lucas had to fight to keep the original title American Graffiti. After positive test screenings, Universal wanted to re-edit his film for a theatrical release. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola offered to buy the film from Universal so that Lucas could retain his original cut and vision of the film, with other studios offering to buy the movie as well for distribution. Universal refused, and they still hired a third party to re-edit it. It wasn't until after The Godfather won Best Picture that Universal kind of backed off, because now Francis Ford Coppola had some leverage as far as his input on the film. And um, 
he he made sure that Lucas had uh, more creative control than they were kind of allowing him to have. Um, Universal also only wanted to release American Graffiti on TV. They didn't want to put it in the theaters, but positive word of mouth, uh, both within the studio and throughout Hollywood, kind of forced their hand and they had to release it. And it was a hit, both commercially and critically. And like we spoke about earlier, uh, it currently has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's move on to Star Wars and uh, the inspiration for Star Wars, which was Flash Gordon. Uh, George Lucas initially wanted to make a feature film based on the Flash Gordon series, which he grew up watching as a kid. Flash Gordon is a 1930s science fiction comic that eventually became a franchise, including radio serials, live action and animated TV series, novels and films. Flash Gordon um, is also inspired by the Buck Rogers franchise that debuted a decade earlier. Also, the opening crawl that you guys see in Star Wars, that comes from Flash Gordon. So like the things kind of going off into space, that's pulled directly from that franchise. Even though George Lucas was in love with the franchise and was kind of dedicated to making a uh, adaptation of it for theaters, he couldn't get the rights to the franchise or the character. So he had to work on an original idea, which would of course become Star Wars. Lucas spent some time uh, before and after American Graffiti working on his original idea. According to an article on uh, NewStatesman.com, after completing American Graffiti, Lucas's first draft was titled Journal of the Wills, and it detailed the story of Mace Windy and his apprentice, CJ Thape, Padawan learner to the famed Jedi Bendu. Jedi Bendu was the first proposed name for members of the Jedi Order. Uh, it's not 100% confirmed, but it is said that Lucas took the name Jedi from the Japanese word uh, Jedi-geki, which uh, is a genre of Japanese works that take place in the past, mostly in the age of the samurai. Uh, George Lucas was a huge fan of Akira uh, Kurosawa, famed Japanese director, and he often cites the Hidden Fortress as one of the main inspirations for A New Hope. Uh, Lucas would study tons of different works, read in different genres, studying literary and mythological archetypes from different eras of fiction in order to craft his story. Lucas would also revive his story multiple times, swapping character names, locations, and playing with different ideas until eventually developing the story called The Adventure of Anakin Starkiller, featuring the protagonist Starkiller as the protector of a princess. Uh, that early draft also included R2 and C-3PO. I hate that name. Starkiller? Starkiller. But I heard that's why they put it in The Force Awakens, right? A Starkiller base because to reference that or what? Like a throwback? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I read, yeah. Well, Mark Hamill even said, um, I think it was up until he was on set, and I could be wrong, but he said in an interview that he remembers his line of being like, um, I'm Luke Starkiller, oh, okay. I'm here to save you. I can't remember which interview that is, but like, I guess that's how late in the game they changed the name. They did this multiple times. Like, they changed things right at last minute, I think, all over this whole trilogy. But And the number of like rewrites that happened for this one movie alone, the first one, is like incredible. And then obviously each one had multiple rewrites each time, but yeah. it's like crazy to me. You're gonna see a lot of ideas, kind of like what you talked about, Erica, with Starkiller Base. There are a ton of things in the original kind of early drafts for Star Wars that were either saved for Empire, Jedi, or weren't used until uh, the prequels or the sequel trilogy, or like Rogue One or something. So like a lot of those names, locations, planets, etc., ideas, like a lot of those are pulled from the original uh, versions of what Lucas had written for, for episode four. So getting into uh, Lucas's involvement with 20th Century Fox, uh, Lucas began shopping around his idea for Star Wars to studios in the mid-70s, but was rejected by studios including United Artists, Universal, and Disney. It wasn't until he presented his ideas to Alan Ladd Jr. at 20th Century Fox 
uh, that Star Wars found a home. Fox paid $165,000 for Lucas to develop the film, with 100000 of that to be paid out if the film actually got made. Uh, with the money from the development deal, Lucas was able to focus on his Star Wars screenplay entirely, but what really turned the tables was the fact that once American Graffiti was released through Universal, it made him so much money that he could renegotiate his Fox deal. Uh, for that deal, his main concern wasn't about making a larger sum of money, it was the protection of his creation. Lucas wanted control of the music, sequel, and merchandising rights to the franchise. The merchandise was big, right? That oh, was yeah. the main one. That was one, a big right? deal. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I think, like they were talking about, like they kind of, like the studio kind of schluffed that, like to the side. Like they weren't really concerned about it. They didn't have a lot of faith. I think they had more well, faith than George I think Lucas. At the time, sci fi wasn't nearly as big as what we've been accustomed to. You know, I think they were like, hey, give it a try. It is what it is. But I, I don't think they thought at all this was going to be, obviously, the success not, that it was. Not only did they not think that it was going to be so successful obviously it blew everyone's expectations out of the water but merchandising at the time was also just not a big deal like merchandising became a big deal because after Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah. and um, that's why the, the studio was like oh yeah okay you want less pay and merchandising rights cool like you can have that that's no problem because up until this point there had never been a successful launch of merchandise related to a film. Yeah, and I was watching the documentary Kurt and I were talking about earlier, and they talk about how like, when they were making movies, it was really stagnant, like it was very complacent. People just made the movies the same way all the time. Like turning them out. Yeah, and now like with George Lucas and then like Steven Spielberg, all, all these guys started to come up that were younger, had this different take and had this different vision. For me, like hearing that, that George Lucas had the wherewithal to know like, hey, like no, I need to keep some of these rights. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the, the studio does not know how big this is going to be. And he probably didn't even know how big it was going to be at the time. Right. But Well, I'll get into it. I heard he didn't even attend the premiere. Yeah. He, <laughs> he didn't on, even on vacation. He was well, like, hey, it's not going to do well. You know? Are we going to discuss, can we discuss this now? The whole Steven Spielberg, George Lucas bet about whether Star Wars was even going to be successful? Or should we say that for later? I want to know about it now. What are you talking about? <laughs> so... There was a bet between Spielberg and Lucas that Star Wars wasn't going to be a success. So and I'm taking a Spielberg bet on it and Lucas didn't? Spielberg thought it wasn't going to be a success. No, no, oh, Spielberg, Spielberg he did, he did, yeah. okay. So at the same time, Spielberg was working on uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Great movie. And uh, George Lucas thought that Steven Spielberg's movie was going to do much better. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to this later on, but uh, Spielberg was probably one of the only people that George Lucas was working with at the time or was a uh, contemporary of his that thought that Star Wars was going to be a big deal. Like, he kind of had the foresight to say, like, yo, man, like you got to keep working on this. This is going to be great. Because, you know, he was around for, like, test screenings, the filming, post-production, all that other stuff. So he got to see firsthand what George was working on during the process. And he's one of the few people that actually kind of believed in him other yeah. than maybe Alan Ladd and a couple other individuals. Okay, so what I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, Kerwin, that so, okay, so Spielberg felt strongly about this film being a success. So he made a bet with George that if it was a success, he would take like some royalties from it. Was yeah. that true? So what they did was they traded royalties. And I think um, what they did was they traded 2.5% um, of royalties on the back end for each other's films. So Spielberg would make 2.5% off of Star Wars and then Lucas would make 2.5% off of Close Encounters. So 
to this day, Spielberg is still making money off of Star Wars. So yeah, that was that was pretty much kind of um, why he wanted you know the merchandising rights. Uh, the studios kind of didn't have the foresight, like you said, TJ, Jason. They didn't think that merchandising was important. Movies didn't make a lot of money off of merchandise back in those days. So they pretty much just said, you know, you know, screw this guy, take whatever. Like that's not going to make you a lot of money anyway. As far as the music rights are concerned, George Lucas wanted those rights because Universal was making a ton of money off the American Graffiti soundtrack track and he saw nothing of it even though he's the one that picked out every song and he was the one that fought to license the music for that movie and george lucas also wanted the sequel rights in order to protect the unwritten parts of the script which had to be cut from the original writing of star wars and would later become empire strikes back and return of the jedi so the first draft i guess of star wars had everything in it from all three movies and george lucas very quickly realized that this ain't gonna fit in like a two-hour movie right. like i have to cut these out and save them for sequels so what he did um, as part of his deal was make it so that regardless of the success of the movie he still got the right to make those two sequels and complete his story. So Star Wars bombed, was a failure. 20th Century Fox still had to finance his other two movies, or at least one of them. So that was kind of why he put that in his contract for the sequels. Well, I think because when he wrote the script too, I think he said it was like over 200 pages and, long. And usually they were 100 pages long for a normal script, correct? Yeah, and I think even that might be getting lengthy like, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, so like this is over 200 pages, so it's... I mean, that makes sense. Like, he so, had this whole story written out. So the theory that he wrote the prequel also, that's all something that he, I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out where that came in because I always had a theory that he wrote all these movies and they only wanted, like, the New Hope section or whatever it was. That's not the case. He wrote this story, right? And then he realized, oh, I have something. Did he leave room for one, two, and three down the road, or how did it go? I believe George Lucas has said he'd always planned Star Wars to be part of a three trilogy slash nine film type series. Okay. He says it himself that the original draft of Star Wars, or one of the early drafts, included everything from episode four to episode six. Okay. And he had to cut way the hell back because of budget and because of kind of, you know, he just had to be realistic about what he could actually produce and direct. I also read that it wasn't until uh, The Empire Strikes Back, the writer, through all of these drafting processes, that uh, he decided to make Darth Vader Anakin Skywalker and make him Luke's father. And at that point, I think, is when he realized, like, okay, we can make something huge Fire. out of this. Yeah. yeah, because the people are going to want to fill in the gaps as to how we got to this place. In that second film in the original trilogy is when we started to see episodes as part of the title of Star Wars Episode 4, Episode 5, Episode 6, etc. And I think it really was the catalyst of him deciding that there is so much more that we could discuss and go into. And I think that's probably when he decided like this could be something big. We And that's when he went back and retroactively named A New Hope Episode 4 then he had episode five with Empire Strikes Back. It, it was really six. just Star Wars, right? Originally, yeah. it was just Star yeah. Wars. It was like the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was like yeah. it was the Star Wars with some t subtitles, but he didn't want to like confuse the audience because it's just like it's the first movie. He doesn't know if he's going to get sequels made, even though it's in his contract. People don't know this is part of a franchise, so he just reduced the entire title down to Star Wars. All right, so uh, in addition to the music sequel and merchandising rights, uh, George Lucas also demanded that Lucasfilm make the movie and not Fox. Fox would only distribute the film. 
George Lucas's previous experiences on other sets kind of opened his eyes to just how wasteful a studio could be with their budget, and he knew he couldn't take any chances with money on a project that was ambitious as his. Um, in addition to his newfound success with American Graffiti, uh, George Lucas hired Ralph McQuarrie to develop concept art to be used to sell the studio on the look and feel of the film, since he didn't really feel like his script was enough to do so. Ralph McQuarrie has worked on um, the entire original trilogy, along with Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., and other films. After renegotiating his deal, George Lucas was given a budget of $8.5 million to produce the film. So moving on to Industrial Light and Magic, uh, George Lucas founded Industrial Light and Magic in 1975. He founded his own visual effects company because visual effects just weren't a thing in the 1970s, kind of based on the types of film that were being made at the time. Also, the 20th Century Fox Effects Department was shut down and no longer in use. At ILM, they had to build a lot of technology from scratch, including rigs, computers, and develop entirely new filming techniques because a lot of the types of special effects and visual effects that they were doing had never been done before on film. Um, they built tons of models based on concept art by Ralph McQuarrie and sketches by Joe Johnston. Uh, you know, like we all talked about on the Marvel podcast, Joe Johnston would go on to direct Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, George Lucas wanted this movie to have a lived-in logical look, so everything was built with that aesthetic in mind. So when we talk about how Star Wars looks like a galaxy where people live and have lived for a long time, that was one of the main aesthetics that they had to go with yeah. while building models and constructing sets. I think the term that I kept reading was a used future, like a future that looked like people had used it. And I have to say, like that's one of my favorite things about the Star Wars franchise in general is that it looks realistic and it looks like things break down and you know just like all technology does at some point once it's been used for so long it was so different from what people were used to seeing in science fiction up until this point and i think that is one of the like i said one of my favorite parts about this because it's so opposite of like that sleek brand new like all white um interiors you know that you're used to seeing like metallics that you would see in sci-fi films back then it's just weird, too, that, like, they were talking about in that documentary. What was it called again, Kerwin? Empire of Dreams. Yeah, Empire of Dreams. They were talking about how, like, ILM was, like, bare bones. Like, there was nothing in the stage, the soundstage, or the studio that they were creating all these models in. Like, at first, when they were starting, just barely starting Star Wars, like, they said they would park their cars inside. Like, there was just so much room. They had nothing going on. It's just crazy to see just from this film and then the films following like how much it evolved into like this huge, what ILM is today, like it's crazy. Yeah, like they were just working out of like a, a warehouse in like Van Nuys. Yeah. Like it was like, and it was crazy too because it was just a bunch of young guys probably out of film school, art school, you know, a bunch of like model makers, arts and crafts guys, you know, filmmakers here and there. They were just a bunch of young dudes kind of effing around for most of the part. And because, you know, we talked about a lot of the special effects not having been developed yet, they spent most of their time and most of their budget building the facility to kind of have the ability to actually create the effects. I believe one of the guys in that documentary that you're talking about, Jay, he said you have to build the factory before the first canopies can roll off the assembly line or whatever. I remember him saying that. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like most of their time was spent like figuring out how to do the effects before they could even do them. All that hard work, like obviously paid off. ILM is a huge company now. They've worked on a lot of movies that that we talk about, right? Jurassic oh, yeah. Park, Fantastic Beast, obviously all the Star Wars films, a lot of uh, the Marvel films they've worked on, they're everywhere. You know, they're doing everything. They worked on Forrest Gump. There's not a movie with special effects where 
ILM is not attached in some way. It's just weird because like, again, like George Lucas is coming out of this era where, again, they talk about how film was really complacent and, you know, doing the same thing over and over. And he has this new idea. And it's like, I would imagine, and in the documentary it kind of speaks to it, like how much people just, they weren't on board. They weren't believing in him, but they, they knew he had something. They knew he had something, but I don't know how, but he saw all of this. Like and he, he knew this was going to be something and he had to set up this base of like, hey, like I got to do this and this and this before anything can go anywhere. And he just... He just knew. It's crazy. It's crazy to think. I even read that like the cast and crew didn't even take it seriously. Like a lot of their work days were just like goofing off and like not really taking the first film, A New Hope, seriously and thinking like, oh, we're just making like a kid's movie. It's no big deal. And then obviously they figured out real quick that it was going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good thing, too, because like, you know, moving right on into the casting, you know, we got Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill. Um, he was cast as Luke at uh, 24 years of age. Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, cast at 19 years of age. Um, do you guys know who else was up for that role? No. No. All right. So I, I think the studio wanted to go with like a well known actress, right? Yeah. They wanted to go with well known people for all the roles. Oh, okay. And they were not happy that George Lucas went with a bunch of unknowns for the right. three main parts. But for Princess Leia, um, according to a 2014 uh, Ink Tank article, the following actresses were up for the role or considered or auditioned. I'm scared. You ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jodie Foster. No. What? Cindy Williams. We got Amy Irvin. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Oh, no, not Glenn Close. Cruella DeVille herself. Farrah Fawcett. Oh, no. Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Jane Seymour. Wow. Oh, Dr. Uh, Quinn. Kim Basinger. Wow. Oh Meryl God, Streep. Meryl Streep. Uh, Angelica Houston. So those were some of the people that were considered for the role or audition. And this is all according to a 2014 Ink Take article. They're the guys that put it out, but that's what I got according to them. Carrie Fisher said that she got the role under the condition that she lose weight for it, which kind of sucks. You know, like she, she kind of mentioned in the documentary that she was hoping that most of the weight would be lost from her face. She kind of had like a, like a, like a little bigger face, you know, like whatever. But she said a round shape face. Yeah. She had like, like a round, sh- yeah, she had like a round shape face, but she was told that she, she would get the role if she lost some weight. She said in the documentary that they sent her to a fat farm in order oh, to like <laughs> lose weight. And she was talking about how, like, I think all the producers were, like, thinking about, like, how they were hoping she would lose weight from her face. She almost sounded angry in that documentary. When, when you watch it, not regretful of doing the film, but just, like, she has a lot of anger that ties back into, like, how she got casted, what they wanted her to do. I don't know. I, th- I found it really interesting. I found it really interesting. Well, I mean, she came back for seven and eight, so. But I can't blame her considering, like, I mean, she's a young woman, and in the documentary, she's probably in her 50s, I think, 40s, 50s during that time. Yeah, probably. So it's just like she's looking back on, you know, decisions she made as, you know, essentially a teenager, and she's looking at it with 2020 vision, and she's, she's able to be a lot more critical of the decisions she's made. I didn't get that she came off as bitter. We all know she's kind of a comedian, a comedic writer. So, like, we know that there's a sense of humor behind that, but, you know, with every bit of comedy, there's a little bit of truth. It, so, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame her for being a little irritated. There's these, like, fast cuts in the documentary oh, yeah. where you don't get to see her explain fully what's going on, but it just seems like, whoa, she just seems a little... Where she's did, going in. We gotta cut that out. Where did you guys watch this documentary at? Because I want to watch it now. Uh, so, I borrowed the movies again. I, I recently watched them again yesterday. From the bonus part, right? Yeah. yeah, so he gave me... My brother-in-law gave me four DVDs, and the, the fourth one was... It had the Empire of Dreams documentary on oh, it. Oh, okay. 
So, yeah, these weren't the original cuts in the movie. These are the newer ones. Okay. But it had some bonus features, the trailers, and it also had the Empire of Dreams. So I, I watched that this morning. Did, it, did uh, A New Hope have that old school poster for the movie where, like, Luke Skywalker's, like, topless almost? Like shirtless. Yeah. yeah. No, it showed all those. It was really cool. I was like, oh, that'd be a cool shirt to have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I own that shirt. Uh, Empire of Dreams, for anybody that's listening, uh, you can find that on YouTube. Or if you want to go out and like cop yourself a DVD, I think it came out on the uh, 2000s release of the DVD, like the DVDs that were out during the... It was the, the first time they released the DVDs together because it took a while. When DVDs were coming around, they waited to put the Star Wars together. And I remember getting that bought as a present to me. Hey, but back to that whole Carrie Fisher thing, isn't it kind of weird though? Like how like this whole thing about her weight and all that, doesn't she become like a sex icon in Return of the Jedi with the she whole does, gold bikini? She does, oh, It's kind of crazy that like, she, it really turned the table then, you know? She gave nerds their sexual awakening. And Ross Geller. And Ross Geller. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harrison Ford, uh, he was cast as Han Solo at the age of 33. Other actors that auditioned for the role uh, or were considered were Burt Reynolds, <gasps> Nick Nolte, Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Ugh, Bill Murray, Al Pacino, Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, and Christopher Walken. Wow. <gasps> I could see Burt Reynolds. In and I, and I, I, I heard, Reynolds. I heard it. Harrison Ford was not at all like in the running. Like he was just doing the test screening because of the relationship he had with Lucas at American Graffiti, correct? Yeah, so Lucas, I think he did not, he had, he made a point of not recasting anyone from previous right. films. So um, he had, I think from the documentary again, he had Harrison Ford there reading lines to Princess have Leia. people audition. Yeah. So he sat there reading lines. Right. But after so long, I mean, I think George Lucas probably saw it and was like, hey, like, this guy, this guy is perfect. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, in a documentary, again, you see Kurt Russell reading these lines. And Kurt Russell's, I mean, in, in 75, 76, when they're doing these, right. it's like, he's a young dude. It's interesting yeah. to see him reading these lines. But the way that Han, that, that <laughs> Han's going to say Han Solo, as Harrison Ford's reading these, it's like, that's got to be Han Solo. There's no way. I'm glad Harrison Ford is Han Solo. It's just crazy how he, he wasn't supposed to be at all. Well, no, that too. But he was like one of my first crushes because of Han Solo. Sad <laughs> <laughs> scratcher, but all right. I loved him. Like when you were a little girl in the 70s or what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> when I saw it in the 90s. So like we said before, the studio wasn't impressed with Lucas's choices uh, for the star roles of the movie, being all unknowns. But for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Lucas went with uh, Sir Alec Guinness, who was fresh off of a Oscar win for uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai. Shout out to Unforgivable for that. Uh, Darth Vader uh, was played by bodybuilder David Prowse, uh, who would later be voiced by James Earl Jones. Uh, Peter Cushing was cast as Grand Moff Tarkin, and Peter Mayhew was cast as Chewbacca the Wookiee. Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels were cast as R2-D2 and C-3PO, respectively. Uh, George Lucas at first wanted C-3PO to have an American accent and sound a lot more like a used car salesman. But uh, I after- I heard he was also supposed to cuss a lot too, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be like foul mouth <laughs> yeah. and untrustworthy. But after having, um, I believe Anthony Daniels said, like after having about 30 plus guys come in and kind of do test voices for the character, uh, one of the guys that actually came in to audition told George- Maybe you should just go with the original guy. His voice is perfect for the mannerisms and the way the character is physically portrayed on screen. So that's when George Lucas decided to go with Anthony Daniels for the actual voice of the character. I was watching that documentary and they talk about how originally Luke Skywalker was supposed to be like 60 years old 
and be like this general that had retired and Han Solo was supposed to be green Oh yeah, and have like gills. A mon- like a monster yeah. or alien, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm glad they went the route they did, but I just... I, mean, I, was well, I thought that. they wanted the connection between Han Solo, Leia, and Skywalker of the few, the three like humans. That's what I thought, the way they changed it the way it was, right? Look at the budgetary reasons. Yeah. Like, could you imagine having to do like makeup Solo, for somebody? Yeah. yeah, all the time, nonstop. But like, when you think about it too, like a lot of the things that are talked about in the very, very early drafts show up much later. Yeah. So like the first character he comes up with is Mace Windu. Yeah. And Mace Windu doesn't show up till episode one. Right. You know, which is crazy when yeah. you think about it. Bless your soul, Mace Windu. I loved him. He was a real one. Going with these no-name actors, I'm assuming they didn't have to pay a huge budget for or salary. The for budget you. was 11 million for this movie. But how? What was just the payroll for? I for the, do not know you that. Don't have that information. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have some of them. I, I read that James Earl Jones. Seventy-five thousand, right? I mean, seven thousand five hundred, right? Yeah, seventy-five hundred for yeah. two hours of work. A half wow. day, just, yeah. Just wow. for his voice, okay. Yeah. Mark Hamill made. I don't know if this is true or not, but six hundred fifty grand. I don't know if you guys saw oh, wow. that too. Okay. And. 0.025% of the movie's total profit. But 650 mm. grand off of 11 million is a big portion of it, it's you know, chunk. I mean, the way I look at it. And then this is in the 70s, too. Yeah, yeah it, it is, yeah. Alcatraz actually, I think, took 2.25% of gross, which also included, I think... Was it for this movie or yes. the second movie? No, it was this, this movie, too. This movie. Okay. He thought the movie, the script was rubbish, but he somehow, I think he was the only one that knew, like, hey, this is going to be big. So and, he, he said, and he also didn't want to be in the second one for that reason as well. And I, but we'll get into yeah. all that. Yeah. So I mean, it's and it's also become a staple for like a lot of top billing actors now to ask for this. So he took no money. Took at, no money. He just but he said, said, I, I want a percentage I want 2. of this. 2.25 uh, percent of gross. Very smart. Which is smart because usually if you say net, you make nothing. And yeah. then it's somehow that also included, I think, parts of the movie coming out on video and whatever. So wow. real quick to kind of sum this up, uh, Kenny Baker who played R2D2. Supposedly he only made seven thousand eight hundred and ten dollars with no royalties. Wow. And then and R2D2 oh, yeah, is in every single yeah. like Star Wars other than the Disney ones that are breaking off. And then Peter Mayhew who played Chewbacca was originally so this is this is very specific. It said originally, maybe he renegotiated, but paid four hundred and fifty dollars per week for a total of twelve weeks, adding up to fifty four hundred dollars. Wow. Is that insane? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, especially wearing that suit, it's oh awful. Oh my god! Yeah, it's got to be just awful. Yeah, he got right? himself into a hairy situation. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Moving on into production, I think the first scene filmed was Luke looking out into the twin suns. Right? Am I wrong? Or well, I know they went to Tunisia to film. I think the first scene that they filmed was when they meet Obi Wan with um, the Tusken Raiders. With the Tusken Raiders, I think. But yeah, and then relatively shortly, it was the scene with the suns and stuff. Okay. Okay. Also, first day of filming, huge rainstorm. Did you guys read this? Yeah, like it was like the worst rainstorm in fifty years in that place. Yeah, like when they got to Tunisia, they like they had like crazy ass hot weather, malfunctioning equipment, and like you said, TJ, like Tunisia had its first rainstorm in like half a century. Out of all times for them to be there, it had on to their be, first day of filming. Yeah, it was it was super rough. Um, one of the crew members, creature makeup artist Stuart Freeborn, he had to be flown back to Britain uh, because he caught pneumonia. Other people on the crew caught dysentery. Ooh. Oh, no, no, That's no. That's that girl from, never mind. Working trail. <laughs> trail. <laughs> 
A lot of the people on set, they credit Sir Alec Guinness for getting them through the tough shoot, and he really helped motivate a lot of people to kind of keep it moving despite the terrible conditions. After Tunisia, they moved back to the UK to shoot at Elstree Studios. They didn't shoot in the US because they didn't have large enough stages that they could shoot, that they could use simultaneously, and Elstree had some of the largest stages in the world. Two of the largest stages at Elstree were used for the most Isley spaceport and for the inside of the Death Star, the hangar bay. A full-size Millennium Falcon was constructed as well. It was uh, 65 feet in diameter, 16 feet high, and 80 feet long, and it weighed 23 metric tons. Some of the cast and crew, like you said, TJ, earlier, they didn't take George Lucas seriously, thinking they were making a crappy movie, mostly because some of it seemed so absurd. Uh, about the dialogue, Carrie Fisher said, you can type this stuff, but you can't say it. So at this point, Star Wars is going over schedule and over budget with 20th Century Fox threatening to shut down the production. Uh, they had to rush the end of filming, splitting the production into three units. George Lucas actually had to bicycle from set to set while they were all shooting simultaneously between three separate units to make sure the movie got done on time. After filming, Lucas had to go straight into post-production. Um, he wasn't satisfied with the original footage and fired his editor, having to bring two other people on, uh, with the third person being his wife, Marsha Lucas, to cut and re-edit the film. The movie was supposed to come out Christmas 1976, but because they'd gone over schedule, the movie got pushed to summer 1977. When he got to Industrial Light and Magic, a lot of the shots Lucas wasn't satisfied with and they had to start from scratch. Uh, to help out ILM, Lucas cut together footage of dogfights from World War One and Two movies that they could use as guidelines. When Lucas showcased an early cut of the movie for his friends, most of them didn't get it or like it, with uh, Brian De Palma openly hating it. Uh, the only person who seemed to think Star Wars was worth anything was Spielberg. So like you said, Erica, how uh, Lucas and Spielberg kind of traded royalties on each of their respective films. I think this happened around that time, but I could be wrong. You know, despite showing it to his friends and most of them not liking it, ironically, one of the execs from Fox actually loved the movie, and it was former Fox exec uh, Gareth Wiegand stating that he told his family that seeing an early cut of Star Wars was one of the most extraordinary days of his life. So when you say early cut, this is not necessarily the final product no. you see in theaters, right? This is like one of the original cuts then. Uh, for the music, George Lucas got John Williams, fresh off of an Oscar win for Steven Spielberg's Jaws movie. John Williams and the London Symphony Orchestra recorded the score for Star Wars over 12 days in March of 1977. It was John Williams' first time working with the orchestra. The thing that's special about John Williams' score is that in the 70s, adding classical music to a science fiction film was a huge risk because movies at that point had kind of turned away from using large classical scores and disco was such a prominent genre of music during that time. So, you know, during a science fiction film, you wouldn't expect to hear like trumpets and flutes and drums and all that. Like you thought you kind of walk into a science fiction movie and hear like a technological, like techno electronic oh, score. kind of like robot. Yeah, like, like something a little more robotic. Yeah. That's another risk that George Lucas was willing to take. And, you know, according to the documentary that we keep talking about, Empire of Dreams, the score, despite all the bad things that were happening with the movie at the time of its production, the score was the one thing that exceeded George Lucas's expectations. So on Wikipedia, John Williams outlines, if you were to try to recreate the score, he outlines it like no other. Like he says, how many woodwinds, how many brass players, keyboards, timpani, percussion, strings, additional instruments, and non-orchestral instruments you would need. I 
just, I think that's amazing because I feel like a lot of people recreate this music over and over. I know I did when I was in high school when I played concert band. There it is. Oh so, my God, the uh, drum corps, did you get in the drum corps? No, we didn't do it in drum corps or not in drum line, but we did it in concert band, uh, which I got kicked out of at one point. Um, yeah. But Shocker. Yeah, well, yeah. I started. Horrible. I started mouth off. I was like, "Fuck this shit." He didn't like that. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> easy. <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting that he outlines exactly how, if you want to recreate this, how to. I don't. I thought that was really interesting that they posted this on Wikipedia. Like he tells you like verbatim what to do and how to do it. But yeah, the, the music I still find is is one of my favorite parts of this trilogy, uh, the franchise overall. I love the music in this movie. At one point in my life, I wanted to walk down the aisle to that Star Wars song, but it's not gonna happen. What changed? Well, she it, grew it, up. I grew up. <laughs> Why you gotta say it like that? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no. I will that. say though that like not putting in like what people might expect to hear. I will say like the music seems timeless. Like it doesn't date the movie at all. Like in some movies, you know, they'll make selections that you can tell like, oh, this movie is from a 80s, certain decade yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But going the route that they took, I think was really smart because now you've created sort of like a timeless masterpiece that can be used throughout the ages, which we've seen has happened, right? Because they used it. That's the original a great way to put it. People. I mean, I, I think he's dead on about that, huh? Yeah. And when Absolutely. I say like he gets specific, like just for one, I, I can't read the percussion because there's so much, but for strings, he says you need two harps, 14 violinists, 12 second violins, 10 violas, 10 viols something, I can't even pronounce, and six double basses. Like he gets like Okay, speak English. What does that mean? What do you, what do I, I can mean? read the percussion thing, but it would take me about 10 minutes because there's so many different things that he requires. That's crazy. You need he, a marimba, do you? There is a marimba oh. in here. Yeah. There's a marimba, there's bongos, congas, log drums. What? Low wood blocks, bell plates, clappers. I mean, I could, I could go on just for days. Just but we need more everything. cowbell. And there is a cowbell in this too. No, there's not. Uh, yep, cowbells. What? How many? That one doesn't More say. Cowbell. But they do need three bell trees and six tigongs. I don't know. They need a lot of different instruments. instruments yeah. I just want to say something really quick. Um, so, Karun and I went to the Star Wars celebration a few years ago, and we pulled into the parking lot, and all the cars there are blasting the intro song, like the bum 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 bum. Karun and I roll up into this parking lot windows down blasting our favorite song the cantina song and everyone just stopped and stared at us and Kerr and I were dying laughing no one else thought it was funny but Kerr and I were like we love the cantina song yeah yeah everybody's playing like the the opening intro and then me and Erica pull up and we got Mos Eisley cantina it's like, wah, 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 wah. I hate that song <laughs> oh. you hate it <laughs> I just damn <laughs> all right so, um, you know, while the movie was being made, Lucasfilm was busy marketing the movie to the science fiction crowd, selling licensed material, and even getting Marvel Comics to create Star Wars material and Delray Books to publish a novelization. Uh, the film industry was predicting the movie would fail, and 20th Century Fox was having trouble getting the movie booked in theaters. Nobody wanted to screen it. They had to sell Star Wars as part of a package deal with the movie called uh, The Other Side of Midnight. I read that too. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. They even said, like, if you don't show Star Wars, we will not give you this other one, which was supposed to be Vega or whatever. Yeah, like, that was the movie that all these theaters and theater chains wanted to get their hands on. So, like, they forced these theaters to showcase Star Wars in order to get the rights to screen this movie. I also read that that movie, what was it called? Other Side of Midnight. Other Side of Midnight made 10% of what Star Wars made. So, there you go. 
So, you know, Muggy, you talked about this earlier. Uh, George Lucas made plans to go to Hawaii with his wife so that he could be as far away from the failure of Star Wars as possible. He was still in L.A., however, uh, on the Wednesday that the film was released. You know, despite even seeing the lines around the corner to see the movie, despite the positive reviews and the positive reports from Fox and Alan Ladd, he was still skeptical about the movie being successful or good. So, like you said, he flew off to Hawaii, and it wasn't until he was getting calls in Hawaii that he realized that the movie was a success. Right. Yeah. Wait, I have a question about, like, the success part of it. Was this, like, a kind of deal where, like, a couple people went to see it, and then word of mouth started to, like, get out, and so then everyone, or, like, on premiere night, this was a success? Yeah, like, the day it came out, which was a Wednesday, there were lines around the block to see this movie. That's crazy. But I, I thought I also read it wasn't released in a lot of theaters, too. Yeah, it had, like, a limited release in, yeah. like, 30 I don't want to say on the, on the documentaries, it like, 30 or 38 theaters it yeah. was released in. Yeah, so, yeah, it was, like, a limited I, I have a limited release on May 25th, and then the actual release on July 15th. Mm. Am I wrong on that or no? So I, think, that I think you might be releases, right. yeah. Because Maybe that limited release helped get buzz. Yeah, momentum, yeah. Yeah, because um, what happened was a lot of theaters, they started pushing out other movies to make space for Star Wars because so many people wanted to see it. Mm. So I think you're right, Mugga. Like, there was most likely a second re-release yeah. date where it had a much wider release around the country and around the world. Moving on to the release and the reception of the movie. Uh, the success of Star Wars more than doubled the stock price of 20th Century Fox, and the company saw its biggest profits in 1977, earning $79 million. Prior to 1977, annual profits were around $37 million. Uh, the movie was a hit worldwide, with toys and merchandise selling out, with Kenner Toys even having to do that like holiday coupon deal. Wow. Dude, that was the weirdest thing. I mean, imagine. What like, was it? So it? it was like the infamous like toy box deal. So what they did was Kenner took over to take um, all of the merchandise, like the toys. So they're going to make everything. But they were not expecting it to be this big. So toys started to sell out. And around, was it Christmas time, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so around Christmas time, instead of selling the actual toys because they were out, um, they sold these boxes. And the box kind of opened up and it showed all the characters. And inside the box was like a gift receipt or a gift certificate saying, hey, we're going to send your toys soon. So like oh. parents, I would imagine, bought their kids like these boxes. And all of a sudden on TV, they start advertising these boxes that, hey, like, we know you bought the box, but you'll receive your toys between February 1st and June 1st wow. because they were so backed up on the toys. And it's like, yeah. I think even finding a manufacturer to make the toys was difficult. And then Kenner took over, like, kind of like, hey, like, yeah, well, yeah, we'll make your toys, like, whatever, like, not thinking much of it. And then all of a sudden it just boomed from this movie and, and they got so backed up, they're like, like shoot, like I'm sorry, fuck. We gotta do something, <laughs> and like, so so what they did was they they made these fucking boxes that just showed the characters. So you open this box and it kind of opens up and it shows a panel of all the characters and it's just this gift ticket saying, hey, like your toys are on the way. So, and that's when George Lucas was thankful that he negotiated forty percent of merchandising oh rights. Oh my god, that's fucking clutch. I'd well, be so pissed. And the thing too is like uh, when we kind of talked about him marketing to the science fiction audience. A lot of that was through Lucasfilm specifically because he owned the merchandising rights. So they would go to like Comic-Con, other conventions, science fiction meetups, and they would sell the t-shirts. They would sell other things. Like that's how they got the deal with Marvel. You know what I'm saying? And Del Rey Books is because George Lucas had the foresight to buy the merchandising rights. And then because he had the licensing rights, he was able to forge those partnerships way ahead of time. So let's just say 20th Century Fox had the merchandising rights, right? 
they wouldn't market this film the way he no. did. Like he had the foresight to have his company go out and market the hell out of this movie while it was being made so that there was anticipation for it, which I thought was kind of genius, you know? Oh, for sure. Something I wanted to bring up, um, I was in a company where we try to do t-shirts and all that stuff. We actually had a meeting with a guy named Tom DeSanto and he was an executive producer or producer on Transformers. And his whole goal was like, why is George Lucas so successful? Well, he makes a movie and then just like lives off of like all the merchandise, the lunchbox. So that's why he wanted to do Transformers because he knew, hey, make the movie and then you just live of all that stuff. I think that's kind of like the same philosophy. It's like, it's pretty impressive where it's like, hey, here's the movie, but you just make your fortune off of all the stuff that comes from the actual movie yeah. itself. Transformers is a weird one though, because it almost started the opposite way. It started yeah. as a toy and then became yeah. a movie. Well, yeah. a TV show yeah. and a movie after that. The movie was a hit worldwide uh, with toys and merchandise selling out. Like you said, Jason, uh, the movie was so popular that even crew members were getting asked for autographs, not just the actors. Star Wars at that time had become the highest earning movie in Hollywood history. Star Wars was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, winning seven, including Best Original Score, Best Sound, Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, and it won a Special Achievement Oscar for Ben Burtt for Sound. In 1989, the original release was selected for preservation in the Library of Congress. Star Wars would go on to change filmmaking and filmmaking technology, pop culture, and society as a whole through its influence, inspiring tons of creators in multiple mediums, making its way into politics and technological fields, as well as spawning its own religion, Jediism. What? Oh, wait. Which is a thing on Facebook. Okay. You can say you're a Jedi. Yeah. It's real. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the total combined box office of the Star Wars films is second only to the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to run through the top 10, if that's cool with you guys. All right. So the top 10 film franchises uh, based on box office. MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe at 22.5 billion. Star Wars is second at 9.2 billion. Harry Potter, number three at 9.1 billion. But I think they just beat Harry Potter with Disney's help, right? Because yeah. I think Harry Potter took took them over, and then Disney stepped in, and they have the four movies, movies yeah, yeah. of Disney. Yeah, because yeah, they kept making more yeah. movies. Uh, number four, Avengers. So if you only count the four Avengers wow. movies, 7.7 billion. Number five is Spider-Man with $7.2 billion. So all the Spider-Man movies, regardless of uh, MCU, Sony, of whatever, all of them. That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, $7.2 billion. You got a leg up. James Bond, $7 billion. Uh, number seven is X-Men at $6 billion. Number eight is Fast and the Furious at $5.8 <gasps> wow. Yes. Toretto. Yes? I'm just kidding. I no. God, it's awful. Come on, man. Too fast, too furious. Yeah, bro. Yeah, come on. What's wrong with you, man? You seem furious about this. (laughs) Too fast. (laughs) Put me on the board. Number nine is uh, Lord of the Rings at 5.8 billion. Number 10 is the DC Extended Universe at 5.2 billion. And uh, Shrek is number 17 on the list. You had to put that in there. So Batman is not on there at all. No. Wow. No, Batman is not on there That's crazy. Oh, Back to the Future is not on there either. Back to the Future is not in the top 10. Back to the Future was only three movies. Yeah, but still. Yeah. All right, well. And uh, Mission Impossible, (laughs) Mission Impossible, he's number 16. What about Jurassic Park? Uh, Jurassic Park, I believe, is out of the top 10. I think it might be 13 or 14, but I could be wrong. Oh, but it's in there. It's in top 20. Yeah. Can't forget about Jurassic Park. 
Today, Star Wars holds the world record for the most successful film merchandising franchise. Uh, in 2018, the total value of the Star Wars franchise was around $65 billion, and it's the fifth highest grossing media franchise of all time. I know we just did a list, but I'm giving you the top five right now. Pokemon is at number one at $95 billion. Yes. Hello Kitty is at number two at $80 billion. Wait, what are we talking about? The total value of the franchise. So it's uh so Star Wars is the fifth highest grossing media franchise of all time. Everything. Everything. All including films. Like Hello Kitty toys. Films, toys. What does Hello Kitty have? Television. Hello specials. Kitty has movies too. Yeah. Oh, Hello they do? Kitty. Yeah. Hello Kitty has a lot of shit. Okay. All right. Yeah. So oh. number one is Pokemon at ninety five billion. Number two is Hello Kitty at eighty billion. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is number three at seventy-five billion. Get it, Winnie. And Mickey Mouse is at seventy billion at number four. Wow. With Star Wars coming in at number five. Wow. How is Hello Kitty just more valuable than Star Wars? How is I don't know. Hello Kitty more valuable than Disney is? I'm almost I, thinking like Nightmare. I, I know we were talking about this earlier, but I kind of feel like Nightmare for Christmas has a lot. They of have shit so out much. There shit out there yeah the biggest surprise for me is like how Winnie the Pooh is above yeah. Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse in general yeah. I get Pokemon I get yeah, that yeah. yeah but like Winnie wow. the Pooh over Mickey Mouse I don't I, understand send that. me the link I'm gonna check your figures okay I, well it's on Wikipedia so oh, yeah damn. I got that off of that but everyone like knows that Wikipedia is Pooh is really popular 100% accurate. like children and new mothers how many I have a lot of girlfriends who popped out babies in every single Nursery is like Winnie the Pooh, and they always ask for Winnie the Pooh shit. So yeah, but I could see Winnie the Pooh. I being. feel like they also ask for like Mickey Mouse, and oh, that's true. Well, I wonder if Mickey includes Minnie. Yeah, because that's another thing. Is it, no, yeah, it is does. It just Mickey. It yeah. Does. So Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mickey is and like, Friends. Yeah, it's Mickey and Friends. So it's got like Goofy, oh, Minnie, Donald, maybe. all that other okay. shit. So they should beat Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, true. Although Winnie the Pooh has Tigger, he's got a crew too. Yeah, yeah. he has a huge crew. Yeah, he has yeah. a crew. Winnie yeah. the Pooh and Tigger too. Okay, back to Star Wars. What are we doing? <laughs> no, we we're talking about Eeyore for a second. Real quick. Jesus. <laughs> but that's pretty much it for Star Wars. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to talk about before we get into the movies. Okay, with inflation, the original Star Wars made the equivalent of 1.5 billion. The first movie. The first movie. You know, I think that's a pretty big deal. That's a lot of goddamn money. But um, is that box office or total? Like, I because obviously, don't like, know. they've released a lot of like DVDs and. Probably re-release it in theaters, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I don't know. I just, with, with inflation, that's what it originally made. So it did set the record at the time of the box office, correct? I read something, correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone has ever read anything about this, James Cameron was a truck driver at the time, saw the movie, and it influenced him to yes, be like, hey, I've, I read that. I, I want to get into movies. So he did in movies, which is ironic because he then made Titanic, which is the only movie to dethrone Star Wars at the box office. And because he did that, George Lucas sent him a photo of a Titanic ship with all Star Wars characters. And at the top is obviously Leia and Skywalker doing the whole, you know, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> and said, hey, congrats, you know, Jim, George. You know, I thought that was kind of weird that like, hey, his film influenced James Cameron to like, hey, go into movies, and then with Titanic, he dethroned him, and I thought that was kind of a cool connection. I don't know if you guys ever heard about that. And then James yeah. Cameron even sent something to Marvel when Titanic was dethroned. Oh, was it? Yeah. 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 He no. sent something. I think he sent something to Kevin Feige. With like the Titanic being brothers, sunk yeah. by like a, an A. Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, And then nice. like, uh, when, like dog shit. when like Jurassic <laughs> World, when Jurassic World broke like the single weekend or whatever box office, or like the total box office for like 
like two billion or something. Like Lucasfilm sent like them something, yeah. or or, or good, like it was the other way good around. Sportsmanship. Same year or something like that. I mean, they're all in the same fraternity. They're filmmakers, like, and they're just like, hey, I got your back. I, I appreciate what you did. You're setting the bar to this now. It's it's, it's so great, you know. Yeah. But I, I thought it was kind of cool that the guy that dethroned him. He was, was inspired, inspired you know, by watching Star Wars. I thought it was great. Yeah, know, that's a cool yeah. thing, yeah. It is funny, too, because I traded my brother-in-law. I bought Avengers Endgame on Blu-ray. Hadn't even opened it yet, but I did trade him so I could borrow <laughs> the original trilogy to watch it. Yeah. So. That movie is so great. I saw him Avengers Endgame? I the seal on it, and I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta give him something to let me borrow these movies. and the Collateral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here, have you opened it yet? Yeah. Take it. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> Endgame is so much harder to find than the trilogy on I'm DVD. Just saying. <laughs> He's like, hey, I mean, look at you this. gave him one movie. He gave you four DVDs. It's like this is fresh. It ain't even open yet. Take it. I know that. See, that's where I up to Annie. I was like, yeah. hey, look at this. It's sealed. Mint condition. Yeah. Did he open Mint it? Condition. <laughs> right here for your brother. What? Did he open it? Not in front of me. Oh. He set it aside though. Like it was something precious. So precious. I appreciate that. Can we talk about the movie now? Yeah. yeah. Let's move on. Are. I think we are. Let's move on. Let's get into it and uh, talk about uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. It was released May 25th, 1977, directed by George Lucas. It stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Peter Cushing, Alec Guinness, David Prowse, James Earl Jones, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and Peter Mayhew. 93% of critics liked it, giving it an average score of 8.76 out of 10. 96% of the audience liked it, giving it an average score of 4.55 out of 5. The budget was $11 million. Opening weekend, it made $6.8 million. Uh, domestic gross overall was $406 million, and its worldwide gross was $775 million. Uh, upon its re-release, uh, domestically, it made, in 1982, $460.9 million. The special edition worldwide release in 1997 earned it $579.6 million, and its total overall gross was $1.8 billion. So uh, how do we feel about Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope? Great. <laughs> Great film, yes. I loved it. I love it too. Would you put this as the best out of all of them or even in this trilogy? Or? I'd put it up there. Yeah, I, it's up there for me. It's slower, but I think it's his first one, but I think it's very well done. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it's important too because you, this is the first time we're introduced to this, this universe and the way it starts out, it starts off with a starship fight really and, yeah. and so you're trying to figure out what's going on here. You're just kind of thrown into the action. They certainly don't spend a lot of time talking about like how we got to this point. Yeah. You're kind of just expected to know and I guess like the initial scroll at the beginning of the movie kind of clues you in a little bit but for sure they kind of just throw you into the middle of what's already going on and I feel like other movies do that too like in this original trilogy I feel like there's things that happen that we don't get to see and we're just expected to infer from either the scroll or just from the things that are happening on screen where we're supposed to be at in this war I guess you know we talked about this movie being kind of slow right like that desert scene with R2 and 3PO like that shit drags on like if you're not used to that kind of movie like it's necessary though, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's necessary to see Luke, but I think like today that would have been sped up in oh, like yeah. three oh, minutes. Yeah. You know, you would have had three minutes of that. But um, I got to give this movie props because I think one of the best things it does and it does well is throw you into the action right away. Yeah. Like you read that scroll, you're getting a little backstory and then boom, Corvette, Star Destroyer, 
fight already on a starship. Darth Vader shows up. You got the uh, the imagery with the stormtroopers in all white. You got Darth Vader in all black, so you already know who like the big bad is and everything. And I think everything visually about that crawl all the way to when the droids kind of land on Tatooine is like done so well. Because could you imagine if like we started off with Luke, like how oh, fucking no. bored you would be? And then also I think. We're missing John Williams is like just the music. When you put the music in, just like the beginning song, as well as like the is it the Imperial March? Is that what it's called? Imperial All that. March. Yeah. So the Imperial March um, doesn't show up till Empire. We don't hear it at all. Am yeah. I no. Okay. It's not in. It's not in Episode Four. But at they do all. have wow, some, some sort of fan. You are shut up. We do have some <laughs> sounds though when Vader comes on the screen and all that stuff. I feel like it's just so great. And then the two sun scene with Luke. I don't know what the name of that song is, but I think that's an amazing scene right yeah. there too. Where he's looking over Tatooine. I just I think the music the just music did really set so the, amazing it set this. the tone like even if you didn't know what was going on it, it did really set the kind of what we're kind of gonna expect hearing that the song during the opening scroll like that hypes me up to this day it's my alarm sometimes it's like you have like the big ass letters too just show up yeah. right away it's like dead quiet and it's just like a long time ago I mean, in the galaxy far and, and then that pause fade to black and then like bam big ass letters like fade off into the background you know kind of getting back to like Darth Vader or whatever he doesn't have his like Imperial March theme in this movie but he does have like some sort of theme music that goes with him yeah. and if you watch like Rogue One when uh, Krennic goes to visit him on Mustafar yeah um, like that that's the music they use for Darth Vader when he comes out to visit him the, oh like, it is yeah, yeah. The, the New Hope nice, music uh, is yeah. what they use yeah I could definitely say they had like ominous tones, I guess you could say. So they, you knew that it was an evil presence there. And then you knew when, you know, there was sorrow and there was like curiosity. You know, you got two characters in the droids, R2 and C-3PO. They can't really convey emotion. There's a lot of physical acting. And I think their performances especially rely a lot on music. Yeah. And when you think about the technology of the time and how maybe you're not able to do a lot of cool shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about, like this is an older movie. So you're filming a lot of things that haven't been done before. So, like, technically, you're not up there as far as how you want to convey things. So I think the music does a really, really good job of doing that for you, supplementing the, the visual material in this movie. Because I couldn't imagine this movie with any other kind of score. You know what I'm saying? No, I think totally it has to be, like, a classical score. Not I, only the score, but also, like, just sound in general. I thought they did a really good job, again, trying to make up sounds for things that don't exist yet or they're imagining or made up yeah. different animals and different types of machinery and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, Ben Burt, he's the he's the sound guy and editor. Like yeah. he just spent like the entire time while they were filming in Europe. I think he was just developing sounds like from scratch, like mm -hmm. the entire time. And I think this film went also was going against the grain because the movies that were coming around at this time was used to using like I think very like disco or pop kind of music. So oh, yeah. for them to go with this kind of almost classical score was kind of going against the grain. To kind of piggyback on like going against the grain, and I think we talked about this in behind the scenes, but this future that we're like privy to is a future that no one had ever seen before like we were used to sleek white clean super futuristic and then we're thrown into this like used future of breaking down robots and scrap metal yeah. robots and like breaking down jets and things like that it was just a new take on something that had been done a lot of times before I feel like it's not the future though that happened a long long time ago well I think a lot of the movies at that time too were like kind of all copying each other the stylistic approach and stuff so this was like really like you're saying is really different but I'm kind of thinking too like younger kids now getting to Star Wars and Disney kind of taking over it now like what do you think someone now that like has only seen maybe Force Awakens and Forward like if they go back and watch this do they really appreciate it do you oh, think they I like it a lot you. 
because that is me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't think you do. We talked about the pace of this movie being slower Mm -hmm. than what we're used to, and to me that was the biggest challenge to get over. Again, I don't want to take away from like the global impact that this movie had on filmmaking, but I didn't really care for this movie. Like, It wasn't to me what it is to you guys, for sure. Well, this is my least favorite out of the three. Oh, really? for sure really? it's my least favorite out yeah. of the three as well. It actually ranks number four so, in my Star Wars film uh, ranking. But I think that issue with timing, especially in today's filmmaking, where things are faster paced and everything's like sort of bigger and faster and louder, we're not used to this sort of slow progression or story development. So for me to sit through it, even as an adult, was like a challenge. It was a struggle at times. So I saw episode one in high school and that's what got me. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to go right back and watch all of the old trilogy. You start with this one. I'm not gonna lie, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep because it is that much slower, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, I still do really enjoy what it is and what they did, but it's different. And and because I started off with the prequel trilogy. The Phantom Menace. Yeah, which is, uh, I will give that a lot of praise. I love that Pod racing. And that's, to me, it's really hard. Uh, Again, I have no ties to this franchise at all. So it's it's interesting to me. Do you guys like the first one because you know the significance that it played in creating this world, or do you just generally like it as a movie? Like I don't think it's great as a movie. I think the acting is a little bit clunky. I think the writing is clunky as a standalone film. I don't think it's the best. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the only reason that it, that we but they like took it a lot, is they because took a lot it's of risk though. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to take that away from yeah. them. I don't think this is everyone's favorite movie. Which I don't either, is but I think that we, I think that there's like a consensus that like this movie is great, and I think it's, it's great like for the same reason that like great. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great for the same reason that like Toy Story is great. If you watch Toy Story now, you're like, wow, this animation's really shitty. But at the time, it was great, and you know what it did for animated films yeah. in the future. So you kind of have an, a different a different level of appreciation, I think. I, I could see your argument because, but you also have to take into account that this was the very first film in the entire series. So there's a lot of things now. Now when we see a Star Wars film, there's they don't have to do as much backstory because we kind of already go in knowing what's you know the characters and for sure. Yeah. Also, like worth noting, this film was an immediate box office success as well. So yeah. clearly back then they liked it too. To them, it wasn't clunky you know so it has its like pros for sure I just think we get it yeah, yeah. We, we, no. you're saying no yeah. dude like I, I totally I no you're good man hey <laughs> no, I hey. actually agree with you you're safe <laughs> hey TJ you're safe here okay. you're safe <laughs> with us safe 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 safe. to piggyback <laughs> off what TJ is saying if I wanted to get someone who's never seen a Star Wars to get them hooked I don't think I'm showing them this movie first Rogue which one, one are you showing I love Phantom Menace I don't think I'm showing that either okay. uh-huh. I, I think I would go with like Empire maybe or mm. go just right into the Disney of you know no no because Awakens. I, okay the last too many questions. We don't yeah. have time for that. I get that, but then you hook them like I was hooked on Phantom, and then you can show them all the originals. All right, so real quick, if you cut down the C-3PO and R2-D2 stuff to like three minutes, which you can, they land, they bicker at each other, they run into some Ewoks, done. You know, you, you get to Luke. Ewoks? I think, yeah, I think, yeah. or sorry, Jawas, 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 yeah. I was like, we don't see the Ewoks until, until A New Hope. That is true. That is some true. Some Jedi, yeah. Some fan I am. 
All right, yeah. So they run into the Jawas, and then they get sold. So like that happens, but like the droid stuff drags so long. I think you need the Luke stuff to show that he's kind of a whiny brat. He wants to go to Tashi Station the and pick up his whiniest brat. Yeah, Jesus. like to pick up his power converters and I do all that other TG shit. On the acting, I think his acting is not good in this movie. Not, I mean, I it's think he way does better get in better. Someone. Yeah, but I mean, Harrison Ford is ten phenomenal. Better. Well, yeah. but, but you have to Mark take Hamill an account. Is like really awkward on some parts. I think this was his first acting. It was. Yeah, yeah so so that's why. Yeah, yeah. He was an unknown, so it, you, you could tell like this guy is—he's not an actor, you know. Whereas you know Harrison Ford, he's already been in a few oh, no, films. Power converters. And the, <laughs> the thing is, too, is just like, but I think you need all that for his development yeah, because yeah. he is the main character, and you don't see him until what, like, ten minutes into the film or whatever, yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes. So I think you need the interaction between him, Aunt Maru, uh, Uncle Owen. You need all that shit. I think the R two D two and like C three PO shit walking across the desert. Like that drags a little bit, and I think that could have been cut down for sure. Like in a modern movie, that yeah. that is the first thing to go. Like if you were like re-release this movie, you have full. Re- would you cut a lot of that part out? I would definitely shorten it. There's a lot of things in here that's kind of excess. For example, like them getting what is it R five D four, and then it like why? blows up, and then they have to go return it and get R two. It's just yeah. like all that shit is like excess. I think uh, we could just pick up R two trilogy. That's excess. I I would say like in an effort to sort of showcase this universe that has been created they like want to add things in that don't really have any plot point to it they just want you to know that you're in a different world at this point I yeah guess. just I kind know. of the the mundane things we deal with they also deal with right which i appreciate but yeah, i think it's nice to get a it's little just peek. a lot of sand yeah but if yeah. you're <laughs> it gets everywhere yeah <laughs> But it's just like, I, I totally agree. Like, if you're going to streamline it, you got to cut a lot of that excess shit out. I right, totally agree. Yeah. You know, we're on Tatooine. We get Obi-Wan Kenobi. We get Alec Guinness. And, you know, we talk about how a lot of the people are like, you know, at least Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are like newcomers to acting, at least being in features. You know, you have to kind of balance that out with established actors. You got the Imperials with uh, Peter Cushing. You got uh, Alec Guinness playing Obi-Wan. And I think um, having these really novice actors play up against these more experienced theater actors and guys that have been in movies prior, I think it kind of like amplifies the weight of like their roles. Like yeah. it makes our characters appear more novice and it makes our supporting characters appear much more wise and like, you know, lived. I guess. Yeah, they're rookie actors, but they're also like rookies in the movie. Right. Trying to figure out how to like defeat people who are already better than they are further along than they are. So I guess that makes sense. You know, we got Grand Moff Tarkin, who I, who I loved. I thought he was like a really great villain. Name the system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. And like in the Marvel podcast, we talked about villains that don't do shit. Like he does shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, a dick. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because like you have Darth Vader and he's like this really intimidating physical presence when you get on the Tantive. And, um, you know, once you get to the Death Star and they got the princess, you see Darth Vader all of a sudden answering to Grand Moff Tarkin. And I think that w- that boardroom scene. They have a difference of opinion, right? Because use the Death Star to do whatever you want. He's more about dictator. brute force and power. Power, yeah. uh, but modern technology as opposed to the old ways, the old Jedi ways. Or no, I, I agree that he, yeah. he's he's a great character. I, I wish he wouldn't have gone away in this first yeah. movie. But yeah, yeah. The best thing you can do, and I think George Lucas does this in a lot of his stuff, is show not tell. Like at least in this trilogy, that conference room scene where he's talking, to, where Tarkin's talking to all the governors. Yeah, and they're bitching about government and shit, like most government officials do. I guess. Yeah. yeah. What else do they bitch about? 
hookers. I don't know. And then, um, <laughs> oh. so you have Darth Vader come in and like he chokes the dude, right? Yeah. Because they're having like a philosophical difference about spirituality versus brute force, like you guys are saying. Yeah. So Darth Vader chokes the dude. So that you've already seen Darth Vader be this physical presence, and now he's got fucking magic powers, which is crazy, which <laughs> yeah. makes him even scarier. Yeah. And that that breath and that voice. And then to set it up even further, he takes orders from Grand Moff Tarkin, Tarkin. Yeah. which makes Tarkin look like even more of a badass. He says Vader release him. Right? Yeah, and yeah. he does it. And he's like, as you wish. Clearly, you know, there's a respect between the two. Darth Vader could easily kill this dude if he wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. But like that scene alone sets up the hierarchy so well. Without having to do anything, you show that Tarkin is much more of a threat than you think. He's not just some old guy barking yeah. orders. And then you really see his character when he has the scene with Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, and just totally cons her into like naming where, and then blows up Alderaan. You know, I think that was yeah. where you're kind of like, this guy's a dick. Dude. Yeah. I mean, just in one snap, you're gonna blow up a world. You know, I mean. I don't people. know, I thought that was pretty cool in a sense, but... Yeah, yeah. and you raise the stakes early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to show it. You can't just have, like... At some point in the movie, somebody's got to get blown up with this Death Star. You can't yeah. just say it blows up a planet, and yeah. then it doesn't blow up a fucking planet. Right. Like, you have to show that. What it's capable of doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think once you get past the Tatooine shit, scenes aren't wasted to yeah. build character. Like, they show you exactly what kind of character you're dealing with. My favorite is when those stormtroopers or whatever they were, as they're blowing up Alderaan, how they're, like, standing there and the lasers. Just goes right by him. Yeah, like, why are you there? Dude, they would be <laughs> they would be burnt to a crisp. Yeah, they're just, like, scooting over. There's yeah. not even guardrails there, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they made fun of that on the Family Guy one, right? No <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. I think it was great, yeah. You know, we're talking about not wasting scenes to develop character. They meet Han Solo at Mos Eisley, right? Yeah. Oh my He's, gosh, that's my favorite song, the yeah. Cantina song. Yeah. I went to Revenge of the Sith, camped out like three nights prior, you know? Did and you? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh. It, was, it was in the fraternity days. Oh. Blake, were you there? Because you were in no, the No, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't, oh, the, I didn't know. I was there. Were you? I oh, yeah. I didn't do opening and and first. Everyone would play all the normal, like what you're talking about. Someone blasted, the, and it, I feel like it changed the mo- the mood, and everyone grabbed a drink and just started drinking in the parking lot. <laughs> the cantina. The theater in Redland. It's like, this is not legal at all, you know? But, but it changed the mood. It does have like, a, a, like an uplifting feel as opposed yeah. to like, Shit's about to go down. That is know. also one of my alarms. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I promise you want me to show it to you. <laughs> we believe you. All right. You got it. All right. So these guys, you know, they, they meet Han Solo, of course. I think Harrison Ford does a phenomenal job. I'm so glad, like, even after the reading sessions and all that. They like, chose him. They chose him. Because yeah. I couldn't imagine anybody else playing this dude at all. You Wait, know, time out. Did you see how they wanted in, what was it called? The, that documentary. Empire of Dreams. Empire of Dreams. How they wanted Kurt Russell to play Han Solo. I Kurt could, Russell is two roles and two roles only. One, <laughs> White Earp. And Snake Plissken. Thank you. Yeah, and Star-Lord's dead. Uh, so we, we get the scene where Luke and, uh, and Obi-Wan, they go and meet Han Solo. Oh, also, not wasting scenes... Obi-Wan cut somebody's fucking arm off before we get to Han Solo. In like a second. Yeah. I was yeah. like, what just happened? Yeah, because you have to show that this old guy's a badass in some way. Correct. Is that yeah. the first time that we actually see someone getting their arm cut off or right. hand yeah. cut off? It's the only one in this movie, right? Yeah. 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 That's the only yeah. time. Because so that's a common thread throughout the entire... Yes. Yeah. And Marvel paid tribute to it, didn't they? They did. Yeah. You talk, to, you talk about this old dude being a Jedi, etc. You see the lightsaber, but it's just like... You kind of ha- at some point in the movie, knowing that Obi Wan's gonna die in the latter at the end of Act Two or whatever, Act Three, whatever. Yeah, you have to at some point show that he ain't nobody to fuck with. And he's a badass, despite yeah, his badass. age. Yeah, despite his age, age, you need to show that he's a badass. You need to show that a Jedi is a powerful person. Well, so he, I- Gimpy Yoda. <laughs> well, he's not there yet. We don't see yeah, him. We don't yeah, see him yet. Yeah. But um, 
so I, I thought that was an effective use of a scene because you know you have like these gangsters like these dudes what is it Panda Baba or whatever their names are mm-hmm. the surgeon the doctor <sighs> yeah yeah so the guys you, with pink noses yeah so he chops off dude's arm then you get to Han Solo and you see him with Greedo Greedo and oh, I, I mean, hate that guy. Greedo I hate, yeah. oh, I hate Big debate, you know, we all talked about, you know, not wasting a scene and what it does for the character and show, not tell. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, the special edition editing it so that Han Solo shoots second? second, Yeah, it ruins it. Does it derail the development of the character at all in your eyes? Um, Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, Yeah, because I feel like Han shooting first just shows what kind of scum he, he's, a, he, he's a scoundrel. Like basically, yeah. he shows that, hey, he, he's going to do what he has to do to kind of weasel his he's way out of a tough situation. Yeah. 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 Especially when like a bounty hunter is after you. Yeah. I think he'd probably shoot first. Yeah. Yeah. Kill or be killed kind of thing. And the other thing, too, is just like when, when you look at the edited version, it just looks so shitty. I haven't yeah. seen it. Like, yeah. doesn't even dodge it. It's no, just like it, he like tilts his head and then yeah, like, yeah. puts some sort of effect. It's like, if it's, it's like if you take like a layer in Photoshop and like move it to the side and then put it back. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't even look like he actually like got up and like shot. Like it's just so poorly done yeah, that it yeah. looks fucked no, up. No, we'll, we'll take Did the, the original cut as canon. We're not gonna take the special edition change. Well, well, we gotta talk about the changes. Yeah, but like, I mean, what was the what was the logic I, behind it? Just to make him seem like less of an aggressor? I think that's why George Lucas did it. When was the change made? These were made in the, the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. No, no, the special no, edition no. came out, I believe, in ninety seven. Yes, is when it came out. It was so like it in was high, when I was that. in high school. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think George did it to make him less of an aggressor. But I think you take a lot away from him because he is this dude that just exists in the gutter. You know what I'm saying? Like he's in the underworld. This dude says he's going to like kill him. Like why not have him shoot first? Why not have him shoot first? And I don't mind if Greedo shoots first, but like we said, like it looks so fucking terrible. It's inexcusable. And it's like a cool, fun debate that people have had for years. I mean, even Jane Silent Bob, like Ben Affleck makes reference to it, which I thought was hilarious. But it's like, why now? And like, with the special edition, like make this distinction that you know that he doesn't. So it's just interesting. Yeah, because like it's not like you had another director shoot it. Like yeah. you were there, yeah. you wrote it this way. And also, it was like there a huge uproar about the fact that he was an aggressor. Like who cares? No, and just George Lucas did stuff. Like he's like, I don't care. I'm doing it. Maybe he just like thought like you know what? That's not what I actually wanted, and I want to do. Well, because like in that documentary, Empire of Dreams, like the reason he put all those different special effects in because this is what he really wanted to do. Didn't have the yeah. capability. He doesn't have the money. Yeah. You know, the capability of doing it and so yeah. now he was doing everything he wanted in the first one but he couldn't produce or couldn't like make happen in this uh, the, the original cut it's, it's still a weird choice that like yeah, hyper focus on the scene like given how successful the movie was in the 70s right yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Star Wars, right, CJ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, late seventies, uh, of course. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like, given how successful little, that the uh, <laughs> that it was so successful back then, even if it wasn't exactly what you wanted to make, clearly everyone liked it. Just leave it alone. I don't want to like tell George Lucas. Well, to so do his like job, but. how he was saying, how Jason was saying that George didn't get a chance to... Oh, we on a first-name basis. George. Yeah. Georgie. <laughs> Mr. Lucas. Mr. Lucas. Um, how Mr. Lucas. <laughs> Mr. George Lucas. George Lucas. How George couldn't afford to do all these things that he wanted to do, so he wanted Jabba to be a giant slug, pretty much? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, well, that was just a thought well, that crossed my mind. Well, Jabba was originally, you know, a human, a like a human character. Correct. And, you know, that scene where Han Solo talks to Jabba, you know, yes. the little Nintendo 64-looking Jabba, and he kind of steps on his tail or whatever. Yeah. All he was supposed to do is walk around behind 
Jabba. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the behind the scenes on that particular scene. Yes. It's just a dude. Yeah. yeah. It's just a normalized dude and like, like a fat dude or whatever. Yeah. But like they changed it. So they reinserted that scene with Jabba in, you know, Han Solo says like, yeah, I'll get your money. I'll get your money. Sorry, Jabba. Then he like walks and steps on his tail. But once again, it's like they took a Photoshop layer and like plopped it up and like right. rotoscoped him over the tail. Yeah. And it just looks so shitty. And like that was on the DVD one. That's on the right? that's on the special that's edition. That's on the special yeah. edition because yeah. they they cut that that whole scene was cut up. Jabba like, is not at all in New Hope, and you no. don't see him till yeah. The real yeah. The, the true Jabba wasn't fleshed out until they we so had to return to Jedi. Like, hey, this is what I need him to look like. First name basis. Yeah. I think okay. So like Jabba was supposed to be in New Hope, but he Which cut they, that scene out. Yeah, he did, right? for whatever reason, maybe because he wasn't satisfied with the actor. Maybe Which I, I'm okay with because yeah. I, I feel like yeah. they don't. He doesn't. You don't need to show him. Yeah, you you talk about him. Well, that whole scene in general doesn't really move any thing along you don't even need to have that scene so i can understand why it got cut to begin with and it doesn't make any sense because it's just like okay so you kill greedo then the guy that greedo works for shows up and doesn't do anything to you yeah. he lets you step on his tail you know per the special edition yeah. and he yeah. just lets you fucking go when the empire is after you it's just like no like job of the huts like gonna kill your Some ass Some gangster that like, is. like you know if martin scorsese made this han solo would have been dead already yeah yeah <laughs> Matt Damon would have showed up and killed him in the elevator. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's one of the things about the Greedo scene for me is like any bounty hunter worth their salt should be able to hit their target from that sort of range. It yeah. doesn't make a you whole think. lot of sense that he would miss. Yeah. And the, the other thing, like the magic of of the first episode for me is it is it kind of sets up this classical storylines that you know you see throughout human history, but it puts it in this world that's completely different. Yeah. And Han Solo is like this classic rogue character who kind of rides the gray line of good and bad yeah so it makes sense that he would shoot first in that scenario and i think it also kind of hinders his his growth throughout the so you the wish series. they would go back to the original oh absolutely you know? yeah and, that, and that's like an old school mentality of like if it's not broke don't fix it but it's like these episodes did so well on their own like to go back and enhance them this way it's just that's i don't know what george lucas was though right yeah. that's what he did yeah. george like, he's just always going against oh, the green oh george oh boy george <laughs> Like you said, Jay, like if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And for whatever reason, you know, look, George Lucas is an artist. He's never going to be satisfied with any of his work. That's yeah. just a typical thing when you talk to artists and shit. So like he just has this like incessant need to go back and correct and correct and correct mm -hmm. and erase and like redraw. And I totally get that. But it's just like it was fine, man. Yeah. And the things he added were so unnecessary too, like the do backs, the, the random like um animals DVD version. Yeah, spitting yeah. or whatever yeah. just adding like more stormtroopers in a certain scenes another land speeder scene. like it just scenes that like do not add much at all to the movie and it's like if it was something like that was really revolutionary to the plot or it was really going to give the audience more I, I would understand wonder if um, obviously he's like a great businessman too we talked about how successful he is just based on this one movie alone uh, I wonder if he like adds stuff just so that he can re-release stuff too I would not doubt it. Yeah. I don't want to talk I shit. Mean, well, let's be well, honest. I mean, but shit. I would not doubt it. Yeah, this, this, this is a like clear money grab. You have to get people. Yeah, you know, they change a chapter or something, and then yeah. that, so that they can. Yeah. They change it two words in textbooks, yeah. and it's like the eleventh edition. No, it's like every <laughs> necessary. You just like to change it so you can make more money. It's yeah. like every three to five years, there's a different version of like a Star Wars on Blu-ray. Yeah, like yeah. you can't you can't buy the same version you bought five years ago today, which is ridiculous. Like remember when we went to Disneyland, Erica, and I bought the Blu-ray. Ray trilogy there yes. you cannot find that in stores it's different now same what two years ago i was gifted episodes one through six and it came in a fancy tin yeah and it was all the star wars villains on the cover your fave my fave yeah and you can never find that now and it's mind-blowing to me 
Yeah, yeah um, and and going through all like this is like it's all the different editions on DVD and and Blu-ray and Laserdisc. I'm I'm really aging myself. Uh, yeah, there too. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he. he I mean, with, especially with dig- digital media now, like he's never come out with a version that says, hey, here's the original theatrical version. I would and love then, the original theatrical version. Yeah, theatrical version, version and they have like a, a director's money, cut. Money, like, and I would buy it. Yeah. I would buy it. Take my money again. When you buy a Star Wars movie, you get one version on it. But and then it can be. The other thing <laughs> that I think, too, is that like given how huge this fan base is, it mm. also creates a level of like community to be like, oh, which which version is your favorite, or yeah. which, which version did you see, or did you see this one? What are the differences between this film and that film? Yeah. You know, like it just is an interesting way to re-release movies over and over yeah. and over again. And kind of getting into the re-releases and stuff. Um, Star Wars Episode Four, it's in the the Library of Congress for preservation. Right. I read that the Library of Congress would not accept the re-release version because it wasn't the original cut of the movie. Which I appreciate. And and George wow. Lucas like fought them. Oh wow. Yeah, and I think I think somehow they got like a second edition of it or like one of the theatrical prints or whatever, but like he fought them because he didn't want that version to be preserved. Imagine mm. being George Lucas and like Rich the United States is saying like we want to like put your movie in the archives <laughs> and he's like mm, yeah, but not this one. You can have this one. Yeah. Yeah, like awesome. arguing with them for like such an honor. I mean, that's a huge deal. Obviously. George. <laughs> oh, George. 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 Oh, boy, George. But I believe it, though. I mean, he fought tooth and nail on the director's guild and all that, the writer's guild and all that kind of stuff. It's just, that's just his nature, I kind of yeah. feel like. Yeah. Just yeah. really going against everyone. And I kind of, which I kind of like, too. I, I admire that. Like, yeah. he, he's so punk all about his yeah. shit. Yeah. He's all about his product. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, getting back to the movie, uh, not wasting a scene, Princess Leia, you know, Luke shows up and the first thing she says is, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Yeah. And she shows that she's not just somebody to be rescued. Like, she picks up a gun and she's got better aim than both of these dudes. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. I, I love how they subvert expectations because when you start the film, she's just another helpless princess. You go, we gotta rescue I mean, her. she's begging for help. Yeah. Help me, Obi-Wan. And then when, when you actually go rescue her, she takes charge of her own rescue. She's like, you know what? You guys aren't doing a good enough job. Let me take charge. She grabs yeah. the gun. She figures out the escape route and just really changes our expectations of what we expect in the helpless princess. Yeah. And she's not talking like a princess either. She's like <laughs> yelling at these dudes like into the shoot flyboy. Like she's the one that decides to go into like the trash compactor. Anybody else right in this movie would have made it so that Princess Leia is like, oh my God, I don't want to go in the trash. Uh, <laughs> please don't make me. Uh. And then she went in also. Why do we always use that voice? <laughs> <laughs> no, when she insults. Oh, Frick, what's his name? Chewbacca. No, she insults, um, oh my God, the she, guy from the Galactic Empire. She's like, oh, I knew it was you. It's, oh, I, Tarkin? Yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. She's like, I smelled really? something foul. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she even did the British accent too? Yeah. Yeah, the English accent. Oh, the other thing too is just like, I, okay, one thing I got to talk about. So she's wearing all white, right? Yeah. Goes in the trash, right? Why is she She, got, she got the dry clean dress okay, immediately is, after. You guys, this is the future. Whites yeah. stay white. Okay. Yeah. She got Scotch guard. Yeah, she's got the Scotch guard. She has yeah, the bleach pen. a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> Still one of my favorite scenes from the Family Guy one when they find the couch. The couch. We need to review those. Those are great. Yeah. I have I have that on DVD. I have, I have, oh, I have, I have it too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I watched the robot chicken one. Eric showed me the robot chicken ones, and those are. Pretty funny too. These Family Guy ones are just—they're epic, man. They're freaking epic. Which is crazy too, because like George Lucas like authorizes all these, yeah. and he like lets them license the music. He's just like, yeah, take the music, make yeah, fun he, of me. He's—he like, was a huge fan of Family Guy. He's actually has this, this entire 
Family Guy collection on his like TiVo. So he's like, yeah, you can do use whatever you want. You don't even have to TiVo. get my permission. Like, yeah. George, get like a Roku, <laughs> Apple TV. <laughs> so many new options. Get Fire something. Stick, he, he's, worth, he's, he's worth a billion dollars and he, he didn't want to pay for the DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, no, because he'd, he'd, have, on his he'd have to buy the re-releases and he doesn't want to spend his money like that. Um, oh, George. Yeah, so now let's talk about the fight. So we got the fight with uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Trash. Uh, what? Oh, it's weak. It's, it's weak, dude. It's not great. It have you seen someone that... That redid it? Yeah, and yeah. It's, like, it's like, this is what we wanted. Now, at the time, I get it. Yeah. But it, it is awful. It was it very robotic and very so, slow. Well, let's go to TJ. TJ, when you watch this fight for the first time, what are your thoughts? Because you're used to seeing a yeah. Yoda fight, Again, it's like, Darth Maul. I mean, then you oh, see Oh, Darth this. Maul. Again, yeah. it's yeah. like, it is just slow. You yeah. know, it, it's like everything is very deliberate. And I get it. These are a bunch of like rogue filmmakers trying to make the most out of what little they had to work with. So they couldn't spend a lot of time on like recuts or reshoots and like getting choreography just right. It shows. And they were just. Why would George not change that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's the one thing George should have changed. And we got to think about this too. Like, that's the first time they're ever dealing with lightsabers. Well, and, and they had a burn through towards the end, remember? I well, also wonder if like technology inhibited them and like how quickly they could move things because obviously they have to draw in all every, of Every single frame. Yeah. Well, no, so in Empire of Dreams, that's what it's called, right? Jesus, I forget. So in Empire of Dreams, when they were talking about the lightsaber fight um, between Darth and Obi-Wan, they were saying that they had to tell them because they were using like the sticks. Oh, don't really hit each other because you're snapping the sticks. So stop right here. So I wonder if that is... Another oh, reason you of it, kind of tell that they're like yeah. deliberately, like yeah, like making it super robotic and not swift, yeah. like it, Jedi. It's movies. very dated. You can tell. I mean, you compare it to all the future lightsaber fights that we see in the prequel and even in the new films. Well, it, even it, Empire Strikes Back, yeah, they it just, just up their ante. You know, I mean. This one, it was just like. But you also love to look at it. I think Al Guinness did it all as his own stunt. So I mean, Al, and, we're on a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> it just, also, it's crazy to me because it's supposed to be such a pivotal moment, yeah. and it and it's such a letdown. Like especially like me, like but watching it. But was it a letdown in 1977? And that's that's that what I, I want to get to. That's what I want to get to because. When you saw it in theater, what was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Okay, so in Empire of Dreams. When they were filming it, when they kill Obi-Wan, does his robes go up in flames? Oh, because behind the scenes, there's Behind the scenes, there's like a fire. Yeah, when he like slices it and like the top part does erupt in flames. Yeah, was that in the movie? I I can't remember. That's not in the movie. No. No. In the the movie, he swipes and it just falls to the ground. What's your theory of what that is supposed to be? Like what what happens right there? What? He just. Force goes. He goes with one with the force. Okay, so here's. That's that's a trash of mine. Here's the thing it's just like. Force ghosts are a thing that aren't fully, I believe personally, explained well enough. They're right? not. Because no. Yoda goes to sleep. And then disappears. Obi-Wan mid-fight says, nah, fuck this, I'm out. And then like and Luke, chooses and then Luke, Luke yeah. Skywalker meditates on a rock in Last Jedi. Like, and That's they just beautiful. disappear. And then Darth Vader, at some point between like Luke dragging him out of the Death Star 2, disappears. Him. But it's just like it's like damn. You see how like Luke is struggling to get him off the Death Star. It's just yeah. like it's like damn, bro. You couldn't disappear earlier. You take that extra weight goes. off. And yeah. then they put Anakin. They put Hayden Christensen. Bullshit. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get that. We'll get that. We'll get that. Bullshit. But talking about this particular scene with the fight. Yeah, it it's a victim of its time. It's the very first time somebody's doing lightsabers. It's the very first time people are figuring out try to how to rotoscope this in post. 
unfortunately, it's just a victim of the time that it was filmed. What you were saying, Mugga, you know, there was a remake of this particular scene. Uh, if you go on YouTube, it's called Star Wars uh, SC-38 Reimagined. You have to watch it. It's it's, it's good. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and it's by the YouTube channel Fix It and Post. So I encourage you guys to check it out. It's pretty cool. I liked yeah. it. Oh, so I love it. It was pretty love good. It. It's yeah. what we wanted the scene to be. Well, it's what we wanted to see. Yeah. Not yeah. in 1977. Well, clearly, George is okay with the robotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The novelty wears off. It's like yeah. you said, Mugga, like in 1977. Yeah, it was crazy cool. But like once well, you. I wasn't alive then. I'm just. No, no, no. Oh, I'm yeah. saying like when we watch yeah. it. DJ's implying no, that. No, 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 no. In 19. <laughs> I need a birth certificate. <laughs> in 1977, it was cool. Yeah. Because, like, you hadn't seen anything like that. But, you know, once you watch Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, yeah, yeah, everything looks like shit after that. I think so, that's arguably the best lightsaber scene in all of the, the franchise. Yeah, kind of, you know, wrap it up as far as, like, the movie's concerned. We get the Death Star battle, which is my favorite part of the movie. I love the dogfight above the Death Star, personally. That's yeah. my favorite part of the movie. I love that the ships are, like, in such distinct designs. I just got to give George Lucas props, man, because... He, he every, nailed it there. Visually, everything tells a story. Like, he said, you should be able to watch Star Wars and tell what's happening with the sound off. And I think he does that. Like, all the bad guys look a way. All the good guys look a certain way. Like, you can tell with the sound off what the hell is happening in this story. Yeah. You can tell right away. And I love the design. Even down to the design of the spaceships. TIE Fighters and X-Wings. Totally different designs. Can we, can we get into that? I, I think I, I love the troopers, stormtroopers, their costumes. I, I mean, or their, their outfits. I think it's like... The greatest thing in the world. Like, all I wanted when I was a kid was, like, the Stormtrooper toys and all that stuff. I, I think the way he designed those guys was awesome. You know yeah. what I mean? I think it was amazing. Yeah, so I, I just thought everything was cool. Uh, like, the visual representation of everything. Um, and then you get, you know, the whole Starship battle. That's my favorite part it's of the great. movie. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Just, I love the way they film the trench run. And they give you that POV view of when, like, the X-Wing is, like, gliding. And it shows, like, the full view of the Death Star. And then they like go into the trench and just everything gets more detailed. Yeah. Star Wars. I love everything about that shit. Like the whole Death Star battle looks so sick. Again, Family Guy pointed this out. Why did they leave this one little opening? Did you watch Rogue One? You well, Rogue One came. I, yeah, it came after. I'm just saying. Yeah, but it's. I'm funny. in the mind of someone watching okay, this sorry. in 1977. Okay. We have all these spacecraft. The way they brief all these guys on how to destroy the Death Star, it looks like a. Not even a Nintendo game. It looks like <laughs> yeah, literally something looks, of Atari. It, like, it you can't, like you can't give a better, a better display. Like, I mean, I don't... Yeah. Doug, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I, don't future. even start on that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like, real quick fact about the Death looks Star. Like Pong. One of the... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it blows up with, with an X. Like, it's like, that's all it is. Was Missile okay, Command sorry. or something sorry. like that? Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> It's like the old, old... It looked like the Star Wars game that was in the arcade. Yes! <laughs> yes, exactly. yes. That's what yeah. it looked like. Yeah. But that Death Star model was uh, 40 feet by 80 feet. So oh. They, oh, that's yeah, crazy. Like, that model was, like, huge as fuck, and they built it at um, ILM outside the studio. The amount of detail, like, they put into just the surface of the Death Star is, yeah. like, crazy insane. And just the way they filmed it, like, the amount of speed you get, how... You know, the ships can fly in the trench and all that other stuff. And I think they did an amazing job with that. We talk about things not being or not looking as good as they should back in 1977 compared to now. I wonder why George Lucas didn't touch up that fight more. 
because I didn't touch it because I thought it was I thought it was well done right so yeah. he probably was like hey don't touch that because it still looks good to this day but yeah. you would think somebody who's all about effects for somebody who's all about effects he sure didn't touch that last fight a lot the only thing he really changed was like the the ships taking off from Yavin four and then kind of like getting in formation formation like, added, on their way yeah. to the Death Star yeah. and like going like with their their foils open or whatever yeah but he didn't touch the rest of the fight at all I, I wonder why if you're that effects Cause heavy good. yeah because it's good but I mean he could have changed like I said those the heads up display we saw that was very dated and it would it wouldn't ruin the film at all it was just like okay it would have modernized it and like okay it makes it actually look not like a Nintendo game like you were saying so but he didn't touch that at all he left it as is that's the thing that I don't get there there are obvious things that do not impact the story or the pacing of the movie that he refuses to touch and then there are things that do impact the pacing of the movie that he does touch which I thought was kind of weird like everything on Tatooine all the special edition shit is on Tatooine. Like ninety percent of it is on Tatooine, and then like when you get to the like, you would think that like that dogfight is the one thing he would touch up the most, but he doesn't. Because I I think it's perfect, even though it's old as hell. The models look great. Yeah. The details great. Um, my my only complaint is that when the, the ships the, the the was it the Y fighters they they blow up you could tell like oh this it looks really bad. Oh, they're shot from the side. Yeah, with the background and they just kind of break apart and it's like it's like really kind of cheap yeah when the y wings br- like when the y wings blow up they do look kind of fake but yeah yeah it's not it's not too bad it's not speeder bike bad yeah but we're gonna talk about that when we get to that movie yeah. are you getting ready to move on to the next movie i think we I are one yeah. question yeah you see darth vader for the first time in this film do you guys rank him in your top three top of uh, villains of all time yes Where do yes. You rank him? yes yes top three top three mm-hmm. I, I put him in my top three i was gonna say that we see every character in this movie for the first time just want to put that out there too <laughs> yeah He's not wrong. Man. All right, before we leave off, though, um, no, how do you guys <laughs> how do you guys feel about Darth Vader living at the end? Like when you first saw when you first saw Episode Four, I know Mugs like you saw Episode One prior to this. Yes. When everybody saw Episode Four, did you guys expect Darth Vader to come back in the second one? Okay, well, well, it was kind of unresolved because he I knew that he came back because I saw it. Yeah, you two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, no, but it's, <laughs> it, it left it kind of unresolved because he, his ships gets blown away. You don't know if he's actually dead. Oh, it, it, it's unresolved. It's just like it leaves because I mean, even the way the film ends, you think like if they didn't make any more sequels, like it ends on it like ends, a happy yeah. note. Yeah, they have the ceremony and the film just ends. So this film in, in itself kind of wrapped up yeah. and then it could have been a standalone film, yeah. but left it open ended. Yeah, it left yeah. enough open ended where you're like, okay. Now you can see where, you know, he's definitely not dead. Well, Kurt, wasn't it originally supposed to be a standalone film at the beginning? They just, he had this go and we'll go from there. Well, it was no. only called Star Wars at the beginning. No, yeah. what happened was all three movies were one movie. Right. And then he said, holy shit, I'm never going to be able to fit this all in one movie. So he broke it up into three parts. Or so he says. Right. Right. But if this film wasn't successful, there's no way he would have gone funding And they could have left film. it alone. The way well, that was in yeah. his contract, remember? Like yeah. he, his contract with Fox guaranteed that he got sequels oh, made regardless it. of how successful or unsuccessful yeah. the movie was. But even then, like the ceremony scene just seems weird. Like yeah. if you're going to go ahead and do two other movies at least... I don't know. I just feel like the ceremony scene like kind of buttons up this movie. If it's going to be a standalone, like they all get the medals and all this kind of stuff, it's like okay, well, yeah, she, that was the, a good movie. The, yeah. the, the eminent it's threat so is cheese. gone. It's over. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. cheese. It's well, just so like we, we yeah. beat the empire. It's just like no, you blew up one ship. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. still on Coruscant. They still got all the other shit going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it wasn't Death Star. It was like the shit. 
my whole thing is just like you guys are like a fleeing rebel force where did you get all this decorative shit <laughs> like do you guys have a budget for this like is this in like the human resources budget right. they were welding it yeah as I, they I were getting it like just if open they a GoFundMe. Have, like if they would have like everyone like cheering and stuff like that that would have been like one thing like around a bonfire or something yeah. like independence day like everyone's just like cheering like you know we saved the world like yeah. it's not like they planned a fucking ceremony they just like oh shit like we survived we, we made this happen and it's like no 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 they like planned this shit out to a T maybe it was real like regal because of Leia and she's a princess I don't know that's my could have been that too but yeah. I just I just think it's weird because it's like okay well there's still a lot more shit that's going on yeah. and then we gotta do and it's just like why why, why I liked have it this though ceremony? I thought it, like it showed how big the rebel force was or the rebel alliance was yeah. what is it called the rebel yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you're right there with it <laughs> rebel alliance <laughs> I just like you know because you don't really see how huge that group is but yeah. you definitely see how huge the empire the is. empire is so I think it's a little great scene too because it's it's just you just have the loud score yeah, yeah you have the loud score there's no dialogue and, no. Then, and then there's on one point that, you know Leia looks at Han Solo and he looks at you know at Luke and they're like what, what does that look about there's no dialogue at all. it ends nice. with uh, with uh, Chewbacca just Rah. no because Chewie's mad because he didn't get a fucking medal <laughs> yeah, that's right he, he didn't get a medal he, he, didn't get a medal. he, he didn't get a fucking medal and he's he's the one that convinced Han to come back he did yeah, yeah. So up next, we got Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, released May 21st, 1980, and directed by Irving Kirshner. It stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and Frank Oz. 95% of critics liked it, giving it an average score of 8.95 out of 10. 97% of the audience liked it, giving it an average score of 4.64 out of 5. Uh, the budget for this movie was $18 million. Uh, opening weekend, it made ten million. Its domestic gross overall was two hundred and ninety million, and its worldwide gross was five hundred and thirty-eight million. Uh, its nineteen eighty-two re-release earned two hundred and ninety million, and the special edition release in nineteen ninety-seven earned it three hundred forty-seven point six million. And the total overall gross for this movie was one point one seven five billion. Damn. How do we feel about uh, Empire Strikes okay. Back? Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie. Ever. Sorry. Okay, Thank you. You really feel. This also Thank confirms you. my idea that George Lucas just re-releases these films to make more money. Because exactly. that is a shit ton of money. It is. I'm going to tell you right now, I know people hold Empire Strikes Back in such high regard. Not people, everyone. Everyone. Okay, yeah, everybody. But this is my least favorite of the original trilogy. Okay? A lot of it is forgettable. You can really honestly argue with that. Um, with the exception of the third act. The third act, I believe does explain a lot like hey you know Luke I'm your father that's a great scene in getting introduced to Lando and just seeing um a Han Solo you know, frozen in carbonite and the actual first real like lightsaber fight scene but <sighs> a lot of things is forgettable Hoth you could you could skip you could skip out um even even like like the training with Yoda wasn't really I mean he doesn't train him how to fight or anything Seagulls? um even the introduction introduction to Yoda you're like okay uh you're like you're getting on the planet there's, there's this creature that's like going through his stuff eating his food and it's just like I've seen this film but when I compare it to all the other films like I can watch New Hope all the time I can rewatch Return of the Jedi but this film it's like I could I'm like the, the only person that's probably ever says is gonna say this but to me this the film in the trilogy where it's like I can skip out on to me it's, it doesn't hold a special place in my heart like you guys do with you know with, this, with in regards to this film so. okay so Kerwin's holding everyone back from jumping all over <laughs> bling right now yes. but I'm gonna let him go right now go go ahead 
<laughs> okay, first and foremost, yeah. fuck your mom, fuck your couch. Um, Hoth, your okay. Your mom's a hoe. Your mom's a hoe. Um, Hoth, okay, you know what? The Hoth scene kind of dragged a little bit. Hoth? It kind of does. But, okay. Did someone back me. You guys really think. I would back you up if I knew what you were talking about. I was going to agree with Mugga. I feel like there's a lot of classic scenes in Hoth. I mean, yes. like. Han Solo taking the lightsaber and cutting open okay. the, the Tauntaun and putting Luke inside. The only time I say like Hoth drags out is just like the first two minutes, three minutes of it when it's just like just snow. Okay, so are you talking about the Wampa scene? The, yeah, it's kind of like weird. I, I feel like that does drag on a little bit, the whole looking for Luke out there. But yeah. I th- but I think that entire scene is there to explain why Mark Hamill has scars on his face. Oh, he, that's exactly Because he was in that yeah. motorcycle accident, motorcycle right? Accident. Okay, yeah. but I also do enjoy when they're taking down the walkers. So yeah. I do like Hoth. Yeah. But I'm just saying that just that one part was a little dragged out. And then you're saying you don't like Yoda, the whole Yoda introduction. That's like the my Dagobah favorite. The Dagobah system? The Dagobah system. I like when he actually like reveals himself to be the Grand Master, but it's just that whole scene where like Luke's irritated and there's this But creature. he's a brat. That's his character. Luke is a, but Luke then, is a brat. Because then you also see his introduction in all the other films, and he, he doesn't put this facade on where he's like, oh, I'm this bothersome creature, and then reveal himself as being the actual you know, Jedi Grand, Master. Jedi Master, yeah. So I just feel like... Why did they do it in this film, but they didn't do it in any of the other films? Every time I see the Dagobah scene, I think of the seagulls thing. Kerwin, back me up on this. I love that. I love that. I love that video. Please tell everyone what that video is. So that video Eric is talking about, it's it's seagulls, stop it now, and it's by a bad lip reading on YouTube. Like, go go watch this video. I love it. It's hilarious. And also Seagulls. go watch uh, go watch Bushes of Love too. Seagulls, stop it now. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> when Yoda is sitting there and he's super frustrated about how much of a brat that Luke is being and Obi-Wan is like, he's the only one that we, can, we have or whatever he says. And Yoda's like, no, we have another one. Does he mean Leia? Okay, <laughs> so with Empire Strikes Back, I've read that there was supposed to be an additional character and not Leia. So Luke was supposed to have a twin sister, but she was off training with other Jedi that escaped Order 66, and Luke was supposed to either run into her or she was supposed to be the main protagonist and team up with Luke or go fight the Emperor herself. So Luke was supposed to have like an older twin sister or a twin sister that was already yeah, a fully trained Jedi. Older twin sister. I don't know how you <laughs> she, she was born, born five minutes before. <laughs> okay. She was born first. I, no, well, I, I thought the same thing when I was rewatching it right? a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, this is not very specific. I was hoping you guys would answer like, that Like, we me. have another. Is it Rey? Yeah, that's what is I was thinking Is that the other too. Skywalker? Yeah. Is that the rise of Skywalker? <laughs> is it Kylo? I doubt they're talking about Leia. They were talking about, I would think, Rey or maybe Kylo. Or this other know. female character. Yeah. 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 This whole Rey-Kylo thing, you know, didn't even exist when Lucas was working on it. You know what I'm saying? That's like true. that. That right. is an entire, like, Disney thing that we'll get into in okay. a later episode. But, like... The original idea was that Luke was supposed to have either an older sister or a twin sister that was already like a fully fledged trained Jedi with her own pack of Jedi that were going to take on the Empire. But um, yeah, uh, Bling, uh, you're wrong. You're terrible. Uh, okay, the Wampa thing does drag on a little bit. I will yes. admit that. I will say this, though. You need the Hoth scene to show the desperation of the rebels. Yes. And you need something. You need a moment to get Luke to see Obi-Wan and his kind of deliriousness, right? So Obi-Wan could say, like, you got to go to Dagobah. I don't know why Obi-Wan didn't, like, Skype him earlier. 
but he just waited till he was like unconscious, halfway unconscious. And then you have to split up the group. Everybody's taken off. Millennium Falcon, we didn't even talk about it in the last movie. Amazing ship. Mm-hmm. You know, the hyperdrive's busted, so they got to take, you know, the side streets to get to fucking Cloud City. And then, you <laughs> know, Luke... That's really what it is, though. Yeah, they're it taking really the side is, streets. Yeah. It really is. Also, is it called Cloud City? Because yeah. that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, so the planet... Yeah, yeah. yeah. things like that. So it's on Bespin. That's the planet name. So they go to Bespin. So you need something... You need an event to force them to split up. Basically, you need something for Hanalea to do. So yeah. their, hi- their hyperdrive doesn't Fall work. love. Yeah, they fall in love. They need to spend more time together. And exactly. You really see the connection between them two. It's a love story, but it's really not your typical love story. It's like them flirting indirectly, but like well, I, they I, hate I really each other at the beginning of the film. It's, it's I get, what, yeah. I mean, it's what the movie needs. Yeah, you know? I, 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 I enjoy it. I like that love story, and I know this has nothing to do with. You could use a good kiss, right? I mean, tell me that's <laughs> right? a great line. Yeah, yeah, but like I know it has nothing to do with the prequels, but I couldn't stand the Padme Anakin love story, and I appreciate the Leia Han love it's story. It's real. It's real. Yeah. And here's here's exactly why it's real, and we'll talk about this with um, Attack of the Clones and with Last Jedi. Great so movies. we have a character going off on a journey that is directly important to the plot. Like the plot hinges on this one character's journey. In order for that person to go on and have this journey and tell that story, they need to do it alone. So Luke goes to Dagobah, Obi-Wan goes to Geonosis, and Rey goes to Act 2, right? But in this movie, the other characters need something to do. Yeah. So typically, that's a love story. You take your male, your female character, whatever. Padme and Anakin. Yeah, Padme and Anakin, Rose and Finn. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. work. (laughs) Didn't get that feeling at all the entire movie. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later. But like, you have these two go off. Clearly, they had some sort of. They bickered a lot in the first movie, and you're building a lot on that in this movie. It's kind of that like raw attraction, you know, people that kind of bicker or whatever. And you like to see that turnaround. It's that whole build when we talk about sitcoms, characters that don't like each other or that have reasons to not be with each other, getting with each other. That's the payoff. You know what I'm saying? Luke goes to Dagobah. You need something for these characters to do. The Hoth invasion sets that up by having their hyperdrive fail. Now the Empire has one bit of the Rebel Alliance that they can go after and hopefully find out where they're going. Yeah. So you're giving them something to do and under all the stress and tension of avoiding the Empire, they have more chances to bicker. They have more chances to to argue, to speak, to interact. And then that makes it flow much more naturally as opposed to rolling around in the grass or Rose kissing Finn for no reason and Finn has the most what the fuck face on his yeah like that yeah Rose the same ki- face that we all had watching the movie when we were watching this movie Eric and I um, he was telling me that and I didn't notice this until he mentioned it but all the other trilogies mirror the original trilogies yeah. I was like holy shit I, I didn't notice that yeah like he says that in his movies like there's a rhythm to everything like if you watch one, two, three, it mirrors four, five, six. Yeah. And then, but when you get to seven, eight, nine, we will talk about how that works. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely get into some shit on that. But I think the hot scene is important and also gives us a chance to show like a different visual side of the galaxy. Like we haven't seen snow. We haven't seen like walkers and land speeders. We haven't seen ground combat. What does that look like? What are the rebels up to after the Death Star? Like, what is the Empire up to? Like, this whole action scene, war scene gives us exposition. Like, Darth Vader is in charge now. All that is just establishing kind of the reality of what has happened since episode four. Hoth is important in doing that. I don't think it's I don't think it's a waste at all. Yeah, the Wampa thing drags a little bit, but I don't think this scene is a waste. 
Well, no, I don't think the whole planet Hoth was a waste. I just thought there were certain parts of it where I was like, we could speed this up a little. Yeah. 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 But yeah. we do get a lot more kind of landscape than we get in the first movie. We get a lot more different areas that we're I, covering. Not everything about Hoth, man. I, I don't know. Because, I mean, like in the first movie, we get, what, Tatooine and a lot yeah. of space stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, essentially, it's what we get a lot yeah, of. Yeah, get, you get two planets in space, and you're yeah. hardly on Yavin 4 at all. Yes, and then here we get we get a lot more landscape. I appreciated that that they kind of expanded what they were going to shoot a lot more in this one as opposed to the first. But when George went to re-edit the films, I love how he didn't change the tauntauns. Oh, the uh, like the opening scene of Luke writing down. What was it called? Um, the stuff that we talked about during the Elf episode. God, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, um, um, trash, trash, trash. It was called Dynamation. Okay, yeah. my favorite was that you didn't edit that out because you could totally tell it you watched so it last bad. night. Yeah. And I was like, can you please rewind that? Because I need to rewatch that part. And it was literally like, what's it called? Stop claimation? Stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. Okay, so we talk about edits, right, in the previous movie. So this movie, Empire, has the least amount of edits out of oh. all three. I'm wondering. The only thing you have, there's the Wampa scene is longer. And then uh, you have uh, Ian McDiarmid playing the emperor as opposed to the original actress with makeup yeah so like that those are the only two real things that change as well as some shots in cloud city are better animated other stuff like that and i think they cleaned up a lot of the green screen for a lot of the uh, hoth battle because like if you watch the older versions like it's really easy to see the halo like around like the actors and models and stuff Mm -hmm. but i think they cleaned it up but yeah like this movie has the least amount of edits and i think you're right erica it's just like Maybe maybe animate that tauntaun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like do that a little, a little better. Better. But in this movie too, like ILM had moved up north to Marin, like near San Francisco area. Oh, well, yeah. So they were they were in Van Nuys for oh, the first one. But then after the success, obviously, of the first one, uh, George Lucas had purchased a nicer, more improved area uh, near San Francisco. They keep calling it Marin County and Empire of Dreams. But it, you could tell just it was just a huge step up from the first one. I, I felt like just the Hoth scene, everything they did with, with Yoda. I mean, I know they shot a lot of the scenes with Yoda in London, mm-hmm. but just everything they did was just like, I, I'm still impressed with the Yoda stuff. I love the Yoda stuff. They built the whole stage. Did you guys watch Empire Dreams, Teej? No. Mugs? Okay, okay. I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I was tired. Some well, fan you so, are. So this will be new for you too. But they <laughs> built the whole stage five to six feet above the ground. I think it's like okay. four to six feet above the ground. Yeah. Because then that way the actor get below the puppeteer. And the puppeteer yeah. to have Yoda, but it was only like little crevices and like little parts that they cut out of the floor. So everything was shot above. Not to mention they had this whole pool of water right. that was just real stagnant and still. They had all these like insects and reptiles and all kinds of stuff throughout the area, which like a real swamp. That part is weird to me. It was weird because they were like earth reptiles. Thank you. Okay, so I'm <laughs> yeah. looking at this and I'm like, why? Why are they using like a regular lizard? Why are they using lizards and snakes? Like you just use everything like use your imagination. Use your own imagination. Don't take stuff from okay, Earth. But they got like Earth humans, so they I do mean. have Earth humans. Okay, okay I, but they, like, they took a Earth human and put them there. But then they're, we're on this planet and like let us believe we're at this planet. We got Yoda, this little green goblin. fucking goblin, goblin looking motherfucker. <laughs> and it's like Dobby. <laughs> yeah, Yoda's a free he's elf. A, he's an elf. Yeah, but goblin. then it's like, why are we have snakes? And then it's like they, they talk about how they like poke the snakes constantly to make sure that they're moving for the and shot. Even, and it's, it's like not even like they were like just in the background, they were like 
definitely like in the foreground, the focus of the camera, and then like pan out off yeah. of the snake. I, I don't know why, but I was like caught off guard. I was like, why are they using snakes? They should have used anything. Anything. Put yeah. a cone head in there. Someone, just <laughs> anything else. Just anything Space else. Space monkeys. <laughs> All right. So you know how we just talked about ILM moving. So that played a big part in George Lucas not directing this movie. George Lucas was in the process of setting up his company and building this whole franchise. So um, he hired his old college professor, Irvin Kirshner, to direct this movie. Irvin Kirshner also directed uh, the 007 movie, Never Say Never Again. And he also made RoboCop 2. Oh, so oh. he also directed that. At first, Irvin Kirshner, you know, he said no. He said no. And then his, do it, right? Yeah, then his agent pretty much said, get the fuck in there and direct this movie. Okay. So that was the thing. Who would say no after the success of the first one? Well, you don't want to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like I don't I'd want, want the it. paycheck, though. You didn't want to Ryan Johnson in. Oh. <laughs> Here's the problem. Good though. one, Bling. There you go. <laughs> Who the fuck is Ryan Johnson? You'll find out. Yes. You'll find out. A couple points about this movie before we carry on. George Lucas actually got fined by the WGA and the DGA, Writers Guild and Directors Guild, uh, for putting credits at the end of this film yes. as well as the last film. Um, yeah, so the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild, they let it slide the first time, but after Empire Strikes Back came out, um, he had to pay over a quarter million dollars, and um, uh, he even threatened to pull his movie from theaters. Um, they were threatened to pull his movie. Ah. They're going to find George Lucas as well as the director. Again, like you said, they, they allowed him to do it for the first film because they didn't think it was going to be a huge success. But with the second one, they're like, no, you can't do this. But he paid all the, he paid, I think it was a quarter million in yes. fines. Yeah. But yeah, no, they were, they were finding him but for why? sure. why? Because typically in movies prior to Star Wars, you have opening credits. Uh -huh. So, you know, you have the title, you have who's starring in it, makeup, casting, etc. All that shit comes at the beginning. But with Star Wars... Because you have the opening crawl, the Fox Anthem, all that other shit. Oh. All the credits come at the very end of the movie. Which makes sense. Yeah, but that is not appropriate according to the WGA and the DGA at that time. At the time. Okay. Oh. Yeah, okay. so he got fined a quarter mil for that. Look, George Lucas had you know issues with Hollywood before, and I think that just added to it. Um, in addition to that, uh, Alan Ladd Jr., the guy that helped him get the first Star Wars movie made, uh, he left 20th Century Fox after the executives kind of expressed their displeasure with the deal that they had with him regarding the first film. You know, we talked about the merchandising, the sequel rights, etc. Uh, they didn't like that he was making so much money off of the franchise. Even though Fox was seeing like record profits, they still didn't like that this and, one guy was getting his money. And even though they agreed to that when they didn't think it was going to be, you know, they're like, yeah, take merchandising rights. It's like it's like a it's salty like, ass person. I'm yeah, altering you're like the bitter rules. that you're like losing out because you didn't know that it was going to be such a, a success Pray or whatever. But like, them first. It's like, perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly. <laughs> <laughs> So is this is this where they moved to Paramount then? Yeah, and that's okay. good that you brought that up because that's why Raiders of the Lost Ark went to Paramount because okay. it was going to be at Fox, but because George Lucas was so pissed that Alan Ladd Jr. left and because of Fox's kind of displeasure with their whole deal, he's just like, fuck this, I'm going to take my other property to another studio. And that's why Paramount has Indiana Jones. Because Ladd was like the one dude. That stuck like, up for him. Yeah, that kind of was on his side. And yeah. like when he bounced, he was like, no, fuck this. I got I to gotta get out of here. Yeah, he lost his only ally. Yeah, yeah, that was it, yeah. You know, I know Bling said some incorrect things earlier. <laughs> some absolutely false. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, like, this, we all have opinions, but his his was just... It was wrong. incorrect. It was not... Yeah, It, it's it not, was incorrect. It was yeah. incorrect. Yeah. It's not a bad opinion. It was just... It was just I don't know. It's wrong. wrong. It was wrong. It's yeah. wrong. Yeah. You know, opinions can be wrong. <laughs> and you know what? We we welcome all types of people onto this podcast. 
and incorrect people sometimes slide in. So, um, yeah, uh, I love this movie. This is in my top two Star Wars movies of all time. Of the franchise. Of the franchise. Is it number one or number two? It switches. What's number one? Or what's what's the second one? New Sorry. Hope. For, New Hope is number one. For me, it's four and five. They switch. Huh. Depending. Well, to me, I, and I agree with Kerwin, it depends on what mood I'm in. This will switch. Like, is this number one? Sometimes it is, and sometimes I'm like, no, it's not. I, my number one's not New Hope, though. So, like, I, I, Mine's I, five and six. No, I feel you. There you go. Yeah, I feel but, you on uh, that. But you're, but no. you're, you're just number one, huh? I love Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace. Like, and I know I'm going to get grief You love Sam. I'm going to be the bling on that episode. <laughs> 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 Mugga's favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. No, it's not. I hate him. We'll, but we'll I love t- Qui-Gon Jinn. I love him. Dude. We'll talk about we'll talk about those guys when we get yeah. to it. I love this movie. I think it's, it's, it's a great movie. I think it has one of the most, and I, I have to say this, iconic parts of movie history. I mean, when you find out oh, for it's sure, his that's... father, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. people reference this all the time. It's just like, in movie history cinema whatever it is this scene I mean even at the time they didn't know what was going on yeah. and George Lucas has this vision when I even when I watch it you're just kind of like holy fucking shit you know yeah. okay so I appreciate that part yes I appreciate how no one really knew yes it wasn't really in the script. There was like a fake page in the script and no one really knew it was put on Mark Hamill last minute. I, I love all that. Here we go. But oh. I like this movie a lot, but one thing I don't like is Mark Hamill's little scream. No! At the end. <laughs> yeah, so I personally did not like his little scream. Okay. All right. It, it's a little weak. It's a little weak. I, just, I don't know. I don't know if it's overacting. I don't know what it is. Or underacting. I can't I mean, decide. Because he's real bitchy in the first one, too. Like, in episode four, he's real bitchy. <laughs> I think he does bitchy. better in this movie, though. I think bitchy oh, yeah, is such a better descriptor better than Braddy. He does better in this film, he yeah. Right now for yeah. A second. Here's the thing. I see what you're saying because I feel like the lead up to that moment is so significant and then I'm more shocked than he seems. I'm going to have to stop you right there because the lead up to this, before he gets blown out the window, when they're throwing the debris, when Darth Vader's throwing the debris at him, yeah. holy fuck. It's like hitting him and he has his lightsaber in his hand and like he looks like he's half asleep, swinging at the air like, whoa, whoa. just collect okay. yourself. I'm going to stop you right there. there maybe maybe it was because, like, I already stopped again, you earlier. No, no, no. <laughs> fuck you. Maybe, was, again, like, in the first episode, maybe, like, the uh, technology at the time or, like, you weren't allowed to hit anything or you had to stop at a certain point. Maybe it was, like, they were limited by... No, it's none of that. Oh. What it is okay. is it's awful. And <laughs> Darth Vader is throwing this... Are you a Sith Lord? Do you hate Jedi? Along with the Force, I promise you. I just... From the scene where he's with Darth Vader and... He's throwing like parts of the ship at him and Luke's like swing at nothing. He looks like he's like getting hit so hard and he's like really out of it. I, I don't know. And then he gets blown out of the glass and then we get the this weird ass fucking scream after he gets his hand chopped off. I hate Mark Hamill's acting in this point. Okay, real quick. I hear what you're saying. You but have to admit. I, 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 have to admit. I hear what you're saying. Get you together right but now. But my whole thing is just like, how do you act in that moment? I agree with you. I think it's a little cheese, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like, how do you tell this person to act? You're mid-fight, the dude chops off your hand, and you find out that he's your dad, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you're kind of put in a tough spot as an actor or as a director. It's just a weird thing. It's just like, how, how would somebody act in that particular situation? in this entirely made-up story. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I could probably spend 10 minutes. Just 10. 
and think of a better way for him to oh, say something. Right. What do you got, Tim? All of a sudden, Jason's Ask me in 10 minutes, Academy right? Award winner. <laughs> I'm just saying, you guys got to admit. No, it is a little cheesy. It's a little cheesy. He's just like, that's not possible. This whole facial expression and like. Like he has like his buck teeth out like. Yeah. And he's like, just like the most raunchiest shit he's taking. Like he's just like pushing it out like as hard as he can. And he's like, no. Wait, so so he's force pushing? Is that what he's doing? Okay, Mark Hamill's acting in that scene was kind of whatever right it was a little cheesy and like melodramatic i will give mark hamill a lot of credit because he sells you on the whole yoda bit i think his acting with frank oz and yoda is incredible Mm -hmm. and he sells you because he's the only human he has to act against a puppet right and then you have kenny baker is r2d2 and i think mark hamill's acting is way better in this movie but i will agree with you i find that the darth vader i'm your father scene does get a little too melodramatic which is but, the iconic scene of the yeah movie. but i attribute his reaction to how does somebody act no, during and this I'll, part and i'll agree with you and that's what they kind of talked about in empire of dreams too it's like the the reason yoda worked was because of mark hamill like his level of acting in that and making Yoda feel real and like the way he responded, the way he interacted with Yoda, that's what sold Yoda. If he wouldn't have done that, then Yoda would have been like something people have written off, just not appreciate as much. But the, the way he interacted with Yoda like that, I mean, there's moments where he's glimmering in this. He's doing a great job. I just, I don't know, just this end scene, I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I just feel like it kills his performance. And I don't, I don't enjoy it. I feel you. But, you know, speaking about that fight, that's my favorite lightsaber fight in the entire series. Really? Darth Vader versus Luke. The original trilogy. On best, no, no, the entire series. That's my favorite. Wow. In the entire franchise? This this is my favorite fight because I feel like there's so much build up to it throughout the entire movie and I feel like this is the best choreographed out of the original trilogy. I disagree. No, best choreographed out of Of the the original original trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, best choreographed fight? Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan. My favorite fight is this one. This whole sword fight is such an intimate way of introducing some sort of climax in a movie as opposed to like this big Death Star battle like in the last movie. Like this, right. this one feels more personal right. because, you know, we had the whole revelation with Luke like, oh, Darth Vader killed your dad. Then you have, you know, kind of the uh, the betrayal of truth as far as Obi-Wan is concerned with, you know, him essentially lying to Luke in this yeah. movie. He has the whole training with Yoda, which I think is one of the most powerful moments of the movie where Yoda lifts the X-Wing out of the, the water. He's like, oh, I don't believe it. And he's like, oh, that's why that's you why failed. You failed. Yeah. And, and I love all that. I feel like there's so much substance to this movie leading up to this moment. That's why this fight means more. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it means more because it's plot driving. This fight is central to everything that comes before and after in the prequels, the original trilogy, um, and then even the Disney years. Like, I think this fight is central to all of it. Yes. Yeah, the entire saga, like, or at least the Skywalker portion of Star Wars, like, hinges on this battle in that moment where Darth Vader reveals himself. Story-wise, it's the most important part of all nine films. We haven't seen nine yet, but, you know, I think it's that much more important. I agree with you. I also think that just from like a costuming aspect that Darth Vader looks so much better in this film compared to the first. 100%. 100%. And it's like when you're watching... I kind of see what you're saying now, Kerwin. Like, this battle scene is pretty important, and it's pretty impressive. I don't know. I I noticed, again, rewatching these a couple weeks ago, that between four and five, like, you can see huge improvements. Yeah, for sure. And I think just Darth Vader looks so much more intimidating, so much more clean, cut, crisp, and it's like, it's pretty impressive. 
I'm just thoroughly impressed just the improvement from movie to movie and I think that really does make that lightsaber scene pretty important but also way more impressive than anything we saw in the first movie just the way it's staged like it goes from like the carbonite chamber and we haven't even talked about the whole I love you I know oh, scene yeah. Yeah. carbonite chamber to the the dark hallway to the bridge and like the vacuum or whatever I just love how like that fight takes place over time and that you really do get that sense of suspense there's two parts of this fight that I love it's where Luke's walking down the dark hallway it's like dead quiet and then Darth Vader just comes out of nowhere yes. and it like freaks you the fuck out it's probably the closest Star Wars has ever gotten to like horror almost yeah. And then the other part where uh, Luke actually lands a hit on Darth Vader, they're actually like going at it in that part. And then and he Darth, hits, yeah. he hits like his shield on yeah. his chest. And then Darth Vader's like, oh no, fuck that. And he just like immediately like breaks off the tower and it, it falls it off. It seems like Darth Vader's faster in this fight. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, very faster. Just He's like, fast. Yeah, like yeah. he jumps, he like does all sorts yeah. of shit. I feel like you see the most force usage in this fight Correct. out mm-hmm. of the entire original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's such a more dynamic fight. I feel like the first fight, they were figuring it out. This movie, they go all the way the fuck out. I think it's the most impressive out of four, five, and six. And then we'll get to six later, but I feel like that fight's not as good as this one plot wise and choreography wise just from like a character perspective the way this fight ends up with Darth Vader kind of coming out on top and again it flips the script like what we were used to in in the first movie where Princess Leia was supposed to be like a princess in distress and then all of a sudden like she's the badass and now here again we're flipping the script the hero is supposed to be the hero yet the villain is somehow winning and chops off his arm and he's in this situation where Luke certainly cannot win against him and has to pretty much surrender or retreat right I think again it kind of keeps you on your toes because you, you're like who's gonna win this ultimately and what a great ending to the movie too oh and we'll yes. take a step oh shut up you no. don't even like this fucking <laughs> no, 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 no. shut there's shut things up. I liked about this shut no 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 he did say he shut no 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 you no no you had you had like three minutes of uninterrupted time we this is our time I'm done this is our time I have no problems with the third act I think the third act is the film yeah no the third act is great but you did you did say that but taking a couple steps back the movie ends with the good guys losing you know and to go backwards a little bit han solo gets frozen in carbonite Mm -hmm. so you have that whole scene and that all happens when they meet lando so I gotta, you know, shout out to Billy D. Williams. We gotta bring up him. There's another character we're not even talking about, Boba Fett. I mean, come on. Man. Oh yeah. Like we haven't even said him. I thought time. you were gonna say Dak. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Erica, isn't that your favorite character? Or? Boba Fett. Yeah. No, Darth Vader is. Oh, of course. Okay, I knew it was a. But so I, I know we're, I know we're running out of time, but I think Billy D. Williams does a great job in this. Boba Fett. We'll get into him okay, probably. Hopefully, I just, in Return of the Jedi. But one thing I want to bring up, this is a sequel, right? You know, it, it, it definitely is. Would you rank this as your top sequel of all time? I put it up there with Back to the Future 2 and Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. For and, sure. I just, I, I, and I'm wondering, it's such a great movie. I think it is better than A New Hope, in my opinion, which is very rare that a sequel is better than the original. What it does, too, going back to Jason's point earlier, it takes everything great about the previous film. It does it better. Yes. And the production value is like through the fucking roof. When you watch Star Wars compared to Empire Strikes Back. Like you said, Darth Vader's suit looks so much better. The bridge on the Super Star Destroyer, amazing shit, by the way. Now the, you just corrected me. The music, too. They, the music they, is yeah, the better. Music. You get the you get the Imperial March, yeah. finally. The asteroid field. Oh, yeah. Dude, the music in the asteroid field is fucking and incredible. the story is better. The story I, is I, better. I, you get more hints at the future while also building on the past. And every single character in this movie goes through some sort of character development. 
I just read on Wikipedia that this is the second highest grossing sequel of all time. What's, What's the first? first? I don't know. It doesn't, there's no link to show me the first. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. Bed, man. It's got to be Back to the Future 2. Or, or Dark Knight. It's or probably, it's it's be, it might be it's like a more Knight. recent movie. Yeah. We Clearly said, it's a good sequel. So we talk about how Boba Fett's such a popular character, but he don't do shit, right? Yeah. yeah I like, don't, he honestly, do like, he's everywhere. And then I saw the movie and I was like, for but what? But you have to go off on stories about him and what he did outside of this whole storyline. Yeah, and there's a whole like bunch of... There's a whole bunch of like expanded universe stuff, like comics and novels. And that's where everyone's love of him just like he has his own everything yeah. and I think um, I don't even think George Lucas knew how popular this Both character was going to yeah. be because like he first showed up in like a cartoon short during the holiday special if you watch it it's uh, with R2-D2 uh, Luke C-3PO and Chewbacca and they have to go to this planet uh, to rescue uh, Han Solo because he like fell asleep or some shit he, he got a it's virus on. yeah he got a virus that made him like fall asleep you know indefinitely or whatever so they go there they run into Boba Fett and Boba Fett offers to help them. And then it turns out Boba Fett's actually an agent of the Empire working for Darth Vader, trying to capture them. And then they escape Boba Fett. But I guess his appearance in that holiday special with the promise of him appearing in Empire Strikes Back really boosted his popularity. I don't think George Lucas accounted for how popular that character was going to be. Wow. Wait, is The Mandalorian based off of Boba Fett? Yes. Yeah, not not Boba Fett yeah, necessarily, but like I think Bounty but like just Mandalorians okay. in general. Yeah. Because yeah. you see Clone Wars the cartoon, right? Yes. Yeah, and we'll talk about Clone Wars the cartoon in the prequel episode for sure. Yeah. I just got a weird story about Boba Fett real quick. Again, I, we talked about in the behind the scenes, like my uncle used to collect all of these Star Wars action figurines. They're all in cardboard boxes, but he like kept them all packaged up. But there was two kinds of Boba Fetts. There was one with a circle on his hand and one with two stripes on his hand. But I think the one with two stripes was worth thousands of dollars because it was so freaking rare. And I don't know why, but like this was like his prized possession. But again, this is back when I was probably in- Did he have the two stripe one? He had both. Oh, wow. And he was showing me both of these. And it's like Kenner made these action figurines and he had like boxes of these. But he had these two like separate from everything because he's like, dude, these, touch them. Yeah, he's like, these two were never taken out of the package. They were something someday. And I think even at that time they were worth hundreds of dollars. I think now it's probably thousands because the, I think the one with the two stripes, that was so rare. Like it was like a misprint almost. But that's when I was watching Star Wars for the first time was when he was over at my house, I think fifth or sixth grade was when we were watching these. It, it was weird, the fascination, because when I started to watch these with him, I'm like, this guy's barely even in the movies. Right. Yeah. And so I was it's like, really? Yeah, but I was really like curious, like why why are we holding these in such high regard when there's he's barely even featured in these? This movie is the movie where he does the most, but all he really does is stand still with his gun. He catches Han Solo when he really doesn't. Does he speak ever? He speaks a couple lines in this movie. So the guy that voices him, his name is uh, Jason Wingreen. He's the one that voices Boba Fett. And the guy that plays him is uh, Jeremy Bullock. So, you know, we all seen Attack of the Clones. I don't think you have TJ yet. Not, nope. As of this podcast, not yet. Jason Wingreen was the voice, but after episode two came out, they replaced him with Tamura Morrison because mm-hmm. we all know, well, spoilers. Well, do you mind it's a spoiler? <laughs> okay. No, I mean, Boba Fett is a clone of Jango Fett. And Tamora Morrison oh. plays Jango Fett. So, like, they brought him in for the voice of Boba Fett. I can't wait to fill in the blanks. Yeah. <laughs> so many, so many blanks. Real quick things before we head out. The Adats, uh, they didn't originally have heads. Oh. Mm. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't have heads on the bodies. They, Can I ask, they don't seem like very efficient like, like, war crafts. Why would you make those? Yeah, like just make a tank, right? <laughs> like, this is just a stupid. I don't know. Like, These guys really are ahead of our Super time, like, right? long yeah. skinny legs. They don't really seem that efficient. Because they look cool. They don't seem, they're very top heavy. 
that's they true. Are. Yeah, that is true. They they skip like day. Um, yeah, so they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't. Like uh, <laughs> they didn't originally have the cockpits. Like uh, they were just the bodies with legs at first, uh, um, and then uh, the original concept of Yoda looked too much like a Muppet. So the uh, the guy that uh, painted Yoda to look more realistic, his name is Stuart Freeborn, and he actually painted him to look a lot more like him. So he looks a lot like Yoda, the guy that painted uh, Yoda. Nice. And uh, uh, that's frightening. Yeah, and Stuart Freeborn. <laughs> you know how we talked about how when they're in Tunisia for Episode Four, somebody mm-hmm. like had to be like airlifted back to Great Britain. That's him. Same guy that did Yoda is the same guy that had to get carried out of the desert oh, in that crazy. first movie. Yeah, that's crazy. And Just then, like Luke had to carry Yoda out of the swamp. I don't know. He carried him somewhere. Right? <laughs> this is my swamp. Thank you, bro. Exactly. Thank you. Um, the Super Star Destroyer was almost just a recolored regular Star Destroyer. So the Executor, Darth Vader's flagship, it was originally just supposed to be a regular Star Destroyer painted blue. But the uh, the guys at ILM, they said like it's going to cost too much money to disassemble these Star Destroyers and paint them blue. So we might as well just build a fucking new one. I think it has like thousands or maybe even a million lights in it. Like oh, all handmade with LED damn. and shit. With fiber Isn't optics. Isn't it crazy that like it's cheaper to make an entire new one than to like disassemble, paint, and reassemble? That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, and it took seven weeks to build that ship because they needed to shoot the Super Star Destroyer in seven weeks. Not because like that's how long it took, but they actually had to like mad rush to there build it. There was a deadline. Yeah, that was, that was even weeks. with Yoda too. They said they were under the gun, like oh, trying yeah. to make Yoda happen. And the guy that was doing the voice, like he said he actually in that Empire of Dreams that he accidentally dropped the head of Yoda and cracked it open. <laughs> it's just like a lot of these things, it's like it takes, I mean, they're so intricate to make these things and they're under the gun. It's just crazy that they were able to do it. Yeah, and then uh, George Lucas actually went over budget on this movie too, mm, again. Shocker. Like, yeah, he went over budget and uh, over schedule, I think, with this movie also. He didn't want to go to 20th Century. He wanted to go to the bank. Yeah, I think he was trying to do everything through a bank, but I think he cut a deal with Fox at the time for whatever it was. I don't know what it was. I think he gave them a couple points oh. so he was like hey i'll give up a few points let me keep the rights to uh they keep talking the the, the, an- the ancillary thing so like the toys the merchandise all that kind of stuff the sequels everything else but he gave them a couple extra points on the back end and said hey like i'll give these up but just let me keep these things and that's how he was able to do it because i think the bank was already like hey like we giving you as much as we can this is it and I think the bank was his first choice. 20th Century Fox was his last because he didn't want to give up anything. And it sounds like even then, he didn't really give up a lot. He gave a couple points. I thought he had a three-picture deal. He did, but he wanted the entire universe to himself. But he also wanted all the rights to the toys and all this kind of stuff, but he was out of money. He had already gone to the bank. So the studio... Come, the studio was like, we're done giving you money? No, no, no. So the, he went to the bank to get most of this money to put up for this film. But he was trying to go back for more. He didn't want to go to 20th Century Fox because he knew he had to give up something. He had to give up, like, points on the back end right. of this movie. He had to give up rights to something. So, like... He couldn't get anything at the bank. Now I'm left with no choices. So he had to go to 20th Century Fox and say, hey, I'll give you the points, whatever you want. Just let me keep these things. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately what led to a success. Like, I mean, he was really smart with that. So they're saying, like, we're going to finance these movies. Well, no, there's also a budget you have to work on. You have a budget? Yeah, he went to finance to a budget. Yeah. But he did it all on his own and through banks. He didn't want to use the studio's money. They were only going to distribute... But so he, he ran had out a of money. Distribution deal. Yeah, he but didn't he didn't have a yeah production so, deal. Yeah, so like he ran out of money because he opted not to get funding from the studio. So when the banks were about to pull his loan, he had to go back to Fox, and they took a little Ask extra for. money, and he got to keep all the rights to his. And shit. you say points. 
like percentages. percentages. Yeah, percentages, but he kept all the rights still. But he kept right. So everything so else. So they he did not have a deal to finance three movies. He had a deal to distribute. Dis- yeah, exactly. Three exactly. Filmmaking is hard. Well, the way he does it, yes, it's very hard. Well, for anybody. Cuz why well, would there be so many different companies involved? Well, for in him, he wanted to keep everything, right, Kerwin? That's why it Yeah, was so he tough. wanted to keep he wanted to keep the long-term profits. He was worried about the long, for like sure. the long term stuff. Smart, of course. Yeah. But I was just confused because it was like, why is he out of money at all? But it's smart. It's brilliant. He knows it's going to be something. I don't know. Or he just he just has that much invested. He's like, well, also, I he's trust not, that it's going to be. He's not willing to negotiate on the things that he wants. That's the thing. Because he he knows. I still don't understand how he's out of money. Well, he he goes over budget. Yeah, like if you go over budget, like you yeah. can. It doesn't when matter. You're creating things when you have to make things out of nothing, you're gonna go over budget. Yeah, because you yeah. have no idea what that costs to begin with. And it, and it doesn't matter too. Like yeah, he has all these companies and shit, but it's just like at the end of the day, like he set aside this amount of money or had these many loans for this movie, and like he exhausted all those all those financial resources. All right, guys. Uh, so let's move on to our uh, last movie in the original trilogy. We got Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, released May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, and directed by Richard Marquand. Stars uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and Frank Oz. Eighty one percent of critics liked it, giving it a seven point two four out of ten. Ninety four percent of the audience liked it, giving it a four point four two out of five. Its budget was thirty. 2.5 million opening weekend it made 23 million its overall domestic gross was 309 million and its worldwide gross was 475 million upon its 1985 re-release it made uh, 309 million domestic when the special edition came out worldwide in 1997 it made 353 million and its overall total gross was 1.137 billion how do we yeah. feel about return of the jedi it's okay it's all right. It's all right. It's all First right. half is throwaway to me personally. Oh, you guys, this is my favorite. Exactly. This is my second favorite. Seriously. Oh no, I agree with Bling. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> I know I'm on the wrong side of history. Um, yeah, no, I do like them in in the reverse order. Uh, this was my favorite of the original trilogy. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I just want to ask why. Uh, number one, of course, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I had no idea about any of this franchise. So when Vader is good at the very end, saves his son, I had no idea that that happened. So like the <laughs> fact that like everyone made Vader to be this like incredible character, I was always like, well, that's weird because he's the villain. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I get it now. So that was I, that made me happy. Also, what I will say is I really liked the end of it, but I also really liked the beginning of it. Other than the fact that Mugga doesn't like how Boba Fett died, uh, I also really liked the entire beginning sequence. It was more captivating than like any of the other beginning sequences. You're talking that, about Jabba's that, palace? Yeah. Or when the Emperor shows up or when Darth Vader's talking to... Um, when, they the okay. when they rescue Han. Okay. When they rescue Han. Okay. Oh, when Leia because disguised to me, herself as one of the... To me, that was like way more interesting than like hiding in like a dead animal's carcass or you going to a sand desert. was better than like the Hoth and the whole icy planet and all that stuff. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So we talked about episode four with the desert and we talked about episode five with the cold yeah. desert <laughs> I think the biggest waste of time in the original yes. trilogy is Jabba's palace oh my gosh what? I love it so much I, I don't I don't give a fuck about Jabba's palace I'm honestly I, so it is I think you have it is so no, long and drawn it. out it, it's just uh, like okay these motherfuckers didn't even it's know if the plan would the work 
Yeah, it's so it's really fucking long. long. It's, it's really so long. it's like C three PO and R two show up. They go there. They get locked in. Leia shows up with her thermal detonator. Gets locked in. Yeah. Luke shows up. Becomes a prisoner. Yeah. Becomes yeah. a prisoner. It gives us the beauty of a fake prisoner. Then Lando's Skywalker and the silhouette. And you're like, okay, he's finally it's here like, to fucking. It's like this is the dumbest. Going. This is the dumbest fucking plan. It's just like y'all should have just showed up all at once and blew the shit up. You're failing over and over and over. Oh, see, I thought it was yeah. like a whole master plan. No, it was stupid know. because at any because t- what if the Rancor kills it was Luke? Stupid. Yeah. What if what if the Rancor kills Luke? Also, what if Luke never gets to catch his lightsaber out of R2's like secret compartment? Yeah, right. Like I, I, I get it. I There's get a lot it. left it, up it to chance Ron. or the Force. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I get it. Like why? Hey, roll your eyes. Why, why do they have to take him to the Sarlacc pit to kill him? Why can't they just kill him at yeah. the palace? You know, when you had to battle that monster at the bottom, like the basement, that okay. It's I extra. Get, I get it. It's just so I, extra. Okay, I get it. And but also, so was like, so was like him getting scratched by like a wampa that had no. But I feel it. like, but I feel like all this shit is just empty calorie story, bro. But like none of this shit goes anywhere. It's just honestly extra, though. In I my eyes, know. the movie doesn't start until they have the rebel meeting with Mon Mothma. Yeah, that's when the movie starts for me. Like the whole Jabba's palace thing, I give two fucks about it, and it goes by so slow. Like make it so Han Solo's necessary to the mission to be completed. You need Han Solo. For whatever reason, or he has intel, so you have to rescue him from Jabba's palace mm-hmm. and show up there with the whole fucking rebel army and get his ass out of Tatooine. But don't risk the entire success of you know the Endor mission on sending two droids in, captured, sending Leia in, captured, send Luke in, captured, and then Lando's just chilling there the entire time and Boba Fett's hollering at alien ladies at Twi'leks and shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, you don't. No. I, I, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, was I, agree say, with you, <laughs> I was gonna say like I feel like there's I, th- I feel like there's something there to try to free Han Solo. No, and I get, get that, him. but there's like, a different way to do it where it doesn't take so fucking long. Okay, there's, now what? Yeah. What? Okay, what long are you talking about? The original cut? Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to get okay. Cut. So let's okay. Real. I know we're gonna talk about this, but like we gotta talk about. We got to talk about oh Jedi Rocks. Oh, Holy God, shit. Yeah. What happened to Max Rebo and uh, what's it called? Lapty Neck, the original 80s uh, Prince sounding song from yeah. the original cut. Yeah. Like they had this like song called Lapty Neck that they played in the background. Wasn't intrusive on the story at Not all. Not at all. Not at all. And then George Lucas decided to put in Jedi Rocks with this 3D animated characters singing this long, drawn out musical number, which is total shit. Oh, it's awful. So in that aspect, then maybe. And do you want to know why it's in the movie? Why? I don't. Because he always wanted to do a musical number in a movie. Uh, So he chose Return of the Jedi. And that's what he chose. This isn't the version that you have, right? No, the version I let you borrow, did it have the 3D singing characters at at Jabba's Palace? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, with the did. guy screaming yep. into the yep. camera. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's not in the original version of Return the of the Jedi. Okay, we could have done right? without that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a very short scene. So, but it's not. It, but it takes away because, like, you know, this is not in the original. You yeah. know, it's not. And you can tell. Yeah, I don't own that. You one. know what the worst part is? Like when I want to introduce somebody to Star Wars, and I have to sit there and like cover my face <laughs> as they watch this scene because I'm so fucking embarrassed. Because they're probably looking at me like he likes like this for shit. Star Wars fans, you guys are embarrassed about a lot of the stuff. No, no, that that's the only thing I'm embarrassed about. I is know, but you Jedi had something rocks. that you're like, this is not what I want want to introduce people to, and then Mugga had something where it's like, I do not want to introduce people to that. It just I think seems- that says more about George Lucas and him adding shit though. 
yeah. honestly, Georgie just stopped yeah. adding shit. So Georgie. So with regards to the, the whole Jabba rescue, you know, Han Solo, I think it's still kind of necessary. Yes, I, I do agree it is long and drawn out, but I, f- I still feel it's necessary just because it, it shows a progression of Luke. You know, we get to see like, hey, as a Jedi, he's developed his abilities. Yeah. We see that, you know, he's, I guess, a little more calm, collected. We see that he's developed the abilities to create his own lightsaber. And even his fighting skills, you can see like it's more, like I said, he's he's developed his skills. Like, no, and I and I 100% agree with you. I think I think all that is great. Yeah. But I think the way it is written yeah. is awful. I think it could have been written a little more streamlined. And I agree with that. It also, you have to kind of resolve that because, I mean, the way Empire left, it left on the cliffhanger, which is great, I think, for cinema because I think it was the first time you you had a film that where the first one was wrapped up nicely. This one here, the second one was like, whoa, whoa, like you left on a cliffhanger? How can you do that? How can you end a film this way? And then this, you have to have it to kind of resolve the unfinished matters from from Empire. So I feel like, yeah, it, it had to be done. I think for as far as character development, it did show, like I said, a progression of Luke, you know, from the previous two films. Um, but yeah, to your point, there's a lot of things. Like I said, I, I feel like the whole going to the Sarlacc pit was just like, why, why did just kill him at the palace or have it, have it the big fight scene at the palace? Um, I also liked how it shows how Lando kind of his arc as well, how he's kind of flipped the script. He just didn't become a guy that you know sold his soul to the empire you know and now he's kind of trying to redeem himself okay i, think, I, I like that his redeeming art okay real quick we gotta talk about lando because we didn't do it with the last movie yeah i don't have a problem with lando betraying these guys and i'll tell you why because lando he's responsible for every man woman and child on cloud city mm-hmm. and if he didn't do a deal with the fucking empire they would have came and murdered everybody mm-hmm. anyway so he had no fucking choice as the administrator, which I'm perfectly fine with. Like, it sucks what he had to do. What he did was complete bullshit. But when you think about it, like, if he's the administrator of that whole facility, he's basically the mayor of Cloud City, essentially. He did that because he's a responsible person. He's just like, yo, there's a bunch of innocent people that are going to fucking die if I let my man slide through here and I cover up for him. Like, the Empire's already here. They're going to kill everybody if I don't help them out. And also, you know, fuck Leia, because if anybody could understand the position Lando was in, it's her. She got her whole fucking planet blown up. Lando was trying to avoid that in Empire. Like, he made a credible life for himself as the administrator of Cloud City on Bespin, and that's why he made that decision. So, like, when we get to this movie, I don't think there's necessarily an arc for him. Mm -hmm. I'm here to save my best friend or whatever. That's just what it was. I don't think he necessarily has, like, an arc. I think he's always been a good guy. It's just he had to make some adult decisions in the last movie. Okay. Well, even at the end of Empire, he helps Leia and everyone escape and flies off in the Millennium Falcon with him. Yeah. And he doesn't know Luke because even when um, when he's talking to Han and uh, Leia in that prison, right? He's just like, they're not after you. They're after some guy named Skywalker. He doesn't know who Luke is. Yeah, so exactly. he's just like, he's just like, I'm just going to give him Luke. You guys will be safe and all my people will be safe. He has no obligation to Luke. And he tries to help them save Han too in the end. And, you know, Boba Fett takes off and Slave 2 and all that. But he tries to do the right thing at the very end. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has like a redeeming arc. Yeah, Yeah, this is where... You hate him in the the moment. I obviously knew that he turned out to be a better guy. But you kind of hate him for that one second. Yeah, For sure. Yeah. Um, But we got to talk about um, somebody near and dear to Mugga's heart. We have to talk about uh, Boba Fett. Oh. And uh, how he died. So, Mugga, I want you to take this time, uh, your special time. He lost his balance. And I want you to talk about Boba Fett and how you feel about him falling into that Sarlacc pit. No, we we just went over how he is a great character in Empire Strikes Back. Um, All that stuff. No, I just. (laughs) (laughs) 
and he goes out the worst way of all time. Like it's the worst death of it, all it, time. It is the most like he uneventful gets knocked death. Knocked off of a ship by a guy that cannot see. Like it is, <laughs> no, that's like literally what happened. I know it's Han Solo, but it's like come on, man. Like it's like some Mr. Bean type shit too. Yeah. Yes, it's and he and he does have that, you know, like how? Like how? I, I just don't get it. It's like the worst death of all time for like a great character. It did not do it justice. I mean, it just it sucks. This is man. the galaxy's best bounty hunter. Yes. yes. And he gets knocked off by a guy who can't see. Like accidentally. On accident. On accident. Accidentally. <laughs> he's like, like, like Boba Fett, where? <laughs> I just, I kinda, you were okay. laughing because I, it's that bad. I thought it was funny because I knew Boba Fett to be, I've heard Erica talk about it. Like I know like Disneyland has like Boba Fett stuff. So I thought this was like a huge character and I have no idea of course. So going into it, I was like, oh, this is Boba Fett. All right. He's a bounty hunter. Perfect. And then when he dies in like the first act of the movie, I was like, and the way he, well, the way okay. he dies, yeah. you know? again, again, uh, keeping me on my toes, George Lucas. Thank you. I have no words. <laughs> to to, to be fair, though, I mean, bounty hunters don't get a good treatment in, in Star Wars because Greedo can't shoot, you know, two feet in front of him. That is You're true. Very true. Boba Fett one, yeah. can't keep his balance or fly with I'm, his rocket. I'm wondering when, when you go to the prequel, though, you see the whole connection of like, does George Lucas give him like a resurrection of? I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know the whole Jango Fett was there to kind of rectify that, yeah, like yeah. give give a little more time to a Mandalorian type character. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that when we get there, but yeah, Boba Fett's a waste. Big waste. Yeah, big yeah huge waste. Um, you know, speaking of the Rancor, how do you feel about uh, the Rancor beak or no beak? That's another special edition. Uh, edition. Really? Yeah, so in the original cut of uh, Jedi, the original versions, the older versions, there's no beak or tentacles coming out of the Rancor. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah the Rancor is just a, a butthole with teeth in it. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> they, they added can, you, can you say that again? No, please oh my don't. God. Butthole with teeth. Say, say it ten more times. We'll just we'll just rewind it. <laughs> so it originally had Which, tentacles. I saw the tentacle version. I think. Yeah, so yeah. it had like tentacles and like a beak, looking like Victory Bell from Pokemon or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I like, liked it. Yeah, I I'm not a fan. I don't it's like the beak. I, 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 I don't like the beak. I don't like, I didn't like the beak or anything. Like that. No. I, 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 all y'all bitches like the butthole. I don't know why. It's all about yeah. the butthole with teeth. There it is. They, they didn't need to change it for the, the special edition. Just ruined it. Yeah, it, it wasn't necessary to add all that. You got the beak. You got Jedi rocks. I don't remember seeing Jedi rocks. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. You're so lucky. Yeah. yeah, you're so lucky. That's not the version I own. Yeah. Uh, we get away from this place, but before that, we got to talk about Slave Leia real quick. Oh We're God, in a oh, iconic dream. Ross Geller. Yeah, friends. We, we got the uh, <laughs> we got the uh, metal bikini in 120 degree weather. So. The slave costume in the movie was there because according to Richard Miller, who worked on the movie, uh, George Lucas wanted to show that Princess Leia was growing up and that the fans were getting more mature as well. He By just sexualizing Makes her. sense. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And after being crafted, the outfit didn't fit Carrie Fisher because she had lost a lot of weight. And we might be able to attribute that to uh, her drug use during uh, Empire. She had a drug use? Yeah, so she was doing... Uh, <laughs> what? I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. She was doing a lot of blood. Yeah, she was doing yeah. a lot of she drugs. She was hanging out with Pebble. Pebble. Of, I mean, it was the 80s, everyone was. But yeah, she was She was like heavy into drugs, I think, especially during Empire. She said if she If you was, look at her face in A New Hope, and in and, and this movie, you can definitely tell significant weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's heavier, I, obviously, in A New Hope. But I don't know if we talked about this in behind the scenes, but I think there was a, a part, I think it was in A New Hope, where Carrie Fisher grabs Han Solo's shoulder 
and you can see her pinky nail. Her coke nail. Really long. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't care. Yeah, that. you have to go back. Yeah, you have to go back and watch. Documentary. Uh, no. <laughs> this is more more a deep Google search. This is dark web stuff. <laughs> you, you can see that she grabs like her pinky nail has a long. I again, I I'm not saying one way or the other, but I just I, I I've read that that could have been a possibility. Yeah. So she was doing. She was uh, struggling with drug addiction during uh, Empire Strikes Back, and then uh, she would actually later go on to admit that she was doing cocaine like between filming scenes. Either between filming scenes or during the filming of the project, uh, either or. Um, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well, um, saying that her drug use was a form of self-medication. And uh, she would also later undergo electroshock therapy for, uh, for bipolar disorder. Um, she actually suffered an accidental overdose from medication and sleeping pills in 1985. And uh, when she was dating Dan Aykroyd, um, she would hang out with John Belushi, a brother of Jim Belushi, and she would do drugs with him. Uh, John Belushi would later go on to die from coke and heroin use. Yeah. Um, oh, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so uh, she was she was kind of deep into it in the eighties. Like I mean, that whole crew then was what you're saying, right? Not the whole crew, just her specifically. Oh, really? Like yeah. if if anybody else did it, they didn't succumb to not any sort Star of addiction. Wars, but the, the group she was hanging out. With oh yeah, the, the group she was hanging out with because I think John Belushi was like known for doing oh, like yeah. tons oh, of drugs because yeah. you know he died from it and everything. But like I think in an interview she said that she very quickly noticed that she was doing more drugs than the people around her and she couldn't turn back like she she kind of struggled with that for a long time yeah can you guys name one movie john belushi was in not kerwin john belushi Uh, blues brothers there you go yeah i was gonna say twins but i was thinking blues brothers blues brothers oh my god go ahead kerwin i'm I'm talking about (laughs) animal house there you go. Thank okay, you. Yeah, okay, that's thank a good you. one. Too. I thought I was like an idiot. Animal House, animal house right? Yeah. Because he's a party that's animal. Yeah. There you go. I'm just checking. All right. Yeah. Checking. But uh, yeah, that's that was kind of um, Carrie Fisher's whole thing. But um, what the fuck were we talking about before? We were just talking about how <laughs> she looked great in a bikini. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's attributed to your drug use. Yeah. yeah no, no. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah. So I, I'm making the assumption here that the bikini didn't fit. It was too big for her because maybe she was losing weight due to drug use. I would also say, like, we've talked about there was a lot of pressure on her to lose weight in the beginning and even when she came back later. That takes a toll on a human being when you're constantly being told you need to lose weight. Uh, So whether it was drug use or whether it was very restrictive diet or whatever, either way, it was probably not healthy. We could go ahead and say Yeah, and especially you're part of such a high-profile franchise... Like that, right. that's so much pressure to put on yourself. You know, like you're saying, TJ, on top of that, it's just not any role. This is a role that's become like iconic and world known worldwide overnight, which is like even more pressure added to the situation. And to an unknown actress, right? So yeah. she has no idea. She's sort of thrust into this Hollywood profile or Hollywood atmosphere and expected to do all these things or be all of these things. And so that for sure took a role. And this took a very dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of dark turns, uh, <clears throat> somebody that's already made that dark turn is Darth Vader. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, I know. Anakin, we love you, man. We get to uh, Darth Vader setting up things for the Emperor. So how did you guys feel when you first saw the second Death Star? Confused. Honestly, I was like, I thought we already did this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought I, it was what great. I will say is like, I, uh, again, not knowing anything, I definitely had seen photos or stills of movies of like the half- Death Star and I never I never understood because 
course, in the first movie, we see the entire thing. So I, I never really made the connection. And then when I saw the third movie, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's under construction. Um, yeah. It's, it's, but also I was like, I thought we were, are we just going to keep building Death Stars? I thought we already <laughs> did this. Well, they, they did, but I think they show it prior to the Emperor like arriving, right? Yeah, they right? show it. So the very opening of the movie has the Star Destroyer right. coming out. The shuttle comes out and it flies towards the under, under construction Death Star. Oh, that was great. Yeah, I thought that was great. And then also... The first Death Star was destroyed completely. Right. Yeah. But I think the second Death Star is 1.6 times larger. I could be wrong. I know it's bigger. Yeah. It's, 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 it is bigger. I think yeah. it's 1.6 times larger, but I could be wrong. Hey, Star Wars people, if you're listening to this episode and you're mad at me. Let us know. Let us know. Uh-huh. And we will not listen. Can I just say one thing real quick? Right. If you reference back to the first Clerks, the first Clerks movie, when they talk, when Randall's talking about the construction of this second Death Star. And he's like, you probably have to hire out like general contractors and all kinds <laughs> of people to come back and <laughs> and build this, this second Death Star. And then he gets in this whole weird tangent of like Italian mob bosses of like having them repair their homes. And like, what does that mean? It's like, okay, so you, you hired the, it's like, you don't imagine like a stormtrooper knows how to, lay a water line or, or like anything like that. They don't want to do like electrical work. So you have to hire out all this kind of construction kind of work. And it's like, well, where do you go? And then it's like, well, if you hire these people, then like, do you have them under some kind of contract yeah. where they can't tell anyone like an what they're doing? <laughs> and it's like, it's weird to think about, but it's like, this is a huge, massive project. And if you're laying like a toilet main for the Death Star, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird to think about because you you imagine like a stormtrooper, all they know how to do is kill. That's all they do. Wait, wait, or do they? Because they can't hit shit. They can't shit. <laughs> well, they can try. They can try to kill, but it's like, it's weird to think about this. Just the construction of this, what do you say, one and a half times almost the size of the original Death Star. You'd have to hire out so many people to construct this thing yet again. And then also like an NDA, it's just, it's something weird off the wall to think about. But I don't know. It always entertains me when I Maybe watch that part in Clerks. That's Say too, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, TJ. No. Okay, I'm no. sorry. That was too logical. <laughs> I mean, God, so many things are gonna happen in this in these Disney episodes and these prequel episodes. But there are contractors, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but half those fools got killed, right? When they yeah. blew it up, which sucks. I think there's a robot chicken episode, right? Where there's like this uh, stormtrooper who's like there with his family, and then the Death Star blows up or some shit. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's out there. Yeah. But um. Okay, so we talk about like scenes building character, right? Yeah. And in episode four, we talked about uh, the Darth Vader scene with Grand Moff Tarkin mm-hmm. with the, the meeting room with the governors. One of the coolest things they do in this movie as far as building up the Emperor, because the Emperor has only been seen through hologram in yeah. the previous movie. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, you finally meet the Emperor. They open up the movie with Darth Vader arriving on Death Star 2, right? And they bring out like all the troops to greet him and they have like the guy that's ahead of the project. So they meet and he's like, yo, the emperor's going to be here. He's not as forgiven as I am. And they walk on, right? When the emperor shows up, they have 10 times as many people there just to show you how much more important and powerful the emperor is. When Darth Vader arrives at, in his first scene, everybody shook up. They're like, oh shit, Lord Vader, you're here. What's going on? When the emperor shows up, People are like bowing and even Darth Vader takes a knee and bows when the Emperor walks in. It's very in. powerful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just the, the comparison of the two entrances shows you how much more 
of a villain the Emperor is. Yeah. That Darth Vader would even bow to him. You think Darth Darth Vader is like the guy? You do. Then he yeah. actually yeah. then goes to this guy and like yeah. is like submissive in a sense, you know, like yeah. yeah and then a sure. uh, fun fact: so you see all the troopers and all that other shit when right. the Emperor arrives. That's a matte painting. Oh, what? oh wow! That wow. is a painting. Yeah, yeah. So that whole that whole hangar bay is a matte painting with some people being real. But the emperors wow. are walking down it. But all those stormtroopers lined up and shit. All the officers, those are all hand painted at a matte painting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. The emperor shows up. Emperor says, you know, everything is going as I've foreseen. You know, you have that whole thing with Darth Vader wanting to find Luke, and then uh, we get to the rebels on uh what is it's not the medical frigate. It's the Mon Calamari cruiser, right? Is that what they're on? I know. The, yeah. Uh, where they where they <laughs> having their where they're having their team meeting. Jason's like, yeah, I don't no fucking idea. know. Like I said, guys, we're we're trying our best. Yeah, all right. Deep in the weeds. Star here. Wars fans, they'll be mad at us. <laughs> just worry about your. Uh, I feel like we should just call things what they look like. Bohole with teeth. Bohole with teeth. Bohole. Frozen planet. Frozen. Yeah. Swamp. Planet. Desert planet. Shrek's house. Swamp planet. Cloud planet. House elf. House elf. Yeah, we got all that Yoda, shit. Yoda, Dobby. Laser sticks, light er. <laughs> Laser sticks. <laughs> Glow sticks. Jesus. Glow sticks. Glow sticks. Go that far, Jesus. <laughs> all right, I'm not mad about that. That's all right, smart. so we go to the rebels. Uh, finally, we get a diagram that's worth Star Wars. We yes. get the 3D mm, diagram yeah. of the Death Star two with the uh, generator on Endor. You know, kind of covering the Death Star two, and uh, these guys have to go down there. Um, so they're just like, hey, we need volunteers to blow this shit up. It's just like, I'm sorry, isn't this like a crucial mission to save the galaxy? Why not just give the fucking order to somebody right. to go down volunteers. there? Like, yeah, like Han Solo has to fucking volunteer to go down there. It's just like, y'all can't just say like, hey, you. Let's get the most qualified person. To- <laughs> yeah, like. Also, what I will say, though, about this is the Rebel Alliance, I know that they have their ranks and stuff. They're also a group of like misfits, right? Do you really have any power over them? They didn't sign up for this shit. But it's just like, like, oh, we agree with you, right? It's like a militia. Like it's It's like like a militia. Like I can choose what I want to do, and you can't assign me to do something I don't want to do. But it's just like, but they have rank though. They 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 do have have rank, rank, which is weird. And you see that later in, in the movies. It comes through a lot where they're like regimented and military style. But it just seems weird to me that like like they're the rebels, and like I don't have to fucking listen to you if I don't want to. Yeah, because uh, in episode four, in episode four, you have like gold leader, red leader, you know, yeah. giving out all the orders. And then you have um, in episode five, Luke is Commander Skywalker and then Solo is like General Solo, yeah. uh, either in four or, or five or six. He's General Solo. Mm-hmm. And then you have like General Calrissian, how they got fucking ranked so fast. What, I what don't did, get it. What, what kind did, of military system is this? Yeah. You know how the whole Han Solo rescue was? Don't yeah. make it just about him being your friend and you want to save him. Also make his knowledge crucial to this mission. Right. So that he's important. Yeah. Like we know based on like shit that he says that he knows about the Empire somewhat in episode four. Make his knowledge, whatever he knows, crucial to this mission, which is why in addition to them being friends, which is why you send them after him at Jabba's palace. Can I just say from my perspective, I kind of like the fact that they saved him simply because he was a friend because it kind of goes back to like the whole like we do what's right just because it's right 
versus like there's a military operation underway. I don't no, know. I kind of agree with you. Yeah, and I, I agree with that too. I, I agree with that. I just think it's just like... I get it. Like, there's I just, no real reason for them to go. I just hate but. Jabba's Palace. I'm sorry. I'm just being... I'm salty. <laughs> I, I can't yeah, lie. so much better, right? I, I'm salty. Like, I, I would have liked it if there was a story reason and a friendship reason. Yeah. Personally. No, I get it. Yeah, I get that's it. just me. But um, they go down there. They get in a shuttle Tidarian. And then... Uh, Darth Vader pretty much lets them land on Endor because, yeah. like, he knows fucking Luke is on board. I don't know. Well, because he wants Luke. Yeah, he turned on, like, Find My Friends and he found out he was there. <laughs> and then they... they Ling look, doesn't know anything about that. Well, yeah, like Samsung. He got an Android. He got those green bubbles. We don't fuck with those. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, he hasn't. Yeah. Um, so they land on Endor. How do you guys feel about the speeder bike chase? It's amazing. I, I really it. liked it. I remember. Um, do you guys remember the trilogy arcade game Star yes. Wars? Yes. Oh, that was my favorite one. Was the speeder bike chase? That wasn't was this favorite. also a Family Guy recreate or no? Duh. Yeah, they did. Oh, all okay. Three so yeah. that's why I like it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I remember it. But it, it's something that they like upped the ante. Like they leveled up from the previous two films because they didn't do that in the other ones. I, I thought it was well done, you know. And we get the Ewoks. The Ewoks. No, I don't, I don't yes. like the Ewoks. I don't what? Like, I don't. what? You don't like the Ewoks? Come on, man. I love Seriously. the Ewoks. Everyone loves the Ewoks. I love Everyone the Ewoks. Everyone loves the Ewoks. Yeah, I think I dressed up like an Ewok for one Halloween. Of That's course you did. <laughs> You're about the same height. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't like what they kind of represent. What do they represent? Well, I think they were put on camera to make money. Let's be honest, like. No, no, no Jason, tell, tell us. I just think that even though the Empire is coming down, like they use their primitive warfare against them, and it's like it doesn't take a lot. It just takes that drive of these Ewoks to kind of like take down the Empire. And they do it with, you know, sticks Stones. and rocks and logs and all this kind of stuff to like take them down. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a lot of heart. Effort. I was going to say heart. Oh, yeah. heart. I didn't say fart. I said heart. Oh. But, uh, I thought you said heart. I was waiting for Gervin to say something. No, I didn't, I didn't have anything. <laughs> but I'm just saying like it didn't t- like. They they use their That's own primitive yeah. kind of like warfare against them. I don't know. It just it just took the the collective of them to like take them down and like they didn't have everything that the empire had, but they just they had something and they they were they had heart. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's that's what George Lucas said. That's yeah. what George Lucas said. It's just like because um, originally the Ewoks were supposed to be Wookies that were enslaved by the Empire oh. and they were supposed to rise up. So Wookie backwards is Ewok, and then um, <gasps> oh, mind blown. Yeah. Drop some knowledge bombs on you. Yeah, so it was originally supposed to be Wookiees, but George Lucas said that Wookiees would be too technologically advanced because Chewbacca's a fucking pilot and a mechanic. So he decided to go with this like smaller race of like teddy bear thingies, and that's how we got the Ewoks. Teddy bear thingies. Which I agree, because I mean, I know Jason alluded to it, like, you know, we're in this, you know, fantastic universe and in an empire they had what, snakes and reptiles on on Dagobah snakes and you don't get mad no, at but it, it, you no. introduce like I said there's other species race of species in this Star Wars universe and I think that's what that why he also created the Ewoks you have to have other things in this creatures universe. can we go back to the the speeder bike chase too because I, I think that was really cool yes the, the speeder bike was really cool because I again watching the Empire dreams they said that they filmed it at one frame per second oh because oh, they had to walk through the forest like slow the right? dude walked at I think they said five miles per hour, like very very slow, and just like like filmed all these things. But then when they sped it up, I think to twenty four frames per second, mm-hmm. that it looked like they were going hundred miles an hour, and that's how they did it. Yeah, so but he awesome. walked for hours and hours and hours, 
just walking all these like different terrains in I think it was uh, Northern California in the redwoods and the stuff. Redwoods. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it turned out great. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool. It's a little choppy when you kind of watch it from our perspective now, but it still is really good, though. It's I thought it was really still good. good. Yeah, I think yeah. from now, it, like you look at it now, it's like okay, uh, I would have done this a little bit better, yeah. but it's like uh, at how the time, they did it. It was great. Yeah, because he's walking with the whole gimbal where it's like like a still shot, and he's walking through it, and it's going, and it's like. I don't know. I think it's amazing how they did this. Yeah. I think the only time speeder bikes look bad is when we're facing the, the drivers. Like when they're looking yeah. towards the camera. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only time it looks bad. But yeah. other than that, like it looks so great when they're like side by side, when you're watching them like zoom past. And I or, love the noise they make when they yeah. like go oh, past. Yeah. And, or like from behind and like going through everything. Oh my God, it's so cool. I love that. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts, I think. Okay, one of the sickest parts is when Luke gets knocked off of his and he has to like chop the guy's oh, fin off. Dude, that's yeah. the, oh, that's awesome. And he like deflects the lasers. Yeah, that was that was one of the sickest parts of that. that I think movie. Empire of Dreams kind of takes away from it because then you see this guy just like tossing apart. Oh yeah, <laughs> into the bushes, and that's the part. And I'm like, oh what man, I don't really like this part. <laughs> you just see of- this guy like after he ch- Luke Luke just chops it off, and then like the guy just tosses it into the bushes. The debris. Oh, of the, the, bike, the front yeah. part yeah. where like Luke chops it off. Yeah, and it's like you just see this guy is like kind of waiting, and he just <laughs> tosses <laughs> it, and he's like. Fuck. <laughs> I really like this part. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of bang or ah, there's a lot of like there's like somebody just came out like that type of acting going yeah, on in these movies. I don't like that part. So like we get the Ewoks, you know, the Ewoks meet Leia, Wicket, right? Wicket. So uh Kenny Baker was originally supposed to play Wicket in this movie, R2's actor, but I guess he got sick or something like that. So they got Warwick Davis who that Goblin? Uh, and leprechaun. leprechaun. Well, no, he's a goblin in Harry yes, Potter, he oh, for and he's Flip, per- Professor Flitwick. Flitwick. Yeah. Oh shit! Well, there he was you also go. in Willow. He, he was did, also I think this Dobby. Was, the I, think house he, I think he was. This was a starring role, right? This was yeah. So he was ten or eleven years old in this movie. What? Yeah, and Kenny Baker. Baby. Yeah, Kenny Baker uh, was sick or something like that. So like he got to go on to to take over this role of Wicked, and he actually got like a semi-starring role in this movie at. 10 or 11 years old so that was pretty cool yeah they said that um, him or his mom like heard over the radio that they were casting for little people to play in the new Star Wars film and so he went to go try out and he was just going to be like an extra Ewok and then you're right Kenny Baker like got really sick I think I don't know if it was a stomach flu or something but like he was bedridden almost and so he had to step up and play and he, I think he did a great job look at him yeah. now yeah. too so. he's got a whole career dude <laughs> yeah. yeah dude have you seen him uh, at the Star Wars celebrations doing the interviews like he's fucking hilarious no like he's not. he's funny as shit this year? it's sold out dude I think the four day passes are sold out I'm gonna see if I can get a one day pass but okay, we'll see yeah you guys gotta come too we gotta get costumes Star Wars celebration for sure um, so you get to uh, you get to the Ewok camp right they bring Leia with them Okay, something that freaks me out. Wait, go ahead. You know what I'm going with this? No. Okay, so Leia gets there, right? She meets the Ewoks, and then after Luke, Han, and Chewie, and the droids get captured, uh, Leia's there in a brand new dress, right? So does that mean that the she just had a dress on her, or that the Ewoks like killed and oh, ate yeah. another woman and then just gave Leia her dress? <laughs> because the Ewoks were about to eat, Luke and yeah. Han and Chewie, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, where did Leia get that dress they from? Ate one, another woman. Yeah, one of their other female victims. Like, where did she get that dress from? Oh, this got dark. My favorite too is <laughs> why like, I hate the Ewoks, man. My favorite too is when C three PO is like all of a sudden their god. 
Oh, he's feeling himself. He's being yeah. levitated. Yeah. 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 He's been kind of a dick. He's like C three PO. He's he's cool. He's just he just got a little full of himself. I was always this on movie. Team R two D two. Same. Oh yeah, yeah. I have an R two suitcase. What? <laughs> I have an R two suitcase. She does. Yeah, she does. Oh, you have an R. I thought you said you met R two suitcases. <laughs> no, I have an R two suitcase. I need to stop drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> so these guys they team up with the Ewoks, right? And then uh, you know, oh, we didn't even talk about Yoda dying. Oh. Yeah, Yoda. Big deal. Yeah, Yoda went to sleep with the Force. Yeah, Yoda went to sleep and was just like, oh, nice. I know you want answers about your dad, but uh, I'm going night night. He goes Mimi's, and then he just he, he disappears. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Luke talks to uh, the ghost of Obi Wan, who's yeah. a fucking liar, and he's just like, oh well, uh, you know, it's the truth from a certain point of view, and it's just like, it's like, come on, dog, you couldn't just tell me that like my dad was Darth Vader, and he's just like, oh, I didn't think you were ready for the truth or some shit like that. Him yeah. or Yoda says that, it's like and it's just Mark like, bullshit. yeah, just like, bro, like I just found out my dad was a Jedi. I just found out all this shit. What do you mean it's too soon? Like I, I, you literally made me go on this adventure with you the day I met you, and you're telling me it's too soon to know that my dad is a bad guy. Like it's too fucking soon. I thought that was kind of bullshit. Bullshit. And then you set him up to fight his own father yeah. without telling him, without <laughs> telling him, which is bullshit. What I will say is that Luke seems like he's on the verge of like the dark side or the light side. He Both sides are trying to get it. Him. Maybe they were trying to protect him from like experiencing the dark side too soon like knowing that your father is part of the dark side you might be like well my dad's that um kind of i know we're not we don't want to delve too much into a lot of the shit but like don't you think that was the problem with the prequels too because like kylo ren yeah and that's kind of what george lucas like made sure to do and i'll i'll give him a lot of credit for that like the reason the jedi failed is because they were so fucking up their own asses with their own beliefs that they would take people from birth, not let them fall in love, all this other shit, and now they're doing it again with Luke. We're not gonna tell him about his dad. We're not gonna you know, fully prepare him to face the dark side, or at least- We're gonna make the decision for yeah, him. Yeah, we're gonna make oh, decisions for him. I've never even seen him. it that way. Yeah, yeah so it's like, because and it's just like- just it, analyze it that, yeah. And you gotta look at it this way, like Luke succeeds because he goes against the Jedi way. Yeah, like yeah, Yoda and Obi-Wan want him to kill Vader and kill the Emperor. And he doesn't. And Luke succeeds because he refuses to kill his dad. Like Luke's mission is to turn his dad back to the light side. Correct. And Obi-Wan and Yoda just want him to kill, kill him. him. Right. Their mission, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I saw, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but like I saw, I think it was a YouTube video or some sort of discussion where they made the point that Sith don't lie. They don't. They don't lie in any six of the movies. The bad guys never lie. It's always the Jedi that are lying. <laughs> the Jedi are the bad guys. Yeah, like the Jedi lie in one, two, and three. They withhold information. They guard people from the truth. They keep you from experience a full life. And the Sith are all about, yeah, like live your fucking life, man. Yeah, Darth Vader's your dad. The Jedi were raised, not captured, but they took they were them taken. From birth. Yeah, they were yeah. taken from birth, but they were raised to not ha- like express or have any sort of emotion. Exactly. And this is why, like you said, their whole entire mindset backfired on them. Luke embraces that shit he says like no like i do have a dad i do have family i do have my sister i'm gonna save my dad and i can be a jedi at the same time exactly like you know embracing who i am being myself you know uh expressing my feelings having my emotions doesn't make me weak right like it makes me it makes me strong if i know how to deal with them properly 
Whereas the yeah. Sith are all about like outrage and lashing out and all this other shit and excess. The Jedi are so afraid of that that they go on the total opposite of the. They're they're repressed. Yeah. The yeah. Jedi are repressed. Mm-hmm. They don't have sex. They don't fall in love. They don't do any of that shit. It's repression versus excess aggression. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And Luke found that balance. He's just yeah. like I can I can live a fucking a normal life. Yeah. It's just like I just gotta know when too much is too much. Yeah. Like I I gotta know how to act appropriately. And I yeah. think he did that. Well, because the Sith Lords are all just like you said. They just lash out Rage. for no yeah. reason. They're just driven on hatred and this has nothing to do with the original three, but like you see it with Kylo, you see it with Anakin, you see it with still Anakin, but you see it with Anakin in the original three. Yeah. Like really super angry or you're completely repressed. Yeah. And they try to do the same thing with Luke, which I thought is total bullshit. Like Obi-Wan and Yoda try to play that same game mm-hmm. again with him. So I, I thought that was really smart of George Lucas to, to definitely include that. And I will say this, like for all the shit we talk about, you know, whatever movies he's made within Star Wars or whatever creative decisions, I think like that is one, that's one of the many things that I think he got like 100% right mm-hmm. yeah. was like the reason why the Jedi fail and why they yeah. suck and why Luke succeeded. But, you know, we get Darth Vader showing up. Uh, but before that, Luke has to tell Leia that they're related. Ooh, they kissed last movie. Uh, kind of weird. Uh, yeah. How they, do you feel about that? I feel weird. They tongue kissed. But they tongue? Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, Leia walks up and like sticks she, a tongue down his it was, throat. It was aggressive. It was yeah. aggressive. Yeah, it, it was, was aggressive. Is it really tongue though? Can dude, she that? she like licked his wisdom teeth. It was bad, oh. dude. Oh. Come on. She tongue punches uvula. Stop yeah. right now. <laughs> What's what is happening? <laughs> it was Ruins was like, enough, Erica. Jesus Christ. So yeah, it's just like, oh, you're my sister. My my father has it. I have it. My sister has it. And the then, um, the <laughs> oh, God. So like, they have that whole revelation. Don't you think Leia should be like, oh shit, like you're my fucking brother? Yeah, like, her reaction. I will say is her very... reaction was. I mean, same like as Luke's reaction when he found out Darth was his yeah. father. It's just like it just was like underwhelming. So yeah. how do you act? Yeah, yeah, but I don't you're know, right. But, but you're right. Ask though. an actor. I don't know. Yeah, but like, you're right though. Like that's that's when you have the no. That's right. not possible. Like why like, can't? I don't know. It just seemed like she already knew. I don't she know. Did. I was yeah, like, she she already knew. knew. I kind of knew. Like yeah. It's like somehow I always knew. So why'd you make out with him? Because she's into that shit. That's why she did it. Because she knew. Because she knew. But like, here's the thing. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. So (laughs) she freaks. So she doesn't. I can understand like Luke's your brother. You freak out or whatever. But it's just like at the same time, don't you say like, holy shit, like this evil guy that tried to murder me in the last movie. Is my dad. Is my dad. took, Took my boyfriend away. Is my dad. I mean, this is like what drives me crazy about this whole first trilogy is like the things that seem to carry weight when you watch the movie have no weight at all and it's so crazy to me because i i just feel like that's a big revelation for her we already know of course but like for her that's a big revelation no reaction darth being luke's father that's a big relation and then it's like a whiny no like it it doesn't seem to live up to the hype that like it should create. I don't know. It's not the appropriate reaction, I guess you could say, right? In my mind, yeah. In your mind, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I feel the same way. Just kind of like, oh, we're related. Okay. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like, well, do you have Tell to go? More. Do you have to go? <laughs> yeah. That's like some shit like somebody asks you like, 
oh, do you have to leave the party now? Right. I, are you sure you can't? The, are you somebody, sure you have work in the morning? Somebody else can't feed the dogs <laughs> you for you. You can't call off tomorrow? Yeah, you can't. You sure you can't call <laughs> off? You sure? You can't reschedule your dentist appointment? No? Okay. All right. Well, it's just kind of weird. And then, um, so he goes off. After all that bullshit with Leia. And then uh, he runs into Darth Vader. Darth Vader's like, oh, it's too late for me now, son. And he's like, no, father, there's still good in you. I can sense the conflict within you. And so, uh, you know, he takes Luke up to the Death Star. And then uh, this is where the movie really takes off. We get the, uh, you know, the rebel ships coming into the Death Star to attack. You have... Admiral Akbar, right? Yeah, Admiral Akbar, Akbar, the Mon Calamari. And then you have... uh, the Ewoks and the rebel forces attacking the the bunker, mm-hmm. and then you have Luke versus uh, the Emperor, and like I think the last what forty minutes of the movie is just all fucking action. Yeah, it's action. all action. Yeah. Um, so the Emperor, when Luke first shows up to the Emperor, the things that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, and I think I was like nine or ten. So like I'm watching Return of the Jedi. And the thing that freaked me out the most was how the Emperor took off Luke's handcuffs with, like, his fingers. Oh, like, he yeah. waved his finger once, and the fucking cuffs just come off of his hands. Mm. And that, that was enough to show me that this dude was not to be fucked with. Yeah. Okay, what do you guys think of the Emperor? I think he's weird. I'm scared as hell. Yeah. He reminded me of Skeletor from He-Man, so that's what I thought. Okay. I was like, why does he have so many wrinkles? Because he's old. I think he's, he's a fantastic very old. villain, honestly. I'm oh, yeah. very scared of him. Yeah. It's cool that like Darth Vader has his own old guy, just like Luke had his own old guy in Obi Wan and Yoda. Yeah, like it's. I think in order for the Emperor to truly be somebody scary, it needs to be somebody who is as aged and as experienced as like a Yoda or Obi Wan. If you just had like you know some World of Warcraft looking dude in like big ass armor like a super Darth Vader, that wouldn't be as scary, you know? Yeah, the thing yeah. about him is, like, he's he's not, like, intimidating by himself. Like, he seems intimidating be- because, number one, Darth Vader's, like, taking orders from him. But he's also just, like, a scary old dude. Like, there's nothing about him by himself that, like, is intimidating. Yeah. Like, Darth Vader is like, full of armor. Like, you know what I mean? Like He's not physically he's imposing. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just, like, wearing a robe and is very wrinkly. Yeah. <laughs> they do a good job of making you understand he's orchestrated a lot of what's happening. Yeah. And that, I think that's what makes him scary is that he's kind of controlling what's happening in, in the universe to a certain degree. That and his laugh. Although, yeah. I love also it. Also makes you scared. I love his voice. Yeah. I love his voice. When he's just like, he's like, good. <laughs> I can't even do it. But Strike I, me down. Yeah. Like I, I love like all, all his little bits of dialogue are like so cheesy and so like factory made but I, I love all of that shit it's just like oh, take your weapon and strike me down <laughs> it's just like it's just so take corny take your laser stick and strike me down I love how they, they use Ian McDermott for basically all the appearances of the Emperor they use him they, they switch it to like a different actor I'm glad oh, he was it yeah I, I like that they brought him back for that too so you know we got the Emperor trying to goad Luke into you know basically turning to the dark side by showing him the rebels losing the battle in space because you know he tricked him into showing up what do you guys think about that last dogfight with the super star destroyer the star destroyers all the rebel fleet out there in front of the death star too what do you guys think about that fight i liked it i liked it too i think it up to annie from the episode four yeah amazing. i think it's like yeah. it's, we have an even more imposing starship battle that we got a taste of in episode four so i think they, they had to up the stakes for this one and there's like hundreds of ships yeah. before hundreds. yeah in episode four like it was just like black space one or two ships in this movie it's just like 
you have to like look around to see space because there's just shit flying everywhere lasers everywhere you're wondering like how these dudes are even like flying around and all this mess and i love that it just seems like a super super oversaturated fight where they put out all the stops for this movie shit is actually going down in this fight speaking of the fight we get down to endor and we get the uh the ewoks clashing with the stormtroopers we get our favorite imperial officer once they bust in he's just like you rebel scum (laughs) yeah before we get to that part though they gotta bust in and we have the reversal of the whole i love you i know we didn't talk about that in empire but that was improvised because i guess they shot that a bunch of times in empire and then irvin kershner was just like you know what han solo saying i love you too doesn't make any sense for the character harrison improvised that shit we didn't talk about that but that was a thing in empire so how do you feel about the reversal of you know leia saying i know I like it just because, again, knowing the backstory. So, like, knowing that, like, they shot that scene over and over and over trying to figure out what Han Solo was supposed to say to Leia. And he kept trying to say, like, I love you too, or maybe a variation of that. And then he's just like, I know. And then her saying that, I don't, I kind of like that. I kind of feel like it buttoned it up a little bit. It's like, okay, they both said it. And now it's like, oh, it's kind of cool. I don't know what you guys think. No, I like the it. reason I like, I like it is because I think it goes back to show that Leia is an individual. She doesn't really need Han. She loves him, but she doesn't need him. She's her own character. She's not a damsel in distress. She doesn't need that love. So she's able to like reciprocate that kind of feeling of, yeah, duh, I know. You don't think it's a shot at Han? Like it's like, hey. Oh, for sure it is. But it's like comedic, but it's also true to Leia. And she also knows that yeah. He loves her. Like she doesn't need to be told. I, I also so like she's how a badass. I also like how she pulls out a gun. It's almost like a coming full circle to the whole, you know, Greedo, you know, Han sneakily has a gun. He's about to shoot. So she has the gun. She's showing like she's kind of a scoundrel too. So he's ready to She's take, a little bit scrappy. She's gonna take the first shot without, yeah. you know, with no hesitation. So also, you know, shout out to Leia for being an active character. We said, right. you know, in the fourth one, like she's not just a damsel in distress. So like I like that they managed to keep her an active character throughout all three movies episode five we're kind of leaning towards maybe not being so active for a little bit when she's like at cloud city she's kind of like standing around letting shit happen but like she does take up her gun she does participate she pilots the falcon at the end with chewy and then in this movie she's like a fully active character we're gonna talk about padme in the prequels but i'm glad that leia was active throughout all three movies so i appreciate that um so they get the generator down they get called rebel scum they take over they get the atst chewy hijacks it with the ewoks and then uh they get the generator down and then one of my favorite parts visually of the movie happens so lando takes the falcon and he flies into the the new death star and i love the shot where he like it's like a top-down shot of him entering the big exhaust Mm, port and then you just have that crazy ass maze of just orange pipes everywhere Mm. and um, i don't know if you guys know this but like how they filmed it was that they had to build a section of those pipes one at a time and then push a camera through it take the back end off build it on the front and then keep pushing through to film it. So like the same thing that they did for the, for the Redwood forest where they had to go like one frame a second. Yeah. They did the same thing for the death star piping. Yeah. It's super meticulous too to film it that way. Yeah. Just all the detail in that. So I loved it. Also, I think you said TJ, there's a hole. This time a ship can fit inside of it. You don't, you don't just shoot it. They found another chimney to go down. I don't know. And then they (laughs) blew up the fucking, they blew up the fucking uh, core. Yeah, the core. Reactor, uh, they blew up the ship from oblivion at the center. And then they, <laughs> they got out, of course. And then uh, you have the Emperor and Luke. So, which is probably the most important part of this like three way fight that's happening. Luke and Vader fight. I don't like this fight choreography wise. What I've 
heard or read or whatever was that this fight was supposed to be much more choreographed, even more so than episode five. Luke was supposed to be so skilled at this point that he should have been able to fight one-handed, been a little more acrobatic. But I guess from what I read was that George Lucas preferred that they go back to like their basic fighting with the two hands and keep it simple. Mm-hmm. This movie was supposed to introduce fights a little more similar to episode one because Luke was now like a fully trained Jedi and Darth Vader was ready to meet him on his level. This fight was supposed to look like a Qui-Gon Jinn versus Darth Maul type fight. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, I was not impressed by this. I, again, I watched these recently in the last couple of weeks. And even this one, like, and I'm referencing a lot now to episode one. And that fight is just hands down amazing with Darth Maul. This one, it's okay. Again, like we were talking about Empire. I almost appreciate that fight more than I appreciate this one personally. I don't know how you guys feel, but I... I I like the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader more than this one. Uh, Wow, really? The one part I did like is when, you know, when he's Darth Vader reads... Luke's mind. He finds like, oh, he has a sister, and you know, yeah. if you, if you won't turn, I'll get her. And then the score just kind of kicks in, and you get this like melodramatic where it just he's just overpowering Darth Vader. I yeah, I like how the music kind of fit the tone of that the whole scene. Oh, the Emperor's theme playing yeah, in yeah, the background. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about Luke being like, no, it's not true. Uh, you're not my dad. Yeah. How do you feel about when he's like, never? And he just starts. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I don't know. Uh, Jason's covering his face. Mark right Hamill, I, I again, great performance most of the time. But some of these little whiny, bitchy scenes where he's got to scream or yell, it's almost cringeworthy to me. Yeah. Personally. What I will say is, like, I also feel like it's the editing. Like, I feel like... Is you, it? Yeah. I think it's just. I think it might be him. Like I don't know. I feel like if you like had cut this in a different way, it could have been okay. I don't know. I get what you're saying. Don't get me wrong, but like he can only he can only read what the script says. Okay. So speaking of the script and the director, we know George Lucas didn't direct this, right? So like we got Richard Marcon directing this. But the original director was supposed to be Steven Spielberg. So Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct this movie. But because George Lucas dropped out of the DGA, the Directors Guild, he couldn't hire somebody who was a member Uh, of the DGA. So he had to go with uh, Richard Marcon, the guy that they got for this movie. From what I've heard and read about this movie is that George Lucas micromanaged the shit out of this guy. That's yeah. yeah, he was like on set almost every day kind of overwatching everything. Yeah. And so like this guy basically just got to yell action and cut. A lot of things are a step backwards. I feel like the Jabba the Hutt stuff is a step backwards. I feel like the lightsaber fight is a step backwards. I feel like the dialogue is a step backwards. When we talk about Carrie Fisher not having a reaction, that's a step backwards. And I think this is where you start to see micromanaging George Lucas. And it shows in the movie, personally. That's just me. Well, from what I saw, too, I mean, I feel like he took that role more over when they got to Endor and stuff like that, too, especially with the Ewoks and stuff like that. That's when he was really micromanaging. Okay. But I'm going to go back to this. I just feel like Luke's just, just the screams and the yell. I just... Yeah. The choice of dialogue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. And, like, on the spot, top of my head, I don't know how he would... How do you react to that? I don't know. And make it noteworthy and make it come off really well and impactful. Like, I don't know. There's got to be another way. There, that's true. There's got to be another way. Yeah. 
But uh, going back to what you said, Bling, I love the part where Luke is just hacking away. That felt real. That was the only part of the fight that felt real, where he's just like angrily like beating down Darth Vader's like glove, cuts it off, realize that like he's part machine, looks at his own hand, you know, whatever you want to get from that, but he might be going down the same path or whatever. One of the best parts in the movie, he throws away his sword, his glow stick. Uh, He throws away his lightsaber. He throws away his lasers. George Lucas calls them laser swords, by the way. He doesn't call them lightsabers. What? Yeah, Yeah. he he calls them laser swords. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's just trolling or if he just likes to say it like that, but he calls them laser swords. If you watch like interviews and shit, he says laser sword. Um, So he throws away his lightsaber and he says, I'm not going to do whatever you want. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Emperor's like, oh, you will die takes out the electricity i think the the uh what was it force lightning force lightning yeah i think the force lightning looks really good in this scene i agree i think it's all hand animated i believe and then you have like the the skeleton yeah because back then like it had to be so darth vader shows up picks him up throws him down the garbage disposal and you know i don't know what version you saw tj but uh in the original version he didn't say no when he throws him yeah he didn't say no before he throws him either he just he just picks him up and throws him yeah that's yeah so in the new version they add no i think i think my version said no yeah they add the voice he's just like no no. <laughs> no. And he picks no. up he picks up Palpatine and he throws him down the yeah. the trash can. And then um a bunch of like cl- clouds come out and then uh he's on the light side and then Luke has to carry his ass out of the Death Star. Yeah. You know, the Emperor's guards don't do shit, they just walk away. <laughs> they really For, don't retaliate. Yeah, they just you walk just away. Just threw the Emperor into the what's it called the Throw him over the balcony, yeah. And then so like Luke has to carry him out, takes off his mask. Which, to my surprise, as a child, was not James Earl Jones. Yeah, I was expecting a black man to be. Also, I was like, doesn't he need that mask to, like, breathe? Like, you're taking off his breathing tube? I I was like, what's happening here? But he says, like, uh, Father, you'll die. And he's like, you know, nothing can stop that now. And he takes it off. And I thought, like, Mufasa was going to be under there. (laughs) But it wasn't. You know what he looked like to me? Remember in maybe the second X-Men when the mayor or someone, the governor, turns into, like, a mutant as well. And oh, he, like, turns into liquid yeah, that's, for a second. That's, in, that's in the first one. That's in the first yeah. one. Oh, the first one. So he, like, turns into, like, a mutant for a second. Yeah. That's kind of what Darth looked like without a mask. He kind of looks like, uh, <laughs> he kind of looks like Mr. Bean. <laughs> I, I can know. see that. Yeah, but um, he dies... Death Star blows up. Luke manages to get off in time. Goes back to Endor. Cremates his dad's body or burns mm-hmm. the armor so or whatever. Bur- uh, burns the yeah. armor. Yeah, burns yeah. the armor. Yeah. And then uh, we get the victory celebration with you know everybody cheering and laughing and nobody wondering about damage control and cleanup and <laughs> which, all that other shit. Which TJ, they just wrecked a bunch that, of that scene has probably been changed so many times you, you don't even imagine. So the theatrical version, it, it goes into this musical melody where it's, it's a song called Yup Yup. And it just kind of it's kind of playful. It's not really the one you probably saw was the the more sp- the special edition version where it's victory celebration. It's a little go, more solemn. It's an orchestrated score and yeah. they show the different worlds and how everybody's celebrating. Oh yeah, that was yeah that's that's an updated version. That wasn't the original theatrical theatrical yep, release. Yep. Was basically just them at fireside with the Ewoks and dancing the yub yub. Actually, <laughs> wait, sing yub yub. Yub yub. It's yub nub. Yeah, yeah, uh, sing yub yub. Yub yub. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one I saw. I, I, don't I remember them being at a fireside. You can't find they're that on the you, fireside. Yeah, but they're not seeing. Yep, yep. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like that that was changed for sure. And then you got uh Hayden Christensen showing oh up as Anakin. God, God. That's awful. awful. Yeah. Instead well, of uh, it in. give Sebastian yeah. Shaw yeah. credit. Yeah. So yeah. in the original in the original versions of Return of the Jedi, it's Obi Wan, Yoda, and Sebastian Shaw, the original actor, the guy that plays Darth Vader in the suit that mm. you see. Yes. So in the special editions and onward, it got replaced with Hayden Christensen. Ugh. And George Lucas's reasoning for this is that when Darth Vader turned back to the light, he reverted to the form that he was in prior to becoming Darth Vader. All right, George, you got to stop making stuff up as you go, bro. Yeah. Okay, and that doesn't make any Georgie. sense. Georgie. <laughs> Georgie. I didn't see that version. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense because when you turn back to the light, isn't that the last version of yourself? So shouldn't he look like old Anakin at Burned. that point? Yeah. Not, not even burn, just like he should just yeah. be old Anakin, older yeah. Anakin. That doesn't make any fucking sense logically, and I think we're just doing it to do it at this point. Well, because young Anakin yeah. was dark most of his life, so how does that? Yeah, because like he he was dark like at what age twenty something or yeah. some shit. Like yeah. he turned yeah. to Darth Vader like relatively early. Yeah. Like like Darth Vader is only like forty something years old. Yeah, not even forty. When, Whenever like, he started hating sand, I think that's when he started to. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I saw he was the original slug of a. Darth Vader. Slug? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What? That was the the one that I saw, the one who looked like he was half meat and half human. Okay. Oh, so slug. the version you saw had Sebastian Shaw in it. Oh, it didn't have Hayden. Oh, that's right. So, because I gave you the DVDs. Yeah. yeah, so the DVDs that I gave you have Sebastian Shaw in them because I don't think George Lucas changed those until episode Honestly, three. Honestly, because came I've out. seen screenshots I'll of that before. Before I saw the movie, I saw screenshots of that and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? I think, yeah, he, I think he changed it specifically for the Blu ray because I when I got the Blu ray copy, mine so, had the yeah. Hayden. So yeah. I have the DVD special edition that my brother in law let me borrow and it has Hayden Christensen. So oh, yeah, shit. that's weird. The DVD you can compare all our versions. Well, you have to understand, like oh. so there's been three or four different DVD releases. Yeah. releases. Well, Curran, yeah. the ones that you have is the original. Thank God. Thank goodness. I'm so no happy. Hayden. To, so happy to. I, yeah, I'm not hating on that. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. The movie ends. But um, real quick, we were talking about this during a break earlier. Yeah. So you see the montage of everybody celebrating around the galaxy. So all that stuff, from what I've read or heard online or whatever, um, all that stuff is like a test for the prequels. So all the special edition shit that you've been seeing in all these four movies tests to see what can work in episode one, whether it's rotoscoping, three-dimensional characters, etc., cetera, uh, environments, all that stuff is done as testing for episode one to see if that shit will work. I could be wrong, Star Wars fans. Um, so, I mean, anybody else got anything they want to say about Return of the Jedi real quick? Very good. All right. Uh, before we wrap this up, let's go ahead and uh, rank our original trilogy movies worst to first tj what is uh what is your ranking worst to first of the original trilogy so my worst to first goes probably in order in which they were released uh a new hope empire strikes back return of the jedi those are my You're good yeah, yeah those are my, my worst to first what i will say though is that return of the jedi is like this is what i think star wars should be Prior to that, I, I was not really that into it. But once I saw the third one, I was like... Oh, Jedi so Rocks got you? Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, cool. I, I respect okay. that. So, yeah, that's how I rank them. All right, Mugga, what about you? I, I'm worst to first. completely opposite of him. I have the worst out of the three. Now, I don't dislike this, but Return of the Jedi, I have as number three. I would go New Hope, number two, and Empire as number one of the trilogy. That's I, not complete opposite. That's a little opposite. It's, a, it's the most opposite because you had Return of the Jedi as number one. I have it the worst... No, A New Hope was the worst. Okay, whatever. (laughs) 
Anyways, so I disagree with TJ. Uh, Return of the Jedi is not that good. I think it's the worst one out of the three. And New Hope is the second. And I'm going to go Empire is number one. All right. Jason, uh, worst to first, what do you got? Okay, so I'm going to follow the rules and go worst to first. I don't know why Mugga went the opposite. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I will say uh, my favorite is Empire. No, That's worst to first. You're not <laughs> following the rules. That's first to worst. Hold on, I'm going the wrong way. Sorry. So, uh, you got to follow the rules. All right, my bad. Uh, worst first is going to be uh, New Hope. And then I'm going to go Return and then Empire, number one. All right. Uh, I'm going to go uh, worst to first. I'm going to say Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and uh, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. Look, I can skip the first half of Jedi, honestly. Just start me off where they go to Endor. Like, yeah. I don't I don't give a fuck about Jedi. Because you really hold, like, A New Hope in that high regard. I love A New Hope. But his is second. I do, too. I know. I'm just saying, like, I'm putting that as my third. So I'm like, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, Jedi's last. I, I well, so you really I, don't I like Jedi? Yeah, I, I like no, Jedi. I like Jedi. It's I just, just like it's Jabba's not, Palace. Out of these three is not. Yeah, just like if Jabba's Palace is on. Or Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, if Jabba's Palace is on, I'm changing the channel and I'll come back in like 30 minutes. Like that's how I feel. Okay. Uh, Bling, what about you? Worst to first. All right, I'm only gonna get groans. And it's not a bad film. Like I said, it's just out of the three, it doesn't hold anything close to my heart. But so my worst to first would be Empire, then it would be A New Hope, and then it would be Return of the Jedi. How I feel. Eric, <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite's worst to first? Uh, worst to first for me, uh, New Hope, uh, Return of the Jedi, then Empire is probably my favorite as far as my personal enjoyment of the movies. And uh, Erica, are you awake over there? Yes, I am. <laughs> worst to first. Worst to first would be A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. All right, cool. I think it's a consensus. Empire is like the best. The best one. Yeah. Except, anybody, anybody ex- who has except. a brain, anybody who has <laughs> a brain, who has feeling, who is a human being and loves their loves themselves, thinks Empire is at least top two. Yeah, we all put it in top two. Yeah, everybody that matters. Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we head out, most important question: If Tom Cruise was in any one of these movies, oh my god, I'm ready. No, Chancellor <laughs> Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine? I want him in a hologram. I want him to be like, oh, like this is like Tropic Thunder, sort of Tom Cruise. And I'm then like, he shows up as Chancellor me, Palpatine. I'm like, make him Kylo Ren, where we never no, see no, his no, face. No, 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 okay, no, no. Yeah, original Chancellor trilogy. Palpatine is not trilogy. in the Only original trilogy. Emperor Palpatine, Maga. Oh, I said Kylo Ren. Who did I mean? <laughs> Darth Vader. The Emperor. The Emperor. Emperor. Emperor Palpatine. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. Boba Fett. All right, so TJ. You want him as Boba Fett. You want him as Boba Fett? All right. Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. You never see his face. He gets killed in, like, accidental death. Okay. Let's. Yeah, he has no lines. Very. Barely any lines. He does, yeah. Death by butt teeth. Tom Cruise. What about you? I don't know why this pops in my head, but some for some reason I imagine Tom Cruise is playing uh, in Return of the Jedi that like Twilight character. Character, I think that's how you say the race of the character, that, that person, um, in Jabba the Hutt's palace. Oh, he answers uh, the door or whatever. Big oh. Fortuna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 like the weird like yeah. head, that's his head tentacle things. That's a yeah. uh, Bib Fortuna, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's his name. This guy. That's that's who I picture. This guy. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it on his shirt. <laughs> All right, Bling. Uh, how about you? I would either go with Wedge Antilles. Wow, or, top gun. Or, or, or Lando. I think he could do Lando. 
Okay. Be suave and you know, be Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'm sticking with Billy D for that. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Lobot. I have a uh, Tom Cruise play Lobot. So you know the bald dude from Cloud City. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, yeah. a good one. He's got yeah. the Beats by Dre. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Beats by Dre. So I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have him do that. Uh, we gotta continue this trend of just naming things in Star Wars, regular Earth things. Uh, Jason, what about you? Bling stole mine. I was gonna say Lando too, but. Okay, you guys are gonna hate me for this. I I love Harrison Ford, but you know, no. yeah, I'm just putting I'm just putting it out there. Hey, you go sit in the corner with Bling. All right. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> and then I nope. already prefaced it. You guys are gonna hate me for okay. this. Okay, you were right. I'm just saying it's just a thought. I'm not saying I would choose that. Okay, all right. And Mugs, what about you? Here you went. Oh, you already said yours. What did I say? <laughs> he didn't go. I was waiting for Mugga. Like, All right, Mugga, Mugga. What is Tom Cruise? I think he should be the first stormtrooper on A New Hope. The first one. Just the very hey, first that's one. the guy. Because the stormtrooper is like iconic in the entire series, that franchise. Make him the first one. The first one that so busts through the door? Yeah. Okay. Make him an uncredited like, role, kind of like how Daniel Craig did. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, that's oh, yeah. And then, TJ, you said uh, Boba Fett, right? I said Boba Fett. Okay, yeah, Boba he's Fett. He's the bounty hunter. All right, cool. So, we out. So uh, May the force be with you. Exactly. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening. All right, did they pull out yet? Yeah, That's what she said. That's what, hey. She said they? Did they pull out? Oh, my God. Group sex, She bro. a hoe. She a hoe. Hey, what's everybody? Oh, shit. <laughs> I already fucked that up. a great yeah. start. All right, we're taking a break to talk about this beer Mugga Goddess. What do y'all feel? How do y'all feel about this beer? I hate it. I like it. I can like I, the name, I taste it but I again? don't I like it. I tasted it yesterday. I just... I, I remember not... Yeah, it's, it's not as It's not as heavy as... <laughs> Okay, first and foremost, it's supposed to be an IPA, and it does not have that bittering, like, taste. All I taste is the chilies. All I I taste is chilies. Yeah, I don't... It's delicious. Let's let's ask the brewer. Eric, help us out, man. I mean... Eric, what do you think of this? (laughs) I mean, I think think it's not bad. It's definitely got the hatch chili flavor. I mean, chilies are pretty divisive, so people either like them or they don't. So I think it's what we're seeing here. People don't like it or they like it. Um, I I don't think it doesn't have any, like real flaws or off flavors as far as beer goes but it's not I don't know it's not what I would want to drink would you ever buy this at a restaurant probably not but I don't really like chili beers (laughs) (laughs) but it's like a hot summer day you're like oh fuck I want to have a nice ice cold beer I'm definitely not reaching for this no I'm not reaching for this I don't think it's that bad but would you be reaching for like an IPA on a hot summer day no I might reach for like like an 805 or maybe like a He'd be yeah. reaching for the Jaeger Arrogant Bastard collab is what he would be I reaching for. We're going to have to drink that. <laughs> we are going to have to try that. We are going to have a Let's do a $20 it. ticket just drinking that and talking about whatever we, we want. We should have, have a like an Ask a Brewer a segment. <laughs> we should each have a bottle and we drink it and we see what happens after that because there you I'm go. afraid. I, think I would prefer make a good michelada maybe. And I, see, I'm not a, I'm not a big, I'm not a big michelada fan though. That's maybe why I don't like it. I mean, me either. But Kerwin, you really like it? 
It's not bad. I, I mean, it's well, not. Okay, I don't love you. it, but I I don't think it's god awful. Yeah, it's not terrible. Like I don't know. I just tastes right. weird. Right. Moving on. Oh, it's like if you soaked Hatch chilies in in like water, and then drink it. That's so we're drinking is. Hatch chili water. Yeah. So it's like Hatch chili tea. Like delicious. I give the yeah. can of twenty dollars though. Oh, the okay. can for the sure. Can the hatch is, is strong okay. with this one. Kerwin, what do you think of the can? I. I strongly disagree. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like it? I do too. And that's all I'm going to say about this. But the beer tastes but This good. is why you're a graphic designer and they are the brewers. It does kind of look like they had, you know, five or ten minutes to make a label. And then they made it. <laughs> that is oh, true. Oh, shit. Um, I found this cool R2-D2 thing and I found <laughs> this font, clip art. And, yeah, it looks like uh, clip art. Slap, yeah, slap it on there real quick. Yeah, they, they released this without any kind of licensing agreement. So but I like the... Um, under the radar. They don't want to make sure. <laughs> this, I don't know. Font because Disney would come down the font the, the treatment that the name has nah. that's smart yeah that's cool I, I appreciate that it's I prefer the, the I like the um, back the scrolling on the, the back, scrolling yeah. on the back what but, is it called but they forgot the ellipses the ellipses at there the very go. end with the three mm. dots oh yeah yeah you're supposed to have that at the end of the crawl but that's just me being nitpicky I don't know satisfying that's just me being bitter I don't know oh, satisfying is one of the tasting what does um, IBUs mean international bittering <laughs> units units oh okay cool. What is it? International bittering units. So this has 60 of those? Which doesn't taste like it has 60 IBUs at all. What are bittering units? Things that make it bitter? It's just a way of measuring bitterness in beer. Oh. What's the top score, 100? <laughs> uh, I mean, you can you can go up really high, but the human palate can't really taste anything above maybe 100, 100 IBUs. Oh. oh. So it just this doesn't, is make, so doesn't make a difference yeah. after there. It's like the midi-chlorians. In the there you beer. go. Yeah. All right, all right well, I like this beer. All right, we good? Yep. All right. 